The following views expressed are those of the speakers and do not represent the views of DOD Arts Components. Pay attention because you are now listening to Permission to Speak Freely. 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 Potluck season has returned. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Long it's time here. coming. It's Look here. like it's life or death for me now. But you know, no turning back. This is what makes me. <laughs> this is what this makes is what me what fluffy. I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, all right. You can feed me now. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Oh, man. too good. I thought that's what that intro was, but I was like, ah, maybe it's just like the intro music. Yeah. Hey, welcome back. Welcome Uh, back to another episode uh, of Permission to Speak Freely. We are joined by the host of Don't Give Up the Shit podcast, D-Guts podcast, Mr. D-Guts himself, right? (laughs) Yeah. In the flesh, in in living 4K color for once, finally. (laughs) Yeah, man. Um, And before we even get into all of that, like all of the the royal beard and everything, I want to start just talk about uh, potlucks, man. Uh, It's it's potluck season. You know, it's potluck season again. Um, I just had one. I had my first, uh, we had our first Chiefs yeah. match, uh, potluck this week, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, so mm-hmm. some of this conversation might, it, it might turn a little cultural, but, uh, I want to get into <laughs> some do's and don'ts. I want to get into some do's and don'ts about potlucks. Hey, Damon, man, kick it off, man. Give me a, give me a don't <laughs> about a potluck. What's your first don't? Well, man, I, I tell you what, man, like, I guess my... My don't is, man, like, like, I think everybody has to bring a dish, man. Don't put yeah. it on there and say, oh, you can bring some, you can bring some plates or you can bring sh- some forks or whatever. If you don't, if you don't specifically say it, yeah. what happens is, man, everybody end up bringing, you had like one dish and mm-hmm. you got like freaking 50 or 60 people. So you got to be specifically yeah. when you're making a list for a uh, potluck because I think if you, you don't, you sh- have about a, a your receipt is what? your meal ticket. Like if you don't like, I, I'm not yeah. feeding you. If you didn't bring food, you don't get a plate. Bro. Like go away. <laughs> everybody bring. Everybody want to bring plates and cups. Everybody walk through the door with some plates. Or and like cups. a twelve pack of soda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. So I think you got mo- most definitely everybody need to bring a dish, man. Some yeah. type of a dish. Yeah. Well, that's because people don't. Yeah. Some but, people don't ever know what to bring, man. Yeah. Yeah. What's your thoughts on yeah. like like you know, so mm. I, I, I led the pot I led the potluck this year, right? And I got like six phone calls. Hey bro, um what you want me to bring? What bro? can I bring? I'm yeah. like, oh, it's a potluck. Yeah. Like bring whatever. <laughs> bring whatever. It's, like but yeah. I guess some people like what kind of guys are are y'all like the hey, just tell me what to bring and I'm gonna bring it people, or are y'all the I got it, I'm gonna bring some kind of people. I'm like, dude, I get out crayons for stuff like that. Like I put like a sign up sheet and have like three dessert slots and like what uh-huh. I, you know what I mean, like break it down by category and make people sign up for that. So at least it, it gets them in a lane. And then for me, it's like, yeah. I, I like, cause I'm a, you know me, I'm a cook and I, I like baking stuff in my old age. So like if somebody tells me it's like, I'm bringing biscuits or I'm bringing like a dessert yeah. that I baked or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I get out crayons because Otherwise, like not only do you end up with like 
people doing like uh, like skating out by doing something like we talked about already, but you get like uh, a bunch of the same crap or like like we did one at my gym recently. And like there was like five different versions of mac and cheese. Like I don't need I don't need that. I need like you know what I mean. Like I want some variety oh, yeah. and yeah. yeah yeah yeah. So I but I like baking. So, I, so, I let, me, some. so let me let me tell you how I've been skating off though, man. You know, I, <laughs> and this is not normally me either, man. It's normally mm-hmm. I, I'm a, I'm a, I cook too, man. I throw some on the grill, mm-hmm. you know, ribs or whatever the case may be. I might even do some wings or something, right? Yeah. But for the last two potlucks, man, here at, at, at my job, man, this one guy go out and buy these wings, man. Big old thing of wings, right? <laughs> yeah. So guess what? He asked, hey, who want to put in on them? So yeah. guess what? I put it, I've been oh putting on these, in on these wings, man. So I, <laughs> that's just nasty. So I ain't been like actually like you're cooking just, anything, man. You're the dude, like, yeah. Salt and pepper wings. You're the dude that signs the card after somebody <laughs> yeah. else fills it out, and you're like, yeah, it's for me too. This gift is from us. This gift is from us. <laughs> I paid money though, bro. I paid money though, man. Like they were salt and pepper, wasn't they? They were salt and pepper wings. Yeah, salt and pepper wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course, Kylie, yeah, right? Hey, so, I, <laughs> so uh, mine is my first don't though is, uh, man, don't be trying nothing new in, in front of the yeah. pop crowd, man. <laughs> Play the hints. Don't Play experiment. Hints, yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I yeah, never man. put raisins in the mac and cheese before, but like, don't do it today. You <laughs> <laughs> sounded like such a good idea. I wanted to share my joy. Like, <laughs> bro, Play the hints, right man. about that shit, man. And then they be watching too, man. Nobody eating that shit, man. You already know ain't nobody eating it, man. Like, nah, nah, nah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, and that's one of my dudes. So oh, one of my man. dudes is, I, 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 sit, I do surveillance. So I sit down for a mm-hmm. little bit and I watch what stays <laughs> on people's plates right so so yeah. I kind of scope it out I see what stay on people's plates and then when I do get up I, I stay away from that shit you know what I'm saying and whenever <laughs> and whenever somebody break two <laughs> options whenever somebody normally break two options they both probably they're worried up. about one <laughs> yeah they're at least worried like one and like a and like a yeah. here's some cinnamon rolls just in case one in a pop <laughs> yeah like one yeah. In a pop. oh yeah so I, I made this one with bacon and then i just did this the veggie version like okay yeah um, i got uh, i got another and I, this one might be cultural this one might be cultural right uh but uh cranberry sauce i, I never mm. ate the homemade cranberry sauce yeah so you know i my gr- I grew up with my grandma in North Philly. Oh, oh, black mm-hmm. lady in North Philly. She got that can from out eight. Yeah, <laughs> used the can yeah. opener, opened that can, and that cranberry yep. sauce flopped out of that can, and we yep. loved it. It's yeah. got to keep the little <laughs> ribs in it too, dude. Otherwise, it doesn't yeah, feel authentic, and yeah. then you just slice hey. it up. <laughs> That's it right cranberry there. sauce yep. to me. So what, you said somebody. So somebody made homemade. I saw homemade. cranberry. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and I How love y'all. Let, let me. It's a different thing. Oh, it's a different thing. And it's yeah. And it's people I love dear that made homemade cranberry sauce. So I don't want them to be mad. But I just I can't eat it. Yeah, <laughs> I can't eat it. I can't. I don't want to see cranberries. <laughs> I need to see ribs. I need like like D got said. I yeah. need to see yeah. the ribs. I need the can, can shape. That's it. <laughs> That's cranberry. So I want that shit mm. with the preservatives or whatever it is in it. That's the shit that I want. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a different thing no though, man. It's like. The cranberry, the cranberry sauce from Chester. We were just talking about this a few days ago in Boston. I just can't got back from Boston, and uh, my buddy was talking about mac and cheese, and it was like it's like Kraft mac and cheese or whatever, and like homemade mac and cheese. That's not the same thing. 
Like, it's like I grew up on the stuff out of a box and I love it for that reason because it feels like home, but it's like, it's not the same thing. I like the other stuff too, but yeah. That was an edit. That was an edit. Just air your dirt. Air your dirty laundry, like it's just like <laughs> hey, that that was an edit, man. Internet. I don't know, man. Like so, you know, we we potted with D guts before, and he called me out on my internet before. Maybe it is my internet. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think it know. might be. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, I mean, last time we did this, no shit, man. It, it could have been a maybe. Yeah. But today, today, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you, I'm the common denominator, so maybe I'm breaking your internet. But like, I can see Damon fine, and me and him are talking, and his video's clear. Yeah. So like, uh. yeah, it's, it's too much power, man. It's too much power between the three of us, man. Yeah. That's what it is, man. My internet can't. <laughs> yeah. My internet, too many my internet can't take stones in one place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, but. <laughs> we we were we were wrapping up a conversation about do's and don'ts. Uh, potluck, and I admit I, I'm the guy that bought the fried chicken. You know what I mean? I went to the store, <laughs> I got the catered order. Ain't nobody go in. Ain't nobody. I wouldn't have let nobody go in with me though. But I got the catered order of the fried chicken, and it it was a hit. The fried chicken that was going to be my don't hit. like don't buy don't buy unless like yeah, we're talking about yeah, chips yeah. and and shit like that. It's like okay, but. Uh yeah, don't go fucking buy muffins or something. Like, don't go buy. <laughs> well, that's that, that's my only <laughs> issue is, bro. That my only issue is is it depend on how many people, man. Like, like for me, yeah. like if I did wings or I do my ribs or whatever, we talking about, man. For me, mm. and why work, man? We talking about 50, 60 people, yeah. if not more. I'm not gonna be cooking no ribs yeah. with 50, 60 people, man. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's fair. It's not happening. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm camera, know. I'm camera shy when it comes to uh, cooking for the masses. You know what I'm saying? I'm still working myself <laughs> well, up. I mean, to I like, love that. I love this. Yeah, the yeah, I know, face. yeah, I know, like, man. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I got like childhood, like, you know, just wounds from times I cooked and the shit ain't come out right. You know what I mean? So <laughs> as I'm growing as an adult, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to work my way into cooking for like more than my wife. You know what I mean? Yeah. She loves yeah, me. So She's not going to say nothing too crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah my wife will tell me. Great, She's like, don't you do this for a living? Yeah, like, I've, I've heard that like a dozen times. Like, don't you, don't you like, don't you have a culinary degree? Don't you do this? Don't you get paid to do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, that that'd be another oh, thing when the CSs bring bad food to the potluck, man. Like, come oh, on, come on, man. Y'all better than this. Yeah, like <laughs> we could go down a whole rabbit hole, but I got a podcast <laughs> called Fight Me. You could go listen to. That's all about <laughs> all about why it's not their fault. Like they never get taught how to cook, and then they're just, you know what I mean. But we don't gotta go down that road. Yeah, yeah. It's not their fault. Yeah. Hey, so <laughs> it's our fault. Hey, well, I guess we gotta, you know. um, we got to kind of wish Damon a happy birthday, man. A happy old man. Am yeah, I the oldest dude here? Yeah, man. How old are yeah. you, Damon? Uh, How old are you? I might be. I don't, I don't mind telling my age. Nah, come on, man. I'm 39. Am I the oldest dude here? You don't have to tell me your yeah. actual age. Am I the oldest dude here? Yeah. No, you're not the oldest. Oh, okay. no, I didn't think so. Yeah, I, I, you, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm I wasn't sure. So I there, look young, though. That's what I'm saying. I wasn't sure. Young, so there you go. <laughs> dudes, yeah. that, dudes that dress <laughs> young. <laughs> what do you mean? Dudes, dudes that dress young, guys, try to act like they look young. Like, <laughs> uh, I, can, I can pass from 19. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> take, the jeans know, right? and, take the jeans and sneakers off. Put some slacks on, man. Yeah. Let's see real <laughs> Yeah, man. It's about that time <laughs> for me, bro. For real. Never. Put a cake on. Slacks, slacks <laughs> for everything, I wear Vans, jeans, and T-shirts. I look like I'm 50. I don't even know. That's just, I'm doing what I want with my life. Oh, man. Hey, well, 
Speaking uh, yeah, of man, I had a pretty good birthday, man. Went bad, What'd you do? man. Well, I, you know, my back jacked up, so I couldn't do too much. You uh-huh. know what I mean? But, you know, the wife took me out and, you know, we had a good time out there, man. I got some, some, um, some video podcast stuff coming, man, you know, for All my right. birthday. So I got to step my game up because, because, you know, yeah. some stuff coming in. So hopefully I'll be. Next time me and Dumbo Pod, I'll be ready to rock and roll, man. Yeah, well, you don't got to worry about your internet, Hopefully. so that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. You got internet equipment? Good, you talk about equipment? Yeah, I got equi- yeah, yeah, yeah. I got some stuff coming in, Sweet. man. You know what I mean? You're going to know how I use uh, it. But yeah, other than that, man, you know, um, like I said, I can't do too much, man, with my freaking leg and shit. But other than that, man, it was a good birthday, man. All right, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. If you got a self, like, let's say one of your best friends gave you a self-help book. Right, as a gift. Would you would you have any issues with that? I wouldn't have an issue. I mean I'm, <laughs> I guess I guess it kind of depends on what the book yeah. get self help. <laughs> but um what if it, it, like it, what it, if it was like, titled It's a what gift if, though, it's a gift, so what I if it was like, what first, if this was the title? What if, yeah, but what if this was the title? You're not as smart as you think Uh-oh. you are. Get off your ass and go do some work. Would you have an issue with that? I have to ask what that means, bro. <laughs> like, what you what, what what does this mean? Like, what, what you mean by this, man? Like, explain yourself, player. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, explain yourself. Like, nah, I don't want that book, man. He might take that. He or she may have to take that book back with him. Yeah. Well, man, yeah, I don't hey, want that, bro. I don't I'm reading. I'm reading a self help book right now that one of my friends got me. That's what. That's what. That's what. <laughs> what, what? What's the name? <laughs> what's the name? It's a, it's a, you're not as smart as you think you are. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's called. Uh, Battle, it's called Battlefield of the Mind uh, by Joyce Meyer. It's about how mm-hmm. you can implant thoughts. Well, it's, well, it's not. It's a religious book or whatever. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, that's where I think he probably, he probably wanted me to yeah, get some religion in me, right? Yeah. But it's about how the devil, <laughs> the devil can Jesus. implant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's funny because he brought it. So he brought it eight years ago, right? And I'm just finally like reading shit, right? So, yeah. and I probably grew from whoever the fuck he thought I was back then when he brought it. But it was yeah. about how like uh, the devil could like it's a war going. It's a spiritual warfare going on in your head, and you could kind of talk yourself out of your blessings and stuff like that. Um, pretty decent book. I'll review it. I'll give it like a 2.5 out of 5 in a week or something when I finish this book. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I have not had great luck with books uh, recently. But with anything else you do for your birthday, anything noteworthy, gifts, what'd you get? What kind of gifts you got, man? Yeah, man, I got, well, I got like I said, I got the webcam stuff coming. Got got new lights and stuff. You know what I mean? Um, like It's like a better setup, though. You know what I mean? That's kind of what stuff I got for my birthday, man. Uh, went out last night with, with a couple, couple friends, man. We just went somewhere and just sat down, ate. Went yeah. to this little spot, man. Music playing, little bar area. I had, couldn't do nothing. You know, I normally get up and do my little same dance. I couldn't even get up and do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but other than that, man, I had a good time. Yeah. Bad, man. Okay. Hey, D Gus, man. man. Loving the bear, bro. Loving the bear. Like man. that. It's a little homeless. Yeah, I'm learning how to trim it still. So I got a little homeless yeah. vibe going. Yeah, you doing anything? Man. Like you, you got like any like, you know, they sell all that shit at Target now, all the like oh, yeah. cream yeah. and all um, that stuff. There's a place from back home called, and I just found it like, you know, the spy algorithm on social media suggested them. But uh, I ordered this like kit from Detroit Grooming Company and it's got like the beard mm-hmm. butter and the oil and the whatever. I got like a brush and a comb and a, there's something about, like a conditioner that I use in the shower and stuff. So yeah, just that. But yeah. and you better let it go then. Oh, yeah. We're talking about, yep. we talking about tr- way down I'm here. Trying to, way I'm trying, I'm trying to get like right here. I'm trying to like, 
I just want to like get it like out out a little bit and like probably right there. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I'm not going too right. much further, but yeah, I'm letting it right now. I'm just kind of like bulking and then I'm going to like figure out how to, I'll probably have a professional like shape it a little bit. I don't want to look like a backstreet boy or nothing, but like, I just want to like clean it up and like look less homeless. <laughs> yeah. So, well, well, yeah. my, as we all know, my internet's a little blurry. So you got any grays in there? Or are you still oh, yes. full? Of- yes, sir. I got a bunch right here. That was like, what was funny is like, Everybody thought I looked so young before uh, the beard. And so, like, uh, we went to the package store in... Uh, what are you shaking your head for, sir? I age like fine wine. I age like fucking George Clooney. You calm down. I, we went to the package store at the uh, Air Force Base near the Constitution. And uh, I went in, and, like, to buy a bottle of Captain and um, and some other stuff. And the lady didn't card me. And I was like... Yes, <laughs> like the first time in my oh, life, shit. somebody Damn. hasn't carded me yeah. for booze because I got all this gray hair right here and stuff. So, oh, yeah. I mean, she didn't seem like she was that sharp either, but like, so maybe she doesn't card anybody. I don't know. <laughs> but I took it as a win. Yeah, I was like, I look like a grown up now. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. It's funny when people like so don't card you. Like, they yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so me, first time it's no. ever happened. I got all these wrinkles and creases in my face and all this gray hair now. So, yeah, man, hey, man, that retirement. We 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 gonna get into that a little bit later too, man. Just that retirement, man. I know okay, you're loving life over there. Let's do it. Um, I, mm-hmm. real it's quick, great. my week, man. My my hot water heater went down. Um, on the weekend, Ooh. man, my hot water heater went down. Fixed it, you know, same day, man. I'm an electrician in the United States Navy, man. Why, why would I do anything less? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Um, cut, mm. cut, cut myself in the process. Uh, I had to call Damon. I thought it was, I left it was my an electrical meter. issue. Come on, man. Come on, man. It was a gang, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was definitely, it was, a. Uh, it was, <laughs> it was a heating element. It was a heating element. It was a heating element. Uh, um, but so, you know, uh, went down, realized first time I ever realized I couldn't find my meter. So I had to go buy a new meter. Uh, first, I went to Home Depot. If you listen to this pod, you know I live by the worst Home Depot in the world. So uh, I, I had to go back out again and get some more stuff. So I wound up going to Lowe's. I fixed it. It was funny, like, because, you know, some, I think my wife forgets that, like, I'm an electrician. Like, that's that's my rate. You know, she tried, oh, we'll figure this out, babe. She was like, you know, when I got it done, she's like, congrats, babe. I'm like, babe, you gotta congratulate me for that. Like, just, I could have done this. Fire me. Inside my head, though. Inside my head. She got a little handyman. She didn't know she had a little handyman. Inside my head, I'm like, yes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, you know, your wife, your wife, uh, you know, being concerned about something getting fixed is like worse than a CO, man. That's not like, and she not even, there's no pressure from her. She's just living her life. But I'm like, yo, she has to wash up some. You know what I mean? Like, like I got to get this thing fixed or whatever like that. Um, only other thing I did outside of that was um, real cool story. So we talked a couple of weeks ago about Keiko and courtesy Keiko and some things like that. Um, and I had the, man, I had the privilege um, to go and uh, do plain side honors for... Uh, some I, I don't want to say any names, but uh, one of these uh, sellers, he died. It was a seller who died uh, during Pearl Harbor, um, during the attack. Uh, he the, the ship pretty much, you know, went upside down um, and like all like 400 sellers died and they were like lost on a ship. And in 2015, they did like a DNA project to uh, figure out 
you know, who these people were, they start, you know, um, re- retrieving bodies and stuff like that. So, uh, the guys, so they finally found this guy. I think he was number 390 or 400. So he was recently found, um, and his uncle, who's a, who's an older gentleman himself. Uh, I mean, his nephew, who's an older gentleman himself, um, was contacted cause it was, I think a 91.9%, um, chance that they were related. So that, and it, you know, he confirmed that that guy was his, um, his uncle, the guy died when he was 21 years old. So it was pretty cool. So what happened was, um, I met up with the family. Um, he was already at the airport. So normally you go to the hotel, you pick the family up, you take them to the airport. Um, and y'all ride the tarmac. And when the plane that's carrying the family member lands, it's a ceremony to accept the coffin and take the coffin into the hearse. So we met up, we talked, man, we had a great time. I was like really happy that this was the scenario versus a young, like uh, killed in action seller or something like that. This was not that. So, uh, you know, we went over to the tarmac, plane landed, real nice uh, ceremony, those ceremonial guard uh, kids, man, those guys were outstanding, man. Um, some real, 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 uh, good guys, you know, these ceremonial guard guys, they never, ever been to the fleet. Um, they don't even really work their rates yet. They go straight from, um, boot camp pretty much. I think they do a couple of weeks. Um, and then they go straight to ceremonial guard, man. These guys were outstanding professional. Um, so we did it all. We, we watched a, a ceremony, real fast ceremony, about 20 minutes. Uh, they pretty much took the coffin off the uh, plane and then they did a few ceremonious um, things and then they um, walked the coffin and carried it into the hearse. And that was it, man. But I know I talked a lot about that the other day, but this was good, man. It was, it was, you know, real heartwarming and, and, yeah. and I appreciated the experience, man. Yeah, that's cool. Well, most definitely, it sounded like it was. It sounded like it was cool as hell, man. Yeah, that was cool. I don't know if uh, if any if any of you ever had a chance to kind of be involved in anything like that, but that was definitely cool. Just like not at all, man. It sounds yeah. I did uh, like some uh, wreaths across America stuff and like uh, mm-hmm. some other volunteer events that were cool, but like nothing like that. I've always wanted to do something like that. Um, like we have yeah. a a veterans home nearby uh, where I live that I'm going to start volunteering at soon. But like just that, I like I, we did a, a chief season event when I was, I was stationed on an army base for a while and we went to that veterans home and it like, it was cool. Um, but it was like mostly army guys. So it was like, we were like, they were, they were kind of looking at us with skeptical hippo eyes. Like, why are you here? And then, cause it was all yeah, Navy no and selects and stuff. And then uh, we were like, it's hard to, uh, relate to their experiences. Um, even though like there was some fun, there was some fun like exchanges and stories and stuff, but we're just like playing games and cards and just be like BSing with them and hanging out. Um, yeah. But yeah, nothing like that. That's pretty cool too though. Yeah. Um, good time. They probably don't have people come around and talk with them. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, so I do, but something did happen, man. I was on my way home from uh, work yesterday and uh, somebody was telling me a story. I was wondering if y'all ever heard anything like this, but he, he was telling me about one of his sellers who denied uh, making chief. Like he pretty mm-hmm. much, he made it. Right. He took the exam, made board, made chief. And, you know, talking to the guy, he was saying the whole time this because I'm like, well, did y'all see it coming? He like, yeah. You know, this guy, uh, he was saying that he wasn't going to put it on. He didn't want to do it. He was like, but we Mm -hmm. never took him serious. You know, it's like, yo, everybody say it until the time comes and then they make it. And then they like, yeah, that's fair. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, so what happened was the results, this dude was, he was doing his pack out to leave already. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the results came out. They called him like, yo, congrats. You make chief. And he's like, yo, I don't want it. They like, for real? You know, so yeah. and a lot of it, a lot of it had, and I ain't gonna get too deep into the story, but a lot of it had to do with him not wanting to like lose his orders. So they wound mm-hmm. up, you know, talking to the detailer and they, you know, wound up making sure he was still gonna keep the orders and everything. He like, no, I gotta be a first class. So his final I, the final reasoning that I got from this guy was, uh, no, I have to be a first class because the job that I want when I get when I retire, he got like three years left. I'm the mm-hmm. actually. Um, the job I want when I retire is going to take me to be technically savvy. And if I become a chief, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be in practice technically. So I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm not going to be as savvy as I, I want to be. So I don't want to be a chief. And before I even open this up for our thought and, 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 and kind of digestion, the guy that I'm talking about is an amazing seller, like, like, like real good guy, man. He was one of my dappers. He was incredible at that job. He was the seller of the year uh, last year. And that kind of brings a question as well. Um, I'll, I'll ask it probably later if I remember. But he was the seller of the year last year. And um, he's a really good guy. So, you know, my boy said when he when he called the command, the command was like, he was like, well, Y'all, you don't got to worry about him because the command was wondering who, what, what kind of seller they, you know, he's like, yeah, you don't got to worry about yeah. this guy. He's a great guy. Right. But just what's your thoughts just on that whole thing? Damon, you want to go first? Yeah, man, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, hey, that's crazy to me, man. Like, this is like, this is like unheard of, man. Um, and the reason is, is, is not good enough for me either. But I know it's their reasons. It's, you know, it's, it's about them and what they want to do and all that type of stuff, man. But, to not be technically savvy, man. I mean, I mean, that's kind of like your. Even as a first class, you can sometimes be put in a position that you won't be technically savvy. You mm-hmm. can be doing other things. You can be at the lead and doing other things, and won't be like in the the forefront of doing the work no more. Now, so remember that was a part of the reason. You know, another major part yeah, of the reason me, was yeah, yeah. family. Yeah. Yeah. It's family, you um, know, <clears throat> shit like that. But I tell you this though, man, I respect the fact that he he did it though. I mean, that's that's that's. Man, I'm trying to look at the word I'm looking for, man. But for somebody to do that, man, you're you're headstrong as hell, man. You know I mean, your mind is made up. You are True. set because I know I'll be talking to him like every day. You know what I mean? And for him to keep saying, I know I'm sure he had I don't know how many freaking chiefs and seeing chiefs and master chief probably talking to him and asking him probably like, "Hey, man, why you wouldn't do this?" But he kept the same answer like, "Nope, I'm not doing it." That that was. That's headstrong, bro. I know I would have hey, talked into that shit. So bro. when this was going on, that was the whole <laughs> Mick Pond turnover. So it was a whole like symposium mm. of all like master chiefs and shit over where at this command. I ain't gonna say where it was. So it was like he said it was like fleet master chiefs for like the dude I was talking mm. to, like asking him, like, yo, you want me to talk to this guy? Like, you want me? So he had every resource. Yeah, that's and, what I'm saying. And, and the yeah. seller was like, no, nah, I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk to nobody. I made up my mind. Yeah. That's tough. These guys, so, what's your thoughts, man? I, I got a lot to say about this. Uh, <laughs> so um, I, I have heard of this before, and I've I have heard reasons that have convinced me, and I'll I'll get to that. Uh, of that I'd be like that I would be okay with, but the problem I have with it, and granted, I have like very limited information to go on. So, like you guys were saying, I'm sure there were some people that were doing some like. I would I would like to think that there are some people doing some uh, good mentoring and like and like really trying to educate this kid, but that's my my first 
like red flag is the reasons. Like I'm like, so him, him saying that I want to be this like tuned in high level technical expert for the job I want after the Navy to me speaks to somebody not like he doesn't know what a chief is. And it's, and I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't argue the point that a first class will very likely be more technically proficient because they still have their hands on things the majority of the time. But if you accepted the promotion and went to be a chief, not only are you going to learn things that will benefit your upward mobility within an organization, whether that's maintaining a, a, a strong attachment to the technical side of it, or you decide eventually that you want to just progress in the organization into like management and, and whatever. It, it's there's a lot of like experience and skills they would have got by just the experience of being a chief petty officer while still knowing what they want to do when they retire. It's like, you can still stay very, cause it's like, um, it's like a politician that isn't seeking reelection. Like you can just like, let's start spending this political capital, baby. Let's see what I can do. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. <laughs> as a chief, it's like, if you're not chasing a promotion, like if you don't care, if you like, I don't care what my eval says, I'm not chasing the star. I don't need to get qualified. Nothing. All I need to do is be the best technical expert possible. So it's like you have mm-hmm. just this tremendous freedom to pursue that in ways that you probably won't have the opportunity to as a first class. But it's like you're not going to get as far removed from all the things that you that you are concerned yeah. with maintaining proficiency in if you're a chief that is in that very unique position because it doesn't happen that often. So I feel like this kid didn't get the correct mentorship early enough because like if we're waiting until he's selected, Oh, like, Oh yeah, he's kept saying it, but we didn't take him seriously. Well, I'm like, that was your first mistake. It's like, if it like, yeah, I understand. Like you think you, you it's kind of like somebody saying they're not going to reenlist like in the back, even in the back of my mind. And I'm not a convince everybody to reenlist no matter what guy, but like when people say it, it's like, you know, in the back of your mind, the statistics and historical data tell you that the majority of these kids are, are probably going to turn their, like, turn around, change their mind and, and want to reenlist yeah. uh, or like a good portion of them. But yeah, with this kid, it's like, yeah, he's, if he's saying this over and over again, like you should take that seriously enough that you're sitting down periodically and having like at least having like a career development board type conversation. But for me, it's like, I would want to have like every conversation I had with my juniors or, or whoever worked for me, it was like, well, what do you want to do? Like, where do you want to go from here? And they would tell me, and it's like, whatever the answer was, it's like, okay, well, like, how are we going to get you there? Like, what's the path? How can I help you achieve this thing? Whether it's, I want to be a cop in the city when I get out, like whatever city they're from, or I want to go to college for this thing, or I want to stay in the Navy and do whatever. And even if it's something else, right? Like I cross-rated a bunch of my cooks on my first chief's tour to CT because they didn't want to be cooks. And I'm like, well, I'm going to lose them to attrition if I don't like help them do this thing. So I'm like, all right, well, let's keep you in the Navy as CTs. And they're both yeah. CT chiefs right now. So it's like, that's a win to me. It's like, if that's what you want to do and yep. I can retain nice. your talent in the Navy, like I'll convert you to like clown if you want, like, I, whatever, like not to, you know, like whatever you want to do in the Navy. Um, so I feel like there was a, a lot of missed opportunities if the attitude was, um, they, well, we didn't take him seriously until he was selected. Like, yeah, it's a little late now. And, and I feel like it, he, by not having those conversations, it just got more and more galvanized in his mind. Plus, 
there's probably a bunch of like negative perception of the chief's mess that needs to get torn down over time because he doesn't know what it's like to be a chief and he doesn't want to deal with that at the very end. He just wants to do what he knows, be comfortable, get as as sharp as he can in this job and then go into the civilian world and ride off in the sunset. So it's like it, it, if those conversations had been had and we broke that wall down brick by brick and explain to him, like you can do both, man. And you, you're giving up a bunch of skills, experience and expertise that you would gain by being a chief. I think he could have accomplished all the things he wanted to anyway. And like, we know he was still going to have the same orders. Like he wasn't going to lose anything if he was, properly mentored to understand what being a chief was and what he could gain from it. Cause you're also talking about like three years on shorter, you getting paid as a chief. That's high three, like do the math on how much money in this kid gave up on how much, uh, like how many other benefits he gave up on, not to mention just like the, all the experience expertise. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. I, and, and if, if, cause I, I heard of a case where, um, it, like this kid, the, another kid that uh, my buddy was just telling me about, same thing, like turned it down, signed the page 13. Like, I just, I don't want it. And the way they explained it was, um, he was same thing, like late, late in his career, like 18 year first class picks up chief is about to retire, already has it all planned out. And he just has zero desire to be put in that position of having increased responsibility, stress, uh, et cetera, like learning all the new stuff and whatever. Like he just, and he probably had a bad taste in his mouth about chiefs, but for some reason, but it's like, it's, it's one of those, like, he just didn't want it. Like he didn't want to be in that yeah. position. He didn't want the stress, the increased responsibility, the, all the stuff. Cause there is a lot of stuff that it's like, um, like that to ex exist within the mess. There's a lot of like things that are just expected of you and things where people are going to want you to do CPOA stuff and potlucks and like all this shit. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, there's a bunch of stuff that as a first class, he could just like put his head down, do his work, yeah, like, go I home and ride off into the sunset. And that was where that kid, he's like, I just like, I get it. I understand what you're trying to tell me. I just don't, I'm not interested. Like I'm, it's too late. I'm going to do this little short duty and then head out. Um, yeah. so yeah, man, I like it's not this kid. It sounds like we missed an opportunity to, um, and, and almost all of it would have just directly benefited him. And I'm like, I'm sure he, like he would have added value to the mess as well. But, um, because of his unique position, it's like, I think we missed an opportunity to take better care of the kid. You know what I mean? And it's not about him saying yes, just so he can be a chief. So I don't know, like we can tally up a win on the scoreboard. Like it's not. I'm looking at it like financial benefits, tertiary benefits, the training experience, expertise, and he still could have accomplished it. Like all he did was lose, in my opinion, unless there were like Yeah, that's that's yeah, you know that's my thing too, man. Like he is like no nothing been <laughs> he he got nothing from that. Yeah. If there like, if there was another ills, man. Ills. Yeah, if there was another reason that like like that other kid where he was Cause I get it. Like I turned down, like I was at a flag command and they, they wanted me to be the staff SEL, which is like the, you're basically the actual CMC cause the flag CMC is off doing, you know, flag things. So yeah. they offered me that job right when I came back from my cancer treatment. And I'm like, no, like I'm, I'm still like super fatigued. I still got all this crap going on with, I was only showing up a few times a week for like half days. Cause I was still like kind of getting back to normal energy wise and just, Health wise, and they immediately were like, "We want you to be the staff SEL." And I was like, "Nah, uh, -uh. <laughs> like I don't have, I, yeah. I can't do 
I can't, I don't need that kind of stress in my life. I don't think I would do a good job right now. Like, no, I'm yeah. not doing that. Like, I got to focus on my stuff. Crazy, man. Ain't this, hey, look, ain't this crazy, though? You just coming back. That's the first thing they think about. <laughs> nah, how you doing, yeah, brother? How you doing? How you no, feeling? I mean, <laughs> I got that, too. But my the CMC I had at the time, I mean, he's a great friend and a mentor, and I love him to death. He's a dude yeah. that um, he just has, it, like, unwavering blind faith in my ability. So like he was excited yeah. that I was back and he was like, all right, let's go. You know, like you're back. He was assuming yeah, I was a hundred percent too, but I'm just like, yeah. And he got kind of mad, but he understood. And then we went from there, but like, yeah, it was, it was coming from a good place. Like he just wanted to ramp me back up and get me headed back towards like Cobb CMC and all that. And then the, the Navy yeah. RG three, the hell out of somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that RG3 yeah. who we knew his leg was fucked up still? Mm-hmm. Like, and we sent him out <laughs> no there way. anyway. And then now, you know. <laughs> Maybe a good... But I, I do want to shout out my bro who told me the story just in case I butchered it, bro. Like, don't kill me on that one in case I butchered it. But another part of the story is this. Um, man, like, as a chief, I did a lot of technical shit. Like, mm-hmm. like I did not lose. Like, I did not lose. And then, like, for me, it was like, it's on me, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it wasn't just me doing technical shit. It was me doing technical shit and like with like everything to lose if I if I fail. You know what I yeah. mean? It wasn't nobody else to like. So it was back against the wall. Like I have to get this fixed. So I'm going deeper yeah. into the tech manual than I ever, you know, did before. I don't, I think a lot of times we conflate um, like technical expertise with technical like proficiency, right? Like there's like an E5 that will do a better job troubleshooting and f- repairing a piece of gear because they're so intimately familiar with it because they do maintenance on it constantly. Or yeah. like in my case, like, I, I mean, my E5 is going to do a better job of standing galley watch captain and all this other stuff. But like, I have a lot, a, a lot deeper and broader like level of knowledge and experience with a thing. So I can kind of like, watch what's happening and warn him and tell him how this movie's going to end if you do it this way and blah, blah, blah. And so I think I, f- like, I feel like as a chief and a senior chief, like my technical expertise was really high. You put me in the galley with that, my, my shit hot E5, he's going to bury me, like cook me. Yeah, like yeah. I can cook better quality food, but I can't like to cook at the level that I'm capable of and do it for 180 people in four hours and put, and then keep the galley clean, serve lunch, do all the other things I got to do. Nah, like I, I couldn't yeah. keep up with them, man. I'm, I'm on my feet in there for like, well, we would do halfway night meals. I'd go in there, I'd get off the watch bill for that one day, go in the galley. And it's like, I'm on my feet for like four hours and my knees are screaming, dude, my feet <laughs> yeah. hurt, my lower back hurts. And it's like, as at, when I was that E5, I was, you know, 10 feet Doing tall. A, and yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like, like conditioning. It's like yeah. sports, like pretty much. Yeah. Like when you get older, like I might not dunk as much. I might not mm-hmm. be catching an alley-oop. I'm a, I'm a spot up shooter. But you're going to coach your like, ass off though, because you know, yeah, and, and you have yep. the experience yeah. and you know what I mean? So like, yep. I think that, that we confuse those two things. We call it one thing and it's, it's not that because I think a first class that's like super immersed in it, like I was at the peak of my powers as like an eight-year first class and then I made chief and then it's like, all that stuff I was talking about earlier that like I got, I get pulled away to do all this other chief stuff, institutional expertise, collateral duties, watch standing, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so it's like to try to, to try to say that you're going to maintain that same level of technical ability 
while now I've got all this other stuff on my plate. To me, that's misguided. Like the he's not wrong, in my opinion, that a first class is the peak of technical expertise or the te- like technical proficiency. Like, does do they know everything there is to know? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Do they have experience to pull on uh, uh, as as much as like a, a senior chief does? Absolutely not. But as far yeah. as like actually going and doing the thing. That's where I'm like, yeah, I like I stood diving off to watching a submarine and you're like the the guy in the control room of the submarine in charge of like everything that I was pretty good at that job. Like I, I was I would say I was like one of the top three dives on board that I was the best one actually standing it. But that's another story for another time. Those other guys were sure like skating, but <laughs> the the dudes driving the submarine those I could I can't do it like they can do it. They were yeah. incredible. So it's just like. That's the way so, that I look at it, where it's like, I think we're talking about two different things a lot of the time. Yeah, where now, it's like, yeah. and we don't value them the same way. And and this kid, that's the conversation I would have had with him. Like, look, man, we're, it's different. Like, you, you, you are probably already like humming at the peak of your like technical proficiency and ability to actually do the thing. You're going to be even better at this job that you want if you then learn the management planning and get more experience and get to be part of like the, the molding the vision of how we're actually going to make all these things happen that orbit around it. So like, you know, like I, but I just think they're two different things. Yeah. Cause, cause, Oh, so, so plot twist, you get to the <laughs> ship and your, your chief is like, Hey, I don't want you um, doing the technical work. I don't want mm-hmm. you in the spaces. I want you to be that can happen. LPO of, running right. around uh, doing this. Then what? So yeah, I yeah. think some of yeah. it was yep. some underlying shit that probably never came up. Probably. I got a question. I, yeah. There's some heartburn yeah. about bad chief experiences and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I got a, a, a question uh, uh, from, from a listener, Rolling Tide 22, man. Rolling yeah. Tide 22 Roll tide, hit us with another one. Uh, it, says, hope, it says, uh, <laughs> hope you guys are doing well. Question for y'all. Any good stories about SOQ, SOI, and how do you feel about the meritorious advancement to E7 for sellers I of the year. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, uh, that was quick. Just word vomited. I hate it. I'll, well, we can talk about it, but go ahead, Damon. I'm going to, I just quick. got done wearing everybody's <laughs> ears out. Yeah. Well, man, like, I guess from my experience, mine shared a couple of these freaking things, man. My, my only, my only biggest thing, man, like we did it on the ships and we did it here, you know, on shore duty. The problem I got, man, when, when I when I get there and, and it's so many points, it's the the point system the only thing gets me. I like doing it because of the fact that that um it it, it freaking you, you know it can d- help sailors to try to uh, who's the best like who's the who's the, the the top you know sailor or whatever the case may be. And you can tell when they walk in who's confidence, who's this, how they do their boardmanship and all this type of stuff. Right? I like doing it. I like seeing them you know, put on a show or whatever the case may be. Right. But my whole biggest thing is, man, when we, when I was at this, um, one board I was chairing, I was looking at the point system and you know, I'm not all, and and they picked me out. Okay. You're a senior chief. You want to go, you're going to chair this one. Right. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, I chair it, whatever. So I started reading all this stuff. Cause I didn't read it, I didn't read all this stuff before. Right. So now I'm sitting in the reading and man, it's like questions, like 25 points. 25 points. I'm like, man, that's yo, the I don't want the questions to like dictate more of the board itself. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? Like, like these guys' package, I think, should be like more what it, what's going on. This is what mm-hmm. they got, blah, blah. But then reading these questions, man, they put so many, so, so many points on the on the question. I, I was like, so I went ahead and went along with it. But afterwards, man, I had some I had some questions mm-hmm. about that, man. I was like, okay, let's talk about this. But that's that was my my biggest experience, man, going through there and knowing the impact of those questions kind of it was it impacted who won and lost. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um uh, the board. So it was, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, I think, do you think, I think he's asking this question, but I think he's asking some shit that he's not asking in a question because I yeah. think now <laughs> the meritorious advancement shit, it's got like a real nasty relationship to the sale of the year board now too. Mm-hmm. You're talking when about um, timing and you're talking like about that. that meritorious advancement of E7 part or just. Yeah. To, to E7. Okay. I, I, I know a lot of people got issues with, and and I'm I'm not a hundred with this, but I know a lot of people got issues with the timing because it's some people but... gaming the timing of the sale of the year board so that their sale of the year can go up for a higher mm-hmm. sale of the year so they right. can have that chance to get you right. know map. So they tying in sale of the year with evals with that map mm-hmm. thing, man, and that could be. Um, kind of nest, and I think we'll get more into it, but uh, mm-hmm. I do want to. So, I just we just recently had a seller the year board, and it was unorthodox, like it was different. And I like, I like unorthodox, that's like you know, something I really like. So, the sellers came in, we we sat at a, a like a board table, a boardroom table, and the sellers came in and they just sat down. My CMC was like, Hey, we're gonna have pretty much a conversation, right? And, and the CMC pretty much broke it down before they came in, like, Hey, mm-hmm. at this point in the game, if they, if they if they if yeah. they don't know facing movements or they or they can't say the creed, <laughs> yeah. he like like we ain't do our they job. They shouldn't even know? be in this room. <laughs> like yeah yeah yeah. He like so we just gonna bring them in, and it's funny watching them like being like shocked because they were yeah. so prepared to say the creed right, or whatever. Right. right? So uh, but then we sent them in, and we just each had two questions for like uh, two different topics, and they were like. Mm-hmm conversation based and i'm like oh shit, i could do this pretty easy you know we me and damon do this every week you know so um mm-hmm. it was it was a pretty cool board um but then let, now let's go to the packages right so i got so many gripes about this whole program and shit like when chiefs <laughs> not like one of the packages we got during the fucking board you know what i mean like oh, right yeah, as we I sit in the board point. that's you're, I, that's like, you're done dude like <laughs> yeah yeah you, you just lost that sailor you, yeah you, you just that sailor probably wouldn't you just be, yeah. screwed your person over like right. i wouldn't even right. accept him i don't know so right yeah now it's only two of them so but right as we sit in the board we get one of the packages and, and that's more on thing. the on the chief than it is on the sailor obviously but yeah. i mean it's not on the sailor at all but like yeah it's, it's yeah yeah it's crazy, man. And then when I'm looking at the grading sheet, just the way my mind worked, like how Damon was talking. Now, yeah. my mind is like a, a a tad weirder, weirder with the shit because <laughs> it's like, all right, this is worth 20 points, but it's three bullets. This is really how weird I am. Uh, yeah. So I'm like, all right, there's 20 points, but it's three bullets. So let me divide. Let me let me assign the points three. to a bullet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I'm like, and you know, and I'm look like I'm, I'm like real specific. You know, then I'm like, all right, well, what the fuck is the value of this compared to this? Especially mm. when you got two sellers that's doing like two completely, you know, yeah. different things or whatever. Like I was looking at a package, man, and it the seller said he was the uh, acting um, regional LCPO. 
And I don't, I never heard of no shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like what's an acting regional LCPO? That's my favorite. <laughs> that was my favorite. What, 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 when I sat at the what, Chiefs board, that was my favorite part of the board was reading an eval and going, that's not real. Like, like they're just making yeah, like, up yeah. these positions and like, like, uh, the the I'm eighty three percent qualified a thing. I'm like, so you're not qualified. Like, <laughs> like, like just, not, just people trying to wordsmith their way into more points. And yeah, I'm just like, do you think man. I'm an idiot? Like, yeah, you seventeen percent away from writing this shit. Ah, yeah, out yeah like, so you're not <laughs> qualified. Got it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, 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 it's a lot with those uh, boards. Um, you you write you write about packages, man. But then packages, it's really it's as good as whoever fucking right. writes it. Right. You know, yeah. and, and that, that's so yeah. like, that's when you get like, you, we talk about like engineers who might not have a shot because um, their boardsmanship might not be as good as like somebody. And now engineers, right. I ain't dissing y'all, but like GSMs, I'm dissing y'all. GSMs. <laughs> GSMs, <laughs> <laughs> y'all gotta do better, man. Y'all, you know, but um, but you know, uh, damn, fucking Matt is gonna kill me, but <laughs> but um, you go, you go. so 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 you know, but and then you get that chief that might not have wrote like a good package, and they got just yep. like, or or that woman just did not have a chance because I I, I looked, at, I'm telling y'all, man, I, the package I looked at, I looked at two packages, one of them was great. Like I understood everything um, mm-hmm. that was in there and, and, you know, and then the other one, man, I ain't know what the hell they were talking about. It was mm-hmm. like acronym followed by acronym followed by acronym. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think a chief ever looked at the damn package. You know, Probably. the seller don't have a direct chief. That's why I was acting as yeah. the <laughs> acting as the regional. But like, <laughs> I, I hope this dude don't. Listen. Uh, hey man, if you hey. listen to the podcast, real shit, you need to, you need to listen to, man. But yeah. but um, that needs to hit the hand of like a chief, man. For right. all y'all, mm-hmm. you know, young first classes or you know whoever y'all are who mm-hmm. y'all putting these packages together. Uh, no matter what y'all think or feel about whatever NMS, give that shit to yeah. a chief because the chief yes. speaks a language um, yes. that other chiefs, like, for instance, when I'm writing a package, because I was going through this shit too, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of long-winded all over the place with this shit, but as I'm reading a package, I'm like, yo, if I'm writing a package, I'm writing whatever that electrician does so that a CS like D-Gus can understand mm-hmm. like, the yo, weight hey, of whatever that hey. electrician does. Hey, I'm you know, a pretty our, high uh, level CS, bro. All right. Yeah. Well, well, our, our DC man, like Damon, yeah, understand yeah, the okay. weight of whatever. You know that? And, and that ain't, that, you know, that ain't like, I'm a pretty high level. But, you know, because this shit got to be understandable. You yeah, know, I can't be saying yeah. like this on this terminal board and all like that. It's like, come on, y'all. Because when I read a package, I just want to understand what I'm looking at. You know, mm-hmm. if it ain't no chief to represent, you know, that seller. So packages are very important. So, so sure. you know, I say all that to say yeah. uh, packages are very import, uh, important. I think the questions, we talked about this last year, but if you don't know the answer to your question, like if, I, I feel like, man, if, like for chiefs, man, if you don't know the answer to your question, don't ask mm-hmm. You know, don't ask. <laughs> I hope you got that in the board. I, I if that's that big of a problem, we need to reevaluate answer, everything. Bro. Jesus. Y'all, y'all, y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all, y'all, don't, y'all don't think it's people out there that's asking I, questions. I'm sure. I, I can't think of a ton I mean, of examples. I hope it's written down, bro. Where like, like yeah. they don't know it. I hope they got it written down. No, no, yeah, no. But I like, mean, it, yeah, no. But if you didn't come into this, I'm talking about like 
Not, yeah, like, like you Googled something and like, oh, yeah. this is going to be a good question that I didn't <laughs> yeah, know yeah, 17 yeah, I'm, seconds I'm ago. Ass. Yeah, I'm going to bust their ass. I'm going to bust their ass with this shit here, man. Like, like, yeah. like no, yeah. like, like, you know, make it tangible. Um, mm. Another thing that my CMC was about was he was about these open-ended questions that we yeah. could touch on both program elements, but also get the seller's opinion about like certain yeah. shit, you know? Um, so that was, that was good. The other part of his question, we could talk about, uh, after uh, I get your uh, thoughts on just uh, SOQ, talking about the, SOI. on the on the meritorious advancement piece, yeah. But okay, I'll, right, so um, I'll, I'll stay away from that for now. Then, um, yeah. So I, this is another one, man. I like I'm, I might get a little long winded. <laughs> I, I even wrote down like an episode. I'm gonna do an episode on naval writing now because that's a like great point. Is like yeah, yeah. We need that. Is and it's something that I got I, I so many on on so many like big things along the way. I got really lucky with like, I had a chief when I was in E5 that just, he was very um, insistent that we all knew how to write evals and we all knew how to write awards. And he spent a bunch of time with us because it was, and, and it, part of it was the cooks, the cook side of things on submarines is like, we get uh, underestimated, underappreciated, underrecognized a lot because our, our job is devalued in the submarine force quite a bit. Like you just get, told you're stupid what do you know because you're a cook stuff like that so um he was very insistent that we all know how to do this for that for the reasons that you kind of like alluded to is is if our evals aren't written the right way letting everybody know the impact and this is all the things and this is what it means and um then when you get to those boards or you get to the like ranking boards eval boards or, or award boards um of the quarter boards whatever it's you're going to get left behind. Like you're going to get ranked and we're already fighting an uphill battle on submarines. So it's like, you, you need to be really good at this. And so as you go through it along the way, it's like, it it's prevalent everywhere. Like, um, and I like my, my last Cobb called me his secretary because I got so good. Like I'm, I'm, all up in the correspondence manual, like the eval manual, the awards manual, like just learning how to do all these things, do it as best as I, I can. I learned a lot from a lot of different people along the way. I learned a lot from my experience at the Chiefs board because um, it, it just continues to elevate in importance as you go. And then there's a bunch of levels at which this naval writing thing, because of the way the system's set up, can bite you if you're not good at it. And it's like, it starts early with stuff like this, where like the, the awards boards and even like, uh, evals at the lower levels, like no one takes E4 eval seriously. Like, I mean, there's probably a couple aliens like me out there, but it, those, we always say like, you're, you're not writing the eval for the sailor, you're writing it for the board, but then everybody just assumes like makes a snap judgment that, well, they don't really matter until like senior E5 at the earliest because the chief's board isn't going <laughs> to yeah. look at those. However, when seaman Timmy wants to apply for OCS or a seaman admiral, what are they looking at? Mm -hmm. They're looking at evals. And so if you're, if mm -hmm. you're lowballing that, that early on, like that's where you're developing your skill at this anyway, but you're, you're, uh, setting that sailor up to fail if they ever apply. Even like conversion programs, if they want to convert to another rating, what's that career field going to judge you on? Your performance in your current rating via evals. Yeah. Like, so the if you're not doing a good job on those, it's like that's a problem from day one. And then it just the the um, the impact of lowballing it just elevates as you go because then we're talking about chiefs boards, sailor of the year where you could advance. <laughs> 
to E7, um, like the officer boards, command master chief packages. Um, there's all kinds of stuff. Like for my uh, supply officers out there, like we did, they do internship stuff in their community. So you got to write a package for that. Um, you got to write a CMC package. You got to do all these things and and ask like to be evaluated by the organization. And the more you, uh, and even at the chief's board, right? Like we, I talked a little bit about it already when I'm, I'm reading these evals. So I went in there thinking I was like one of the best eval writers like there is like I'm, I'm, I've yeah. really worked on it because I, I take it really seriously because it's people's careers. Right. So I was pumped to go to the board because I, I love that. Um, I got to be a part of that, like, like looking at this and, and being a good steward of evaluating, picking the best of the fully qualified, blah, blah, blah. When I got there and I started looking at these evals, the first impression I was like, Oh my God, we have an epidemic of people that have no idea how to do this. Right. Like not like just horrifically written evals. And Mm. because of my experience and attention to detail and how anal I am about this stuff, I, I, it was like, I could see what the sailor was probably like enough to know that they were super undersold and like underreported as with the quality of the eval and the detail of the eval and whatever. And then also what I, I gained a bunch of knowledge and experience when I was going through them and I was on a panel where it was like, we had CSs, LSs, RSs, but we had submarine and surface CSs and LSs. So the majority of the board was surface sailors that had no idea what all the submarine terminology meant, but they were mo- the majority of those submarine uh, records were reviewed by surface chiefs. Mm-hmm. So it was like senior, senior chiefs, master chiefs, but like it, I, and like the first time thing we did was we reviewed like uh, when I reviewed RSs, I was like. Huh? Like I didn't even know what RS was. I I knew what SHs were, and then I didn't. But I didn't. I never knew they combined. And so, like, I'm like, mm-hmm. you're gonna. I, and like, we did like when they were training me on how to grade a package and and uh put a score on it and and like for so that we can rack and stack and do the scattergram, blah blah blah, and like promote them. They're teaching me how to do it on a surface sailor's record. I'm like, so, and, and it was like a live thing. It wasn't like a fake record. It was like, I'm, I'm learning how to do this and I'm learning about RSs with my, you know, uh, shout out to my dude, Ron. He was the, the RS master chief and uh, he's amazing. But like, I got a 10 minute brief from him and then uh, it was like, go. And then it was like, if I got stumped, I could go grab Ron or there was another RS there and be like, what does this mean? Blah, blah, blah. But it's like, are you getting my best work? Is that is that RS getting the best review of his package or her package that they possibly can and getting the best brief in the tank because we brief every record in the tank now. So yeah. I, then I go in the tank and brief it. And I'm like, I don't even know what half the stuff is, man. Like, so <laughs> I, are they getting the best possible representation they can from me? No, yeah. not even a little bit. I'm more qualified to grade a submarine A-gangers package than I am like a surface CSs because there's so much crap on there like that. And, and, and I know, I know it now, like by the end of the board, after reviewing thousands of records, I got pretty like, I know what an at woe is now. I know what deck it is. I know what all this. So it's like it, but I didn't, that stuff was all alien to me when I got there and they were having these packages. It was like surface sailor packages getting graded by guys like me and, uh, a couple of, there was only four submariners there and that was probably like a big year. Usually there's only two. And then, um, 
the submarine packages, most of them got graded by surface sailors. And so I'm just like, if you don't write like, so for, for us on submarines, a supply department chief is called a supply department enlisted advisor. And we abbreviate it SDEA. Mm-hmm. You probably don't even know what that is because you don't use that terminology. Yeah, it's a, I'm a department chief. I'm a department LCPO. Yeah. And, and it, now I like it changed the way I wrote evals after that, because now I understood, Oh, there's a chance somebody that's not even in my warfare community, let alone my rate grades, my mm-hmm. package. And that's not, you're not going to run into that at every panel to the, to the degree that you did on ours, but it's a, it happens on a bunch of panels where you need to write those evals. Like I know that now, and, and some people know that because they've gotten training or, or have been in a board, but it's like, now I'm never going to write anything that specific. I'm going to write department LCPO because you guys know what that means. And I'm going to yeah. write, you know, like, like the type of terminology, like you were saying with all the acronyms and you're like, I don't know what this means. If, if it's submarine specific, I'm going to explain it. And if it's uh, a position that we have a unique term for, like leading CS is uh, a thing that is universal in, in my rating, but leading chief petty officer is something that's universal to like anybody that's going to look at it. Right. So like I can write in block 43 that you served as leading CS, but that primary duty block is going to say you were the LPO at C or it's going to say LCPO at C or it's going to say department LCPO or something that anybody's going to recognize. So like for say of the quarter, say of the year, it's like the, I, I kind of like, I, I, and I won't rehash the whole thing, but I'm on board with da- what both of you guys said, but Damon went into it a lot. Like the, Grading criteria is absurd. The board yeah. being able to decide who wins is absurd. It's like, and evals do the same thing because when you're sitting at a chief board and you're looking at all these evals, it's like truth and reporting is the wild card that promotes people, like promotes the wrong people or doesn't promote the right people. Because all I can look at is evals and the field, you know, like the field code documents and the OMPF. I can look at your chief's package and I can look at your PSR. That's it. That's all I have yeah. to decide whether or not this person merits being a chief. And I'm checking boxes off of the uh, enlisted career path. Yay or nay, is it on this piece of paper? But like, it, it's it's not always clear whether or not... like. So you could write on there LCPOC. But th- does that mean they actually were an LCPOC? It should because this reporting senior signs off on it. But there's some weird things that get written or um, there's a, some gray area about it where it's like you you got to make a call on if I'm giving them credit for what's on what's makes them fully qualified and then best qualified on the ECP. And so it's like, it's weird. Whereas if I feel like if there was a, like the army and, and I don't know a lot of details about it, I just know they do them. They do these panels locally where like, like for me, like on a submarine, it'd be like they'd go up to the submarine squadron and sit like in front of a board of senior enlisted people in their career field, maybe an officer, and they interview them. And they do like ask them, kind of like sailor the quarter, but but different, where it's like, I feel like there'd be a lot of value if, if I had some documents where kind of impartial third parties evaluated them in a way and then submitted like a document saying, hey, we did, we, we evaluated them, we asked them these questions and then grade them it like in a bunch, maybe it's like if we're going up for chief or grading them on the, like the chief eval stuff, like mission, vision, guiding principles, like the deck plate leadership, hair, you know, like, and I I just think something else would add a lot of value and, and more accuracy and say, say, of course, say the year to me is no different. Like you were saying, 
like if a if a CS goes in there or a, like a, a, a you were talking about like en- engineers, GSM? yeah, <laughs> yeah, you get those sailors that aren't going to do well. They're going to be super nervous and be paralyzed mm-hmm. with fear. But when they're out there doing their job, they're killing it. Like we know who those people are. Mm-hmm. So the board should be more of a formality than a deciding factor to me. Like yes, I know yes. who deserves to be sailor of the year. And and like on submarines, a lot of times we didn't have like we just didn't have time to do boards. So we're just like, yeah, we know who it is. Like <laughs> we'd go in, yeah. we'd put a bunch of names up as nominees and we would talk about them and like the chief would brief them real quick. But it's like at, at that level, we know. I know who to say. Like everybody knows. Like there might be times where there's two or three first classes that are neck and neck and we'll just we're talking about those three guys. Um and there were occasions where we were like, I think we need to do a board to separate these guys because yeah, it was so close. Yeah. But I, yeah, the and on submarines again, because it's small, it's like packages were usually done, but it was like, even if a package got written really poorly, it was like the, we know each other so well and we interact with each other on such a regular basis that like if somebody really lowballed a package, not only would there be a coordinator guy like me going, what the fuck is this mm, but also okay, yeah. um if you came in and briefed a guy that we know to be shit hot and you're briefing him and you missed like five collateral duties and some crazy thing they did for impact it's like we interact with those sailors so much that it's like a lot of times the other chiefs are going to be like yeah doesn't he do this too and like what do you yeah. you didn't even talk about that he's the qao like what do you like and so we'll just start punching them in the face and until and they like properly brief it or make them go back and, and do a better package or whatever. But um, it's yeah. there's less room for things like that to fall between the cracks yeah. because we're so small. Um, but I agree with I was with actually going to ask that. Go ahead, what? I was going to ask you. I was going to ask that if y'all were prisoners to the packages, but you answered it. You just answered that. No, question. yeah, not really. No. Um, and it's, it's unique to our community, though, I think, and our platform size, where I, I don't think that that's a solution to the problem at large that, like Damon was talking about. I think that the board and it's super archaic and outdated and not effective, in my opinion. And I think there's a lot of sailors that get jaded by stuff like that, just like they get jaded by not advancing because. Okay, like maybe I didn't murder the advancement exam, which I feel like there's... I don't have a problem with the advancement exam. I have a problem with the advancement exam being basically the only thing. Like, because... And besides like evals, and I know there's other things that that factor in, but it's it's basically evals in the exam. And it'd be kind of cool if there was some other mechanisms that added to a, a fuller picture. Um, and not to say that it's not important. Obviously, like the the advancement exam is a measure of technical expertise, but so is your direct observation of your subordinates, like maintenance and their record of maintenance and how do they do on spot checks. And there's all these things like they got called out on an inspection for being shit hot at their job and being a technical expert. So it's like, I, I I've known guys and I'm sure you have too, that like they're brilliant and they're amazing at their job on a daily basis, but they like panic at, at the advancement exam. Yeah, like um, like you could be you could be good at work or you could mm-hmm. be good at advancing. Like that's a real yeah. thing. Like you could be good at advancing and getting You can be good at both too, but like yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You can get stuck. There are definitely I've known the people like yeah. they're bookworms that like yeah, they can bubble in answers on a sheet but ask them to do it in real life. Good luck. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like and I know like Millington would explain it to us as that's why that's why evals weigh so heavy and it's like yeah, but truth and reporting. You know what I mean? Like there's just a lot of big gaping holes in the process yeah. for advancement, for 
awards for whatever um, that I think build a lot of bitterness in junior sailors because they don't get selected and it's not for lack of quality and effort and them doing all the... Like it, they, it, they feel like they earned recognition that they're not getting regularly. And yeah. I think that yeah. leads to attrition and a lot of bitterness and, and stuff like that. And that's why, yeah, sailor of the year. And we, we dealt with like a instructor of the year program at the A school. And, and I, I very much had a problem with the way the process was set up, but we also, same thing. It was a learning site. I had like 26 instructors. It wasn't, I knew them intimately. So it was like, I never, yes, we did the boards because we thought it was good for their professional development. And there, it's a structure they were used to seeing. So to, in order to make it appear um, like objective, it's, we wanted to do that as well. But it was more like... That was more like a formality. Like We kind of knew uh, already. And it like informed us a little bit more. And then if there was a people that were neck and neck, it might be like a tiebreaker maybe. But other than that, it was like we did it just to do it. Um, yeah, so you yeah. know how you know how, you know how you said sometimes you just know y'all ever y'all mm-hmm. ever got the dude that watched too many like courtroom dramas like that even if y'all do know who the number one person is ah. you know that that dude like hey guys erroneous let's talk about this. <laughs> all counts yeah, we we rushing this let, let let let's think about this for a second y'all ever had to do that dude? yeah oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I feel on, like hold on like, yeah those dudes are usually just trying to advocate for their own sailor for the because yep, that's normally sailor, that. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Because you, you you like, well, who you got? Then who competing? Yeah, you know, it's like a it's a DC. It's like a DCC. Oh well, well DC one. DC one. <laughs> you know it's like, like, shut up, man. <laughs> Sit down. And the, that stuff never gets off the ground usually, unless they have like a, a valid <laughs> yeah. argument somehow. Because like yeah. when there's 20 chiefs in the room and 19 of them are on board with the guy we picked, and this guy's like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. It's like, yeah. shut up. <laughs> Sit down. You know. Oh, DC here, one ain't gonna, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's talk this uh, uh, meritorious advancement to E seven. Mm-hmm. Me and Damon kind of talked through this at one point before, so like over to you, man. Uh, D guys, just it. what's your thoughts on that? I hate it. Yeah. I don't think it should exist, and and I'm not against there being a meritorious advancement program to chief for the same reason. I like that the the meritorious advancement program is becoming more and more a part of normal advancement for the reasons we just talked about, like the people that like panic at the advancement exam and the people that don't do well at those boards. It's like, but we on the, on the deck plate and the reporting seniors and everybody in between observe on a daily basis, this person is performing at the level of, and then we get to advance them. So I don't, I don't have an issue with it, especially, and there's unique cases. um, I, I feel there's unique cases for people that something happened, like so that something they went astray at some point, and in in embracing a non-zero defect mentality, I think that I have like I have no problem if somebody had like a PFA failure three years ago. Now they're the CFL, but for some reason the board didn't advance them. Uh, like some type of mechanism deciding whether or not this person merits a, a meritorious advancement. But the problem I have with and I've, I've partially answered it already, is the, the issue I have with using the Sailor of the Year program to advance somebody to chief is I don't think the Sailor of the Year program is accurate. I don't think it's... It's not a tight enough ship to, mm-hmm. for me to definitively say that every single person 
at the end of that merits advancement to chief. And I say that because I've seen too many people compete at the much higher levels that, so if I took that sailor and I'm not, I'm going to be intentionally vague just for, for, I don't want to, I don't want to trash anybody, but I see, I saw a case recently where this sailor is going up on the shore sailor of the year side. And then you have sailors coming from ships and submarines and squadrons and whatever operational side going up for the same program. This shore, one of the shore sailors of the year that I saw in the year that this happened, it was like if you lined him up next to that sea sailor of the year, and yes, they're two different programs, but they're they're it's going the same place. The finish line's the same. It's yeah. like that person would get like you wouldn't you wouldn't get within 50 points of the sea sailor, right? Like they, they were just the and they weren't bad people. It was just like they were at a shore command doing a, a collateral duty as their primary duty and mm-hmm. not even doing that great of a job, in my opinion. And it's a, it's a collateral duty I did before. Um, and then you see these CSA of the years and, you, and, and they're doing all these incredible things in the midst of... Like the context is I'm operating at sea. I'm going yeah. to sea on whatever it is and doing this really hard. Like it's hard enough to just go to sea and just do that and do your primary duty well, but also they're doing all these other things. It's like, I think there's a path there, like where we could do a meritorious advancement program to chief and just call it that and do a way better job of objectively mm. evaluating these sailors and making sure we're getting the best of the fully qualified. Cause you, if you're getting meritoriously advanced to chief and you're not going through that board process, you better be like a hard Shit. 10. You better be, you better be yeah. Yeah. like, yeah, if you get to bypass and I think they need to go through the season when the season happens, I think they need to align the program differently. And if it's not attached to the sale of the year program, you could do that where it's, aligned so that when they become a chief select, it's within weeks of the list coming out at, at like max. And then they go through the season as a chief select. Cause that's the other heartburn that I have with it, which, you know, like you could make a case that it's not that important, but I think it is because of the way we've decided to build our chief development system is yeah they get, they get pinned. They put on khakis and function as chiefs without ever having going gone through the season and doing the, all the same things that we all do. So it's like, in, in my view, you're set up to fail. Like, and then mm. I think, I, I think, and if you guys know better, correct me if I'm wrong or any listeners, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But I think they go through the season like khaki belt on and anchor. Like they're wearing a chief's uniform already. And think about like, that sailor, like think about how awkward that is and think about like how awkward it must be to interact with the rest of the mess at large. No, what we know, we know who you are. We know you didn't go through the season. Yeah. We know you're not accepted. You know what I mean? And it's like for all the, you know, like all the faults that I talk about at length on my podcast, it's like, we're setting that person up to fail by trying to get them to exist within this organization that we like, we've decided these are the norms and traditions and processes and whatever. And then we like turn it on its head in the sale of the year. Like we just completely like, ah, we don't need to do it for these guys. And it's like, why? Because, because because they know how to do the sailor's creed really well in their shiny shoes and dress blues. Like stencil. (laughs) Got that stencil. Hey, but hey, real quick question for y'all. Real quick question. Should the sale of the year be the number one EP? Ooh. Well, yes. this, this, this is what, 
Yeah. Go ahead, I'm kind of the same way. I think it should be. It should be. But all the time, it don't work. I like that all the time, though. But, I mean, that's a tough one, bro. Um, but I think in a normal world, yes. I think I think I, it, I yeah. think we should I think we should at least try to make it line up like that if possible, you know. Um, but sometimes, man, like like it depends on your grading again, you know what I mean? <laughs> like you got who won first quarter, yeah. second quarter, third quarter. They might get beat out, you know what I mean? I yeah. don't know, you know. But um, but yeah, I, I think they should be though. I think mm. they should be too. I think you could. Re- there there are scenarios where, like I I could you know, speculate on a few, but like, I think the majority of the time, if done well, it's naturally going to happen that way where the number one EP is the say of the year. But then there are definitely times, like I've seen situations where you have two people that are super, super close. And so what they, they kind of look at it like, okay, this person's the number one EP, or especially if it's like the first class that was the number one EP last year, or they were a high yeah. EP last, last year, year yeah. and so they're progressing. Yeah. And then now this kid's the number two EP, and he progressed from maybe a lower EP than the now number one EP, right? So they're just, they're both kind of stepping up on the ladder. and But they want, it's like you want to give the number one EP to both of them. And so like they look at it like, well, if I give this guy the number one EP, then this guy will be sailor of the year, or this girl will be sailor of the year. You know what I mean? Which I don't, necessarily agree with that either always, but I could understand it. Um, but yeah, I think that there are definitely, and there's scenarios where like, um, if they're going to like transfer before normal evals, right? So I'm like, okay, we'll put, we'll make them sale of the year, put that on their eval. If ranked would be the number one EP and then transfer them. Mm. And then now the number one EP is competitively ranked because that person left and stuff like that. But I, there's, I would say the majority of the time, it, like it should be. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, and I know it's Perfect like, world. you're looking at it like it's an embarrassment of riches maybe, but it's like, also if we're saying this person's number one, they're kind of the same. Cause like, you can't really, it's not like, <laughs> well, oh, he's sailing the year because he had a better year, but she's the number one EP. And it's like, if it, they're both a year. So it's like, we're, we're the yeah. evaluation periods are both the years. So it should line up, but. You know, yeah, I, well, that's a whole nother story too, boy. Yeah, it's <laughs> the year. Yeah, ah, damn, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, but it's but you're right. Though, that, that's time. where it comes from, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where it comes from, man. Like you have situations like that, like the last year's number one mm-hmm. EP. You know what I mean? Now, now, what are you gonna do with that guy? You gonna bump him down? You know, so, number two and make the say little year number one. Not, not not like that's a bad thing. You but can, that's kinda, like, yeah, you can, and I don't. Yeah, yeah. The problem is, yeah. I, like, and that's we and we could we'd go down a whole nother rabbit hole on how broken the eval system yeah. is, but um, it's there's a lot of tribal knowledge out there about it, and it's because the eval manual says one thing, but in practice we do another thing, and then at the chiefs board there's like almost like a third layer where. It's like, how is the board going to, how's a board member going to evaluate this? Like, how are they going to interpret this if I knock somebody down? Like, I I don't need any explanation to knock somebody down from an EP to an MP. And the way I look at it is we're going year by year here. If you had a great year last year and then something went wrong and this year you're sucking or you're just like performing at a lower level, I'm going to, I'm going to give you that promotion rating. And I think it's fair and I don't think it should like, derail their career, which is how a lot of people view it. Like you're going to put this black mark on the record. I'm like, I'm, I'm accurately evaluating them for this reporting period, which is what I'm supposed to be doing. 
So if the Chiefs board is operating on some other tribal knowledge or, or interpretation, then we need to fix that. Like it's not yeah. the eval manual should be what we're going off. Like I'm, I'm the writing in that eval should reflect the intent of the eval manual. And it doesn't, if you read the eval manual, it's, and, and I haven't looked if there's a new revision out there and it corrected this, I'm sorry in advance. I'm an old retired guy now, but last time I looked at it, uh, it's the, if you're saying somebody's an EP, so like if I said Damon's an EP, Damon's ready to be Mick Pond. You know what I'm saying? Like it's two pay grades above is what it says. Yeah, two so pay I, grades. Yeah. If I say you're an early promoter as a first class, I'm saying you're ready to be a senior chief, which is absurd. But that's what the yeah. book says. So like, okay, well, what are we doing? You know? And it's like, I can yeah, knock somebody we ain't down. We it like that. <laughs> yeah, I can knock somebody down from an EP to an MP, but the Chiefs board yeah. would be like, what the hell is going on here? And that sailor would take a hit. But it's like, you should be grading it as if it's just a new year. And this year they didn't do EP things, which in and of itself, it's like, yeah, you're not going to get graded as high for that eval, but it shouldn't be like a... a death blow. You know what I mean? Like it's just an, yeah. it's another year, which it is. Yeah. It, oh, for sure. It's like a black yeah. swan event. It's like, good God, like mm-hmm. they're freaking out like performance dip. And it, if you read the precepts too, it says stuff like that. And it's like, why does it say that? If that's not what the eval manual says, you know what I mean? Like, hey, so, Hey bro, yeah. that's the, the one of the weirdest things about the Navy as a whole mm-hmm. is to me is how we got this eval manual that mm-hmm. has clear, like laid out nope, words and we don't give a fuck nope, about don't it. Don't even look at it. I like talking to dudes who, who I was talking to a dude who said like two people at like his command was like yeah. 50 like EPs. Mm-hmm. I'm like 50 EPs. So like, you work with Jesus? Are, <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah, yeah, like <laughs> like pretty much. Like we like if we yeah. did this thing honestly, we mm-hmm. all be like sitting at like three something. Like most well, of the EPs. It, but also, like, why can't I say uh, instead of saying uh, Petty Officer Schmuckatelli has the potential to develop into a, a leader eventually someday, and that's like a negative eval, like why can't I just yeah, say they're not yeah, ready? Man. Why can't I just say this sailor's <laughs> not ready to be a chief? Like yeah. I'll, I'll type up the, yeah. what they did. I will evaluate it. I will give them a grade, but then I will also say I I evaluate the sailor to be ready to be a chief petty officer right now, or I evaluate the sailor to be almost ready, like, or whatever. Like, why can't I say, like, if I write (laughs) somebody a bad eval, it kills their career. I'm like, why? Like, what if they rebound next year and they're sailor of the year? It's like trend analysis is a thing, but like, it shouldn't be the only thing. Hey, and that there, now that is like, like you said, that could be a fucking rabbit Mm -hmm. hole because our whole culture, like the whole culture, Mm -hmm. like that was actually like, when I was in SCA, my mm-hmm. the, my pro, my um speech, my essay, that was it was about the eval system. Yeah. I had to rewrite it because I <laughs> I I, I, I got aggressive. on my little yeah yeah I got on my little <laughs> like platform and wanted to just talk about how fucked up the system was, and yeah. it was like, hey, you're not you're not talking about the significance of it, yeah, because yeah. like, it's not it's, fucking there isn't but, any. Um, it's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yo, like yo, we we could speak about like in volumes oh, yeah. of podcasts just about how mm-hmm. fucked up. Like, cause the whole fiber right now in the Navy is like, in my opinion, some of it is like on the, on the, um, the back of the eval system. Like some of these junior sailors, their ideology and everything is based off of like, 
the eval system is mm-hmm. like dictating and shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's yep. bad. I, you know bro. what, man? Uh listen, listen to you guys talk, man. Listen to the D guts talk about this also, man. I think we need to also find a way, man, to take to take the, the human out of some of these boards, man. Like even the chief boards, man. Like, 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 and, and yeah. I'm saying that because because it because of this right here, right? Like, if same example, and I don't know how I've never been to the boards, mm-hmm. but I'm sure you can correct me on this. If someone else is briefing my package, mm-hmm. man, they may not be a good briefer. Hundred percent, man. What like, if they're not? What if they're yeah. not a good briefer? Then you're not going to get a good brief, brief dude. In my package. Like there were, dude. Yeah. I, there were. I was. I like, tell you, I was walking out of the building probably three times a day just because I was about to put my fucking head through the wall. Like because <laughs> you'd go and like some dude would grade a package, right? And they'd be like, it's this grade and this is why, right? And the whole room, you could feel the room say, like, just the feeling of what the fuck just radiating off everybody in the room. Because we're looking at the package and it's like, when you sit there for an entire board, and I highly recommend you guys do this when you get a chance. It's like, I can now look at a PSR and I could fucking tell you what the grade is within a plus or minus just by snap judging the... Like, are you above or below risk? Or where are you? Where are you at? Blah blah blah. And like, kind of like, okay, I know, I about, I know about where they're gonna fall out. And it's like, so they put it up on all those screens that they show, and like the the uh, purse has a PowerPoint, like it's in the eval manual, I think too. There's like pictures of the screens and the rooms and the tank and stuff. And it's like, so when you're in there, there's these four screens. It puts the PSR up, the grades on there, a bunch of comments and stuff. And it's and we're briefing what like we have on there, but what's here's what's fun about it, and I, that's sarcastic. So like you have a number assigned to you as a grader, right? So I yeah. grade, I'll grade like hundreds of packages, and then periodically they'll be like, all right, we're gonna go tank those. So like, do you think I remember what I did a hundred <laughs> packages ago? So we go in the room, and I gotta like watch for my number to pop up. And when my number pops up, I'm like, oh, this is me. I got to brief it. And so I type all these. It's kind of like Adobe Pro, but like colorful. And so you're typing all this stuff on the PSR and circling things. And I could put like arrows and all this shit. And so I I put all these notes on there about the stuff that I I found in their record. And so I got to... When it pops up and I see my number and it's got like a grade. And then I got to brief it based on just those notes and what I see in front of me. So that's the first problem. They won't let me walk into the tank with a like a, a... a wheel notes. hook, like with actual notes, mm. which I think is insane. And I'm like, I'll yeah. burn bag them as soon as I walk out, if that's what you're worried about. But like, I, I'm old and rickety and like, I don't like, I, I want to yeah. remember, I want to take really good detailed notes so I can brief it the best way I possibly can. And when they told me I couldn't bring a notebook in there, like I could have a notebook in the, in the uh, panel room where we're grading the packages I couldn't bring it with me into the tank and I couldn't bring it out of the building, which makes a lot more sense, right? But like, why can't I bring it into the tank? It's insane. But then, like when it comes up, it's like you did it, you did that a while ago and all I have to go on is those notes and that grade. And then also, like, you know, the village idiot over here graded a record inaccurately, briefs it really poorly and it's like you're doing thousands of records. So it's like, what usually you'll see happen, especially as we get beat down. I was working 12 hours a day, six days a week. And you're in the tank. And what you usually see happen is people just start to naturally uh, like unplug their brain a little bit. And what you see is like, you know, Village Idiot stands up, they brief the record. And then 
Uh, it ta- and I mean, it legitimately takes me 20 seconds, 30 seconds tops. If it's like a really, I have a lot of notes. And then everybody has about the same amount of time to push the little button on the on the thing, giving it a score. And it goes, it's in increments of 25. So like 0, 25, 50, 75, 100. Um, that's the press 100 now crap you see in, in evals. So mm-hmm. what you'll see is a lot of times as it wears on and people get fatigued, they brief the record. I, the, the letter grades up there. I see a C and I hit 75 or 50. You know what I mean? Like you, like people, and I didn't do this. I was always the last guy. Like you'll be sitting in the tank and they'll be like, you have the remotes have numbers so that you don't know who it is. But like, there's like a little thing that shows who's voted already by that anonymous number. <laughs> yeah. And so like, they'd be like 17, let's go 17. And so they're like rushing you. And I'm like, fuck you. Dude. Like, I'm evaluating this record because I've yeah. seen the village idiot demonstrate to me more than once that he doesn't know how to grade a record. So it, you're at least yeah. going to get an accurate score out of me. But I can tell you a lot of people just <laughs> went with the grade. And I'm telling you, like, you'd see, like, uh, the people, you had laser pointers too. That was fun. So on the screens, like, if something, if you saw something, you could, like, laser it with a laser pointer. And so a lot of times, like, somebody brief a, a high scoring record, and then there'd be, like, a PFA failure three years ago in the, in the PSR, uh. and five people are pointing a laser at it, but then the votes come <laughs> in and they get a higher grade than they should have. And so it's so it's it's thing. some I, yeah yeah it gets to that and it's it's not I don't put it on the board members I put it on the pro, board process the process because yeah. you just I can't nobody is going to operate at their peak level like peak attention span and it, when you're doing something like that where you're not only are you sitting in there just going record to record to record doing a hundred records then you go in the tank yeah. and you rehash every one of those records. you brief all of them now. And that was part of one of the corrective actions for that whole, like the mass sheep board getting shut down because of collusion. So you tank everything now. So you got to, you got to grade all those records yourself. And then all the records that all of the panel members graded get tanked. So then you got to go in there and tank them all. And then you go back in the boardroom and do it again. And you're doing that for 12 hours a day, six days a week. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, of course you're going to like be fatigued. Tension span's going to plummet. And I was really, that's why I kept walking and I kept, I'd go out and get a snack, whatever, because I was, this is too important to fuck up. In my mind, I'm like, I have these people's careers. I'm responsible for their career advancement right now. And I got to get this right. And even though like you get, when you're tanking it, everybody gets a vote. What ends up happening is the majority of the time, the grade drives the the vote, right? Like, and not always, like you'd see some, sometimes particularly in the beginning, but even, even throughout, if there was a really egregious grade, whether like a good one on a bad record or a bad one on a good record, and they both happen, the whole room is like, what the fuck? And then they all just hit the appropriate grade. And so you'll see like a low graded record, get like a high, a high score by all the room, mm-hmm. all the people in the room, because like, it's super obvious that they, they yeah. letter graded it incorrectly or whatever. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, I don't like the process. I understand that it's like, it's a super heavy lift to, to get that right. Just like it would be, yeah. I think it'd be a yeah, super yeah. heavy lift to get the eval system, right? I think it'd be a super heavy lift to get the award system, right? Um, but yeah, man, I, I, it's not done in a way that promotes the best of the fully qualified. In my opinion, I was having a real hard time not losing my shit. 
And it, like a couple other things happened. I can tell you guys offline. I don't want to... I've already gone into quite a bit of detail. <laughs> um, and I, all that stuff's allowed. Yeah. Like it's all... I haven't said anything that's not in the PERS yeah, yeah, yeah. PowerPoint. I just provided like my viewpoint yeah. of it. But there were some other things that happened that I was just like, come on, man. Like I was the guy at the end when we had this feedback mechanism where I, I like wrote an essay. I was so pissed. Yeah, I was go. so pissed. <laughs> and it, I was so... I was just disappointed because like I'm the... I'm the sailor's advocate type guy. Like I'm, I'm like, this is not serving the sailors the way that it should. So it's broken and we need to do better. And it's our responsibility to do better. And I feel like a lot of times these processes are built and executed through the eyes of like how it serves me as the operator of the system or the steward of the system. And it's like, that's, that's not, yes, I want it to be like the least impact it possibly can be on your guys's bandwidth. But at the same time, if you got to go through some pain to be the best steward of these people's career, fucking suck it up because that's what we do. And it's like, and I know you can't, you like, you can't possibly have that answer for everything all the time because then you get guys like me who the wheels are falling off at 18 years because I'm, I'm burnt out and stressed out and broken. But it's like, it's, I think there's enough smart people in the, in the military and particularly the Navy that we could figure these things out and do them in a way that are user-friendly and way more efficient and accurate than the systems that we have now. And I know they're working yeah. on some shit too. Yeah. It's crazy because yeah. speaking on that human aspect, I saw, uh, I'll just, for lack of a better word or phrase, I saw the wrong chief at a ranking board before for a seller because the seller's chief was on leave. And that chief came back. He was pissed off because the seller dropped like seven spots, man. David, you saw it too. I, I, I don't want to get too familiar because these are these are boys, these are bros or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say no names, but like, and the wrong chief does not like that's that's just for lack of a better word. It was yeah, yeah. it wasn't her. It chief. was it was it like was, another yeah. chief in the department. Was it somebody that that <laughs> that dude on leave like set him up with bullets and stuff, and he just did a, a bad job? Yo, I don't even know if he set him up. Uh, and that's like now, if you're not setting your, if you're not setting yeah, your boys up, yeah, that's on that chief. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> and on they that chief. and they got to speak to. And I, mm. I remember he left because I remember at the end of the board, he he actually listened to the pot. But I remember at the end of the board, he left. Yo, he was he was mad. He was like, yo, <laughs> such and such not gonna be happy when he yeah. come back off leave <laughs> and he see his trailer got should have been there. Might have got I, dropped I got... out of the EP slot, man. <laughs> <laughs> It was bad, that's, you know, and it was. That's yeah, rough. Well, you remember? You remember, yeah. David? I remember. Okay. I, 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 <laughs> the thing about the for me though, man, it was like just funny, man. Cause I knew he was gonna be mad. Too. Yeah. Oh, yo, he. <laughs> but it was like, it was but dude, that's shit, that's. Though, so, it speaks to a couple things, right? Like because I don't fault the chief for being on leave because who knows why they were on leave and shit. But yeah, like it, it might have been unavoidable, yeah. but like. I should be able to hand you a list of bullets and have you like, and granted you can't control how everybody votes and everything. But like, I mean, if you briefed as hard as I did, like, I feel like it's like a chief's (laughs) training issue. It's like a, if we, and, and it's a a systemic issue. It's like a system issue too. Like our process being what it is, like I should be able to feed inputs in and get the same result pretty much every time instead of it being dependent because uh, what does that say about our system? If if it requires a guy like me in the room to bully everybody yeah. into submission, but then I hand it to this yeah. soft-spoken LSC I have while I'm on leave and my dude drops 10 spots, our system's fucking broken, dude. Like, it's that bad. shouldn't Yo, happen. Look, 
Yeah. This dude was a first and, and look, year. And I know, I remember. <laughs> he was a first. He was yeah, there yeah. with the and I remember house, it, 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 Yeah. Every board. Yeah, you're right. He, he, they, they, he got set up, bro. He got but, um, it, it's like we, we talk about that in the board all the time, though, man. We always start off with, hey, it's not about your sailor. It's about yep. what, you know what I'm saying? And then it's immediately the ignore all that shit. Like, and we're like, <laughs> fuck you. My sailor's better than yours. <laughs> like yeah, pulling a shiv out of my was, sock. Like, let's settle this shit. Somebody was crying at that ranking board. They're crying. Oh my God. But hey, I, I, if you're a listener, I don't want y'all to get past that point that Dika said, though. Like, it shouldn't be like that. Like, if, like, no, it, it should be plug and play. Like, it, it should work in that way every time. Like, it don't yeah. matter who's on leave if you yep. got a bad, yep. a bad person. All right, let's get to do better. I want to get to do better. Yeah. Um, I'm like going to start podcast has been do better, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Funny, I, I Should be the episode title. Right. Do fucking better. <laughs> yeah. I figured that's where we were going to get. But um, <laughs> so mine is, and it's kind of light, but uh, you know, I've been working out, man. I'm trying to go to Jamaica. Uh, man, like I, I work out, but then I eat. Trying like, to look good for the gram. Trying to get swole. Trying to, yeah, trying to do a couple <laughs> of them, man, you know, but um, so I'm working out. I'm seeing more shit at the gym, of course, because I'm working out more. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's me, but Planet Fitness, man, you know, th- them spray bottle triggers. Like, 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 like y'all got to do better with those spray <laughs> bottle triggers, man. Like, they never reset. Like, I, 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 I you know, I hit one little <laughs> burst and then I got to pull the trigger back. I don't know if it's just my Planet Fitness or the world. <laughs> y'all got to do better Yo, with that, bro, man. That's every <laughs> bottle of Simple Green I ever picked every, up in my entire military yeah. career. You're like, what the uh, fuck? That recoil, that recoil action got to get better, man. You know, so, and, so that's part one, right? I got to actually got a part two of this dude, but I was okay. in the gym and I don't know this person by name. Yo, I know a lot of people take showers after, you know, they work out. Mm-hmm. But it's essential to come in that motherfucker smelling kind of good. Like, don't stink. <laughs> Don't stink. If you're doing two a days, yeah. right? And you worked out and you sweat your ass off in the morning, and then you took those sweaty clothes off and threw them in the gym locker, the 24-hour locker, and you came uh, back and you did your 1500 workout with your dry, sweaty gear. Think twice about that shit, man. <laughs> That's nasty as hell. I was in the gym with this dude. Your shit. Hey yo, I was change in the gym. Your shit. I was in the gym with this dude, man, and it was like, you know, when you're in the gym, you're trying to get your workout in, so you got your mm-hmm. you got your routine, so I'm working out, and this dude came next to me, and I could smell every part of this dude's <laughs> body, bro. It was horrible. Every rep. Every crevice of this dude's body, and I'm like, yo, this shit, and it's, it's, it's messing my workout up, and it's nowhere to go. Right. So uh, now, you know, I got to walk past him to grab the other uh, weight, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to go to Jamaica. So, but you know, what, what, what really fucked shit up was this lady came, right. And she got on the other side of him. Right. And I was like, y'all better hurry up and wrap this up. Cause I don't want her to think that I'm mm. the dude that was in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I got my ass, I got my ass up out of there, but y'all like for real, like wash up. Before y'all yeah, go to the yeah, gym, man. Yeah, I do jujitsu, dude, and it's like you you get in some weird positions, like where I like I'm always real concerned yeah. about like if I haven't sh- like if I didn't shower recently, like I like before I go to jujitsu, I jump in the shower because I'm gonna like there's a chance I might have my ass in your face, you know what I mean? Like I'm not <laughs> yeah, trying to yeah. be that dude. Or it's like yeah, I'm gonna be sweating because it's grappling, but like. I'm going to be clean when I go in there because I don't want to, like, that's nasty. I don't want to. Yeah, you're like, yeah. like, what What? What, what took you out? What took you yeah. out? <laughs> Your swamp ass took me out. Yeah. 
it wasn't it wasn't the leg it wasn't the leg maneuver uh, yeah, yeah it wasn't the arm bar it was your fucking yeah it was, it was your butt crack <laughs> good god musky uh, hey, so hey. yeah man so 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 my do better man is pretty simple man like it's from a birthday week man i had man and you know my wife always come through she gets some gifts and stuff uh-huh. man but I had a little problem this year with my kids, man. I try to, you know, they get their little allowances, get their little, you know, money there. How about save some of that little money and get, <laughs> get your dad a gift? You know what I mean? Like, don't piggyback on mommy's yeah. gifts. Yeah, they're signing you the card, I mean? dude. They're, they're like, it's for oh. me, too. I thought told my, I thought told, <laughs> yeah, yeah, got that told my you. we. <laughs> hey, hey, Us. hey, they said, they said, we got Us. this. Yeah, they got, we, we got that we, shit. We got this for you. Yeah. <laughs> we got shit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, that's my do better this time, man. Kids, you guys got to do better, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking forward, forward to you. Uh, and then my man. son is, is like in, in Japan. And he gonna say, "Oh, you can't. You gotta, you gotta wait because I'm out, I'm out to sea right now." Blah, blah, blah. Like, nah, you knew my birthday was yeah, already coming up. Yeah, you should that shit before you left. Oh, you want a gift from him still? Hell, he I got a paycheck. Yeah, he got, yeah, he getting paid now, bro. He getting that good money with no bills. I believe <laughs> children are children are a gift, though, right? <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> like, look at this. It's a gift. It's a gift that's in Japan, so you better mail some some shit. <laughs> gift that keep on giving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh hey, man. man, what you got, D guts? I got some. I'll do some serious shit. Uh, for me, so like I had a conversation while I was in Boston with a. So my best friend Joe is a senior chief. He was he got promoted for that. Um, it's like advanced to position. I don't know what the program's called, yeah, but yeah, he got selected SC, for some yeah, orders yeah. on a destroyer. Um, and so he got promoted as senior chief and that's why I was out there. But me and him and a buddy of his, uh, so that he, that guy was a chief that, um, he might've been a senior chief. I'm not sure he was in civilian clothes, but he, uh, he was telling a story about the chief season where, um, a sailor, like Joe asked, he goes, so did, you know, like homeboy get accepted yet? And I'm like, the fuck did you just say? Like the season's been over. I was at a pinning weeks ago. <laughs> I'm like, what yeah. are you talking about? Um, and they went into the story about how the mess basically said, we're not going to accept a guy. And I've talked about it a ton. So I won't like, I'll try not to, to go too far down the rabbit hole, but like the do better is, is the whole thing. I mean, it's the reason I do my podcast. The reason I've been so passionate about this stuff for so long is, is that the that moment is a moment of uh, symbolic self-actualization. And they talk about that not only in the trainings and a lot of the other like documents and materials that we have, but what I found notable, uh, it was pointed out to me by I Think Bob, um, uh, for your listeners, Chief Bob's a dude that does a bunch of DS podcast stuff with me. He uh, forwarded me the MCPON guidance that it was it was still Russ Smith. I want so I want to say it might have been last year. But it explicitly says in the McPond's guidance, this is a symbolic event. The selection, this is not a selection process. The selection board already said this person, it merits being a chief. All you're doing is it's it's training. Initiation is a finishing school. You should have already uh, built a bunch of the, the foundation throughout the years, right? That's why we started doing like the Sailor 360 stuff. And we kind of built to that through phase one and phase two and all that other crap that we've done. Um, but for me, it's like the to the idea that we still have messes that are saying, oh, I'm not going to pin you or I don't accept you into the mess. So you might get to wear anchors, but you're not, you know, 
you're not a member or whatever. It's <laughs> it's so fucking childish and petty and that like the idea that like a command SEL accepted that as the as the final answer on final night. It it's it should shake you. Like it should it should really fucking bother every chief that's listening. It's it's something that I and if you don't understand why, fucking contact me and I'll explain it to you. But it it really bothers me that even now, like, I mean, I'm 21 years of, of the Navy and I'm, now I'm a retired guy and I'm still hearing this shit. And it's like, just fuck. Like, if, if you're not in a position where you understand this concept, you've got no fucking business training chiefs. You just don't. Just stay home and let the three people that show up to fucking PT do all the heavy lifting. Because the, you'll get better chiefs out of that. Even though it's unfair to those fully developed chiefs that understand what, what we're doing during that process, like if you can't understand that that moment is a symbolic moment of self-actualization, that initiation season is not a selection process, that all you should be doing is developing these people as leaders, which, I mean, I could burn down a whole bunch of people's understandings of a lot of the things that happen during the chief season as well, where I don't, I don't believe there are, are firm, clear training objectives attached to everything that we do. And that leads to a lot of misguided, just fuck, fuck games. Just like you're at a training and, and people are just like shitting on the selects just to shit on the selects. And it's like mm-hmm. a lot of selects. And I just published an episode, the hot wash episode where uh, two brand new pinned chiefs sat down with chief Bob and went through their entire experience during the season and explained how they perceived what was happening. Granted, they're not haven't been on the other side of the looking glass during a season yet. They don't fully understand, blah, blah, blah. But I think we use the excuse of, oh, we're just putting you under stress to make see how you handle stress. And we want you to learn how to say no and prioritize and all this shit. We use that as this like blanket excuse for all the shit that happens during the chief season that is is like superfluous. It's just shit that it it's like halfway night. It's like just crap that you we're doing because it's what we've seen done and we attach that blanket excuse to it and say that's the training objective. And it's like bullshit. That's not like you don't even fucking know what the tra- like recite the mission, vision, and guiding principles for me real quick, bro. You know what I mean? Like right. it, it, they, I bet you 40% of chiefs couldn't even fucking do that. And that's a giant problem. And I I just I'm going a little too far with this, but like that's my do better is is the fact that that like that was such a that was such a, a glaring egregious example to me of how far off we are from from being competent developers of leaders, and that's like why I do what I do and why I'm so passionate about it is because I really do believe there's just rampant incompetence, and it sounds harsher than I mean it. Because then you guys know like how I go like where I it's it's the organization's fault that a lot of these chiefs don't know what the fuck they're doing in when hey, they're developing bro. leaders. Yeah. It's not I don't yeah. bl- I don't blame them for never being developed as a leader. The organization did that shit. By the time they're in the position to develop these leaders, their behavior and ideologies and outlooks and approaches have been validated over and over and over again by promotions and awards. So it's like by the time you know, they're a you senior know what's crazy. Chief, you know what's crazy? As I, while I'm kind of cutting in as you're talking, is I was going to say that. I was going to say if anybody wants to argue that, listen mm-hmm. to this last half, uh, hour and a half of our podcast. We mm-hmm. really like kind of countered the argument with the last hour and a half of the podcast. All yeah. of the process talk that we've been doing. Mm-hmm. 
So when they do get to that stage that you are talking about, you know, whatever your argument at that stage is, it's like, come on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, and and to be clear, like I always try to caveat this because I I come in hot on this a lot, and it's like I I love Chiefs, I love being a Chief. Look behind me, like uh, it's not. I know yeah. there's a, it's an organization full of good people that care about taking care of their people. They've just never been equipped with the tools to do that effectively, in my opinion. And and that's on the organization for not understanding that leadership development and education is the most important type of training or education or whatever you want to call it that we could possibly be doing because it it's connected to and feeds into everything we do technical strategic tactical whatever wherever you want to go with it that feeds into it right like you see you see it in every mishap you see it in every casualty you see it in every navy times cover where somebody's like i don't know what happened i got fired it's like you see it everywhere where it's like yeah when you when you really tr- like pull the thread and go back to the root cause analysis and we're like this is why we really had the problem it's almost always if it's not exclusively leadership development and education it's a compo- a large component of it and that's what yeah it it drives me nuts i, I tell you man i got a i got a little bit of opinion on it man is 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 that uh, i don't know if you noticed though um, every year, some things change in mm-hmm. how we do business. Do. You know what I mean? When the it ship's comes, turning, and, just and real I, and I slow. Think, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and I, I think, and um, sooner or later, though, man, like a lot of this stuff is going to go away anyway, and it's yeah. and it's because of it's it's because of that, mm-hmm. though. Like like stories like that mm-hmm. is probably one of the reasons why a lot of this stuff is going to go away. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of it comes from a lot of the the older, the, I hate to say it, the older freaking mm-hmm. chiefs, seeing chiefs and master chiefs that's still, by the way, we used to do it when I made it back in right. 2000, you know, 10 and 2000 mm-hmm. and, you know, nine when I made chief or whatever. That's the type of stuff that's not, not happening no more. And, but it's in the guidance too, like you said, mm-hmm. it says it right says there. It right but there. still, we go out there, we do our tribal knowledge yep. of what we know is right. Yep. You know, and we do the same, a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. I just yeah, don't want to. I just don't want to lose the idea of uh, extending like training and development uh, beyond the chief season as well. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like we mm-hmm. still need, you know, the chiefs' mess leaders, leadership, and all of that. We need training still. Like we, I, still yeah, need, I agree yeah, with you, hundred percent. And I, I think that I was just talking to. I had lunch with a buddy that's a CMC at a pretty high level um, in the submarine community, and he was. We were talking about the idea because I've I've floated it a bunch of times on my podcast of of like formalizing the curriculum and like making the chief season like this is what we do during the chief season. Here are the training objectives. Here's the master course document. Here's the IG. And it's not that. You, you make it like, so it's basically like an 80% product based on the same training objectives, which would probably be rooted in mission, vision, guiding principles or some version of that, right? And then like I hand you guys uh, this 80% product of a master course document with the training objectives, the IGs, whatever other material, like the, the uh, what is it, laying the keel or whatever training we do now, mm-hmm. or the yeah, teaching of the creed, sorry. Um, teaching the creed. And what and whatever it is, and and like that's that in and of itself, teaching the creed, I feel like is a symptom. Like that's an example of like we're doing it wrong because go read the chief's creed and tell me what like, okay, what is the chief petty officer? Like the mission, vision, and guiding principles do a much, much better job of saying this is who we are and this is what mm-hmm. we do. The creed is like the beginning of a pinning script somebody wrote in 1989 that just sounded good. And they're like, ah, this is our creed. You know, like, and there are good parts of it. There's parts of it that I really like, but there's parts of it that I hate too. 
And so like we, the mm-hmm. fact that we built it on the creed instead of the mission, vision, guiding principles to me is like a symptom of like, like, Hey, look, that's an example of how we don't understand what we're doing. But if you built that product at like 80% product of like, this is what we're going to do. This is how long it's going to take. This is how long you're allowed to spend on it. Like all those types of rules and like, and, and explanations of what things are like acceptance. Like this is what acceptance is. This is how you execute it. Like, but they're giving you like guardrails and then, but you leave enough, just enough wiggle room for me to, so I can hand that to Navy SEALs. I can hand that to CBs. I can hand that to submariners. I can hand that to surface sailors. And then you program your heritage into it. You program your, like the adaptations you would have to do to accommodate the unique characteristics of your warfare community or warfare platform or whatever. So that, because I, because I understand that, like, you can't do the chief season if a like a destroyer's on deployment. You guys can't do it the same way a Navy SEAL team in Coronado can do it. The same way that uh, CBs and wherever the hell CBs are can do it. Right? Like, it's it's gonna vary, and it, and it's gonna have to vary for the, all those unique reasons. But it should be there should be enough uh, similarities or like. Um, like baseline, like it should. Yeah, be a there should be enough. Yeah, there should be enough of a baseline that, and we like to say that there is now. But when you talk to people about their chief season experiences, they're wildly varied, completely different. Yeah, completely and different. so like yeah. it, it, there should be enough of a baseline that when I walk into any mess in the Navy, we have that commonality that we kind of think we do right now, and and not just in the in the tradition and heritage stuff that we like to be. Uh, so attached to you for what I would call the wrong reasons. Um, it's because like, if we're doing leadership development and education correctly, we should all be on the same page with that. Like we should all be operating at the same baseline, which should be like a, you know, like a strong B, B plus level. And then yeah, there will always be overachievers, but uh, like there are, I would say our baseline is way too low right now and we could do way. Yeah. Further. Like, like the training curriculum should be the same. Yeah. The training curriculum yeah. should be the same across everybody. Should, if, if this person is learning sapper from, yep. uh, you know, uh, the actual subject matter experts, everybody should be learning sapper from actual subject matter. Like the training right. curriculum mm-hmm. should be exact. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. I agree. And with I think that. it uh, like we could do a way better job of employing resources in a way too, that like, cause there's, there's just so many things that we don't leverage. We don't leverage retirees. Like we should, we don't leverage, um, like people from certain areas or communities or whatever that have the bandwidth to come be really valuable contributors to leadership development. Like there's a lot of times I've seen where people don't want to invite like warrants because they're anchor truckers or they don't want to uh, invite LDOs or whatever. And it's like, uh, once a chief, always a chief, unless they decide to get commissioned. Like what the fuck? Right, Wait, yeah. what, what are you talking about? And like, uh, yeah. That and they have the perspective of both sides of the argument, right? They can teach you why it's so so important to develop a JO, not just because they are now one, but because they have that chief side experience or or enlisted experience as well. And then um, there's a lot of other valuable insight that can be gained from those people, from veterans, from every everywhere. Um, even yeah. even if some of that perspective is how not to do it too, like if you get some dude that made chief in the '90s to come talk to you and tell you how it was, it's like <laughs> their yeah. seasons. Holy shit, dude! Like the Crazy. stuff that they right? did, yeah. and you can get a, a pretty good, like a pretty solid impression of it from like the tradition of change document. But hearing it come out oh, of their wow. mouths a different thing. I had a CMC that made chief in the '90s and 
God, he told us some stories, man. Like, yo, man, all this shit's on the internet, bro. Like, everything's is. on it the is. internet. Like, you could yep. Google, I've Googled, like, the whole season. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like, it's funny. Like, yeah. like people still try to keep it, like, sacred. Yeah. And, like what's inside the vessel like every, yeah like, i think it's, it's absurd you google all this shit like, i think it's google absurd that people shit. still try to do that shit. i'll show anybody what's inside my vessel i'll show anybody my <laughs> charge book like i don't I, the, and like the only these people can sign your charge book i'm like or what like the fuck difference does it make like i'll have anybody <laughs> yeah. i want sign my charge book i have stuff like it's like a scrapbook for me now where like i have sh- uh, junior sailors from like the A school when I was there that sent me messages or thanked me or whatever. I have like thank you cards from Seaman and I had people sign it that weren't cheap. Like it's fucking mine. Like, like and, and yeah, how does that not add value? And like, why is it even a secret in the first place? And oh, by the way, you can read it on the fucking internet anyway, man. Like, yeah. I think it was a secret when they was putting shit inside those vessels. <laughs> well, yeah, back in the day, but like what now? That's why? I, dude, I should yeah, just do yeah, a video. Yeah. I should just do a video of me going yeah, through my charge and right. showing everybody what's inside. Just be like, oh, do you guys unmasked? Yeah, well, yeah. I don't, I don't, God, I wonder how much secret. shit. I'd get for that. I should just start inviting the wrath of all those like old chiefs now that I'm retired. All them old heads, yeah. whatever yo. on your head. Yeah, I should do it. And uh, I might, I might do that. I, I, might I, I got that as a little topic too. Them Facebook groups. I'm gonna bring that up later. All Before right. then, though, I want to get into. So instead of doing hero of the week, right? Like, I got a. Is she a hero or is she an anti-hero? Is she right or wrong? So no hero of the week this week, but. Is she right or wrong? So here's the headline. Army wife uses air tag hack to tag her movers while PCS. Right. So let's get into this a little bit. I'm going to try to read through some of this article. So this article, I got it from Observation Post. And our girl, Sarah Sakar, she added again. She be, she be on <laughs> so it, man. It says, uh, military families in the midst of moving continue to suffer as shipping disruptions leave them without their household goods for extended periods of time after they've arrived at their new duty stations. One army wife, Valerie McNulty, deployed a brilliant solution to help track down her family's household's goods as they were made a permanent change uh, of station move from Fort Carlson, Colorado to Fort Drum, New York. Concerned about lost or delayed items, she attached an Apple AirTag to one of the boxes prior to the move. Right? So she said... uh, you hear so many horror stories when it comes to PCS and with those stories in mind and having read about people putting air tags with some of their stuff and HHG, I decided it would be worth testing the theory. So she attached a, a tracker to a box of her son's toys. Uh, it says, uh, this is the couple's fourth PCS, uh, two full uh, do-it-yourself moves and two partial. So I'm um, skipping through some stuff. It says, um, after surpassing the expected delivery date on January 7th, she reached out to the move coordinator and learned that the HHG was to be delivered the next day. When she turned on an air attack, she was able con- to confirm that her family's belongings were just four hours away in Elizabeth, New Jersey. It says, so McNulty said uh, she was surprised a short time later. She received a call from the driver who told her, he had just picked up the stuff in Colorado and the next day delivery was impossible. Right? So when she confronted him about being just a few hours away, he hung up on her. Right? So, ah. <laughs> so she says, she says, I made him aware that I knew he was only four hours away. He called back several minutes later trying to bargain with me to see if he could deliver it on Sunday or Monday. Right. Um, <laughs> she tried to call the company. The company was unaware of his location. 
She said, as as this as this point, I had more information than they did because of my air tag. The driver called back, claimed he was at his girlfriend's house. <laughs> he said, he said, I didn't know you could uh, track me. I'm going to go see my lady. I could save your HHG. I could have your HHG to you by tomorrow, but I'll have to hustle. Uh, so that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much the story, man. Hero, that's called it. Hero, bro. That He's is a hero. 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 That's hilarious. Yeah, I, tell you, though, I mean, yeah, I mean, from from my standpoint of we being PCS and uh, most definitely a hero. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if you could do that like legally. Either. Yeah, so I mean, I I'm not saying know, it was but... legal. I'm saying I love it and you're a hero. But uh, yeah. My man, he hero. went to get some role love, man. That's probably his move every time. Like he would yeah. go touch but you know, Hey, look, I don't man, know. she is so right though. You yeah. know that, that they be doing that shit, bro. I yeah. know they be doing that. Mm-hmm. Motherfuckers yeah. like always oh, gonna have it here. No, motherfucker, you right down the street two hours. You probably been there like three days, motherfucker. I don't understand. You probably been there like three days. Yeah, why? I don't understand why the company kid couldn't track it. Like, how, like you don't yeah, have like you, you don't have the ability to track, track your drivers. Trucks, yeah. Well, I know yeah. like some trucks, like the driver owns the truck, and they're just like contracting with them. But mm. still, like, yeah. if I had a truck company, like I'd be able to track them damn trucks. Like, you better yeah. be carrying this at all times. Yo, that uh, make the air tag, on, bro. They hung, they hung up on that. <laughs> he said, said, he nah, said "I'm still picking." He said, "I'm picking your stuff up tomorrow." <laughs> I'm She's in like, Colorado. <laughs> that make me want the air tag, man. That 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 actually yeah, makes man. the air tag a little. I heard some real bad stories about air tags, but that makes me want to get some air tag now <laughs> for our, for our next move, man. Because yeah. they played around with my stuff too, man. Yeah. All right, this 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 gonna sound bad, right? Uh, but uh, let's get into D guts. You right, bro. You right. That dude's out. Hey, we, uh, Don't threaten me with a good time. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we need a redo. Um, no, hey. So, bro, the last time, so we talked, right? We talked on on your pod. We had a, a yeah. I think that was a great conversation. Yeah, that was um, a good time, but. In that time, um, you were, I would say, I want to say masked, but you were like, um, I, I liken it to like a vigilante, bro. Like, 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 like Batman or like, you know, like Spider-Man. Like you, God, you, you think know, I'm you way cooler than I do. <laughs> <laughs> like, but you could go here, you could, you know, have these conversations and, you know, yeah. um, talk about these things. And like, you asked us a question, um. Uh, Early on, you asked us a question. I remember this question because it, it meant a lot to me, um, even before we recorded. But, uh, you know, it was just, you know, what made y'all decide to mm. not, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, be under, you know, some some form of cover? And my answer was as elementary as it remains. It's like, well, this is the only way I thought, that, you know, yeah. I could do it. I just podcast. didn't think not to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. It, it, it didn't really come to play for me. Um. None of that shit mattered to me until the the, the Mick Pond um, incident. Um, mm. That was the first episode that we I knew we had to talk about. Yeah, but I also thought like, damn, like we kind of I don't think we could say everything we want to say. Right, right. And uh, and, and, and me and Damon um, talked before we talked. We like, yo, we we have to like we mm-hmm. got sellers that listen, and it wasn't it wasn't because we didn't want to talk shit about. Mick Pond. And it wasn't mm-hmm. because we didn't want to talk shit about junior sellers. It was because we had opinions about every fucking thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it like it wasn't no way that, you know, y- you could sway. And the way like 
America is now or like mm-hmm. a lot of like social media is now. If you don't say everything, you didn't say anything. You know, mm-hmm. you and if if, yeah, if you went yeah. against if you went against like one person, you pretty much fucked. So I remember how we had to handle it. And I actually listened to your episode first. Um, mm-hmm. And I, so I remember how we had to um, handle that. But I, I say all that to say this. Um, now you're unmasked. Mm-hmm. Um, you're showing your face. You yeah. out. Um, how how does that feel? Like, how does it feel to be out of the Navy um, still being able to do what you do, do you feel liberated? Uh, in a way, yeah. Uh, I definitely, I, I had some self-imposed limitations besides just the, I wasn't using my face or name. Um, and for context, like I wasn't doing that. I mean, part of it was, it, I felt like it gave me a little more freedom to, uh-huh. like, it, and, and in that, I, it felt like, I just felt more comfortable doing it, but not because like anybody that listens, like you could fleet temp stalk me and figure out who I am. Like, I mean, not now because I probably won't even show up anymore. But, um, but back then it like, it wasn't that if you were a like religious listener of the podcast, you could figure out who I was pretty simply. Like it's a small community. I mean, there's like 28 CSS CSs at the time. Right. So like it just kept getting more narrow. And like when I was a master chief, there's like six. So it's like, it's not that hard to figure out who I am. Yeah. So it wasn't really like a hiding my identity because I wanted to hide. It was like, I was uncomfortable having my face and name on it for several reasons. One was it just made me feel a little more open about talking about certain things. Um, it, but the primary reason was when I first came out, came out with this, it was specifically targeted at junior sailors. I was an A school instructor. We had sailors reach back all the time asking leadership questions and for help. And I was like, I was answering the same stuff over and over and over again. And so I'm like, how, what resource can I create so that these sailors just have somewhere to go? Right. Like, and, and it's, I don't have to like actively engage with the sailor via Facebook messenger or whatever. Um, It's like, they can just click play or they can go to the website or they can read the book or, or whatever. And so I, I, back then this was, I mean, I've been doing this for like seven years. So it was like 2015 or something like that. 16, I think it was 2015 when I was, I was first starting out. Um, and so I, uh, I talked to some people and I had just started listening to podcasts myself. And when I decided on it, I was like, I don't think that I, I was very much in the midst of my, like mental uh, epiphany or focus or whatever uh, of how junior sailors um, were interpreting the chief's mess in a way that I really didn't like. And, and I was starting to like figure out the reasons why and really dig into it. So I was very concerned about how junior sailors would perceive the project. So yeah. I was like, if I put my face or name on it, I feel like junior sailors are going to immediately assume I'm doing this as like an ego stroke for you. Or yeah, a, yeah. yeah. Like a, a, for an eval bullet or, or for some other, some personal gain. So I felt like I had to sanitize it of that possibility. I'm like, I just got to build this in a way where the only interpretation can be I'm helping junior sailors. Like that's what I, all I'm doing is trying to help you be better. Yeah. Um, nowadays you could, you could argue cause like I have a Patreon and all that other crap I'm trying to do some business stuff with it. But that, it, now it's like, I'm, I'm not clearly, I'm not doing it for an eval book. So I don't get fucking evals anymore. But, um, but that yeah. was the primary driver. Um, and some of it was just like a, a 
weird like social anxiety about like having my face and name on it too. Like I didn't want to get recognized walking down the pier as D guts. Um, and it got big enough while I was on active duty that I 100% would have. And I'm just like, I, I feel, feels unprofessional, feels weird. If everybody at work knew it was me, it, fe- it just felt like there'd be mm. some weirdness there that I just didn't want to deal with. Um, yeah. And like with it you guys, weird. when I, yeah, well, yeah, with you guys, when I talked to you about it, I was like, it, it, it other people might be able to do it. it. Like you guys do it. And it's like, I, I just, it would make me so fucking uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. because what I've seen happen, and I don't know if you guys have had this happen, but it's like, it gets a little hero worshipy sometimes. And I'm like, I'm just a dude, mm. man. I'm just a guy, does a podcast, trying to help you out. I'm no different than any other chief or sailor in the Navy. I'm just a dude. And it's like, and if you, if, if everything I'm doing resonates with you, cool. But like, it shouldn't be any different than like when I'm, if you interacted with me as Master Chief, it, like in the fleet, right? Like if I'm walking around and somehow we interact, like it's, it, in my mind, I'm just like, I'm just doing chief things. Like I'm, but I'm doing it in this way because I feel like I can reach sailors more and I can cr- create this resource that like they can go to whenever they want. And it's not dependent on my bandwidth. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's so yeah, weird, that was, it, yeah, it is. Di- I'll admit ahead, it. Sorry. I'll admit it. Yeah. No, it's cool. yeah. I'll admit it. It's, so like <laughs> when, like, you know, like I talked, like, I don't, tell people like that I work with like deliberately like yeah I hear like I'm like yo I, I, I you know I do a podcast I don't mm-hmm. do that but it's starting to get to a point where it's not yeah. that hard to find it right yeah so I could be talking to somebody right and I'm super I'm super self-conscious about a million things right <laughs> um so I could be talking to somebody and then somebody would be like hey you know you got a podcast right and I'm like, oh, come on. like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like but and, and I say that I'm self-conscious because I don't ever want that to lead like yeah. lead any like lead any decision from anybody, right? So right. like like my my CMC, for instance, like I would never tell him that I do it. Like if he comes yeah. across it, he comes across it. Right. Uh, my junior right. sellers, like they come yep. across it, you know. But it, it, right. it does get weird because then it's yeah. also it's also that like where it's like, yo, now if I do something, for instance, like I was a season chair last year, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like now if I'm the season chair, like I I, I gotta bust my ass. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I gotta mm-hmm. like be somewhat of a decent season chair because if not, somebody gonna be in the comments on YouTube or something <laughs> like, yo, this dude talking <laughs> shit about sucks. season and he sucks <laughs> as, you know, as a chair or like yeah. you know, now I'm CPOA president, right? Mm-hmm. And um same thing. It's like, yo, we got to yeah. do shit. Like, you know, so yeah. that is, it's, <laughs> and I've always worked, bro. It's funny for uh, me and Damon to be actually doing this because like, I always, when I work, when I'm at work, that's what I want to dictate how people see me. Mm-hmm. Like I never, I've seen yeah. where people get in good with the yeah. DLCP or something. I never wanted that. Like I wanted yeah. you to be like, yo, he does his job. And I, and I would hate for the podcast to ever make yeah. somebody you know, think that's like, why you yeah. are excelling or getting ahead or what? Yeah, 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 bro. Yeah. But it, yeah, yeah, I was, and then like, right with the, the heroic type stuff, man. Yeah, it's weird. Go yeah, ahead. it's weird. Yeah, yeah. and and yeah, so like, look, people come in to me. We be in a mess. We be up in a mess, bro. Like sitting there, the guy come in. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, you got you got you want you go come on that podcast? <laughs> yeah, they start asking questions. They man, look, then yeah. all of a sudden, man, I got like ten people around me, man. <laughs> like ten people like talking yeah, to me about yeah. like. Dude, how you get people on there. Can you? How you do this? And yeah, how you do yeah. that and all this stuff. So weird. I like. I yeah. when I was on Constitution, uh, there's a chief there that listens, or he like he did. I don't know if he still is, but 
Um, and my buddy Joe told me that like that's who's coming to. Uh, I put I did just place his cover and his wife and his mom uh, and his son pinned his anchors, and uh, the he like um, told him that I that D guts is the dude coming and. Uh, so when I came, he like came over, said hi to Joe, and he goes, "Oh, hey, this is my buddy," and blah blah blah, and, and then he goes, and you just saw his face change, like this is the dude, and I'm like, I'm just a dude, dude. like right, yeah. you saw his face, his bro, eyes lit up, and I was just like, bro, I, it was weird, and he was cool, like he wasn't, he didn't like start fangirling or anything, but like yeah, yeah. he just, you saw his face change, and I was just like, oh no, you know, like. But yeah. it's like, I yeah. kind of get it. Like I, uh, my last CMC, well, not my last one, the second to last, but like he was my CMC the majority of the time I was on my last shore duty. That dude's like a hero to me. Like he's a dude I look up to. I, I'm always intimidated by the guy. He's like a break glass in case of emergency CMC. Like he's, I hope he's Mick Pond someday. He's an amazing dude. Um, so. But so I, I get that part of it. Like I get that feeling. Like I, I was real close with the guy. And every time I was in his office, I felt, like a little nervous talking to him. It was real weird. Cause you'd think like after a, a bit of time, you get comfortable with the person, but for some reason, and it was like that fear of like letting him down or uh, like, you know, like him having a negative perception of me or something, which is probably impossible. He's, you know, he's somebody I consider a friend too, but, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, man, it's so that like, it's now it, it felt real weird at first. Like when I did the unmasked thing with Bob and, yeah. um, like the first few times and I'm like editing a video. I'm like, fuck, I really doing this. Like, like I, don't, I don't know if I like this, but at the same time, it's like, I like the listeners are pumped. Like they, they love the video stuff. Um, and I, I don't always get video. Like the last one Bob did, he didn't get video. And, um, but like for most of them, I'll have video for sure. And obviously like you and I talked, I'm going to pick your brain. Cause I'm pretty terrible at this video thing. I need to level my yeah, game up, but yeah, I'm learning. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's odd, but um, I'm excited about it too in a way because I don't really care. Not, like now, it's like all the reasons why I would have cared that people knew who I was because like I'm not really like I don't care about hiding my identity really anymore either. I'm not gonna put my name on it uh, just because like it's more of like a symbolic thing. Like I just want to hang mm-hmm. on to the like the roots. Like, and everybody knows me as D gets anyway. So who cares? I'll just go as that. Like, it doesn't matter who I am. It matters that like I'm doing this thing and hopefully it helps you out. But, um, but yeah, it feels, it's strange, but it's, it's cool. I'm getting more comfortable with it and I'm excited. I'm excited at the possibility of growth through video because I understand enough about social media to know videos are the move, you know? And it's like, man, yeah, yeah. man, yo, did you guys, I, uh, I feel like, and, and I'm, I'm just inferring it, but have you guys seen just a ton of growth from the video that you guys yeah, do? So, Hey man, like, and it's going to get nerdy for like one second for That's to, fine. probably just, uh, and for the realm of like content creators. Right. Mm-hmm. But these, these apps, man, from YouTube shorts mm-hmm. to, um, TikTok to Facebook, to Instagram, Mm-hmm. They want usage. So yep. they want you to use their platforms the way they want you to use it. Right. Mm-hmm. So they want you to do stories. They want you to yeah. do reels. They want you. And then on top of all of that shit, they want you to engage. Right. So mm-hmm. like you need to use their app and then your followers. Right. And that's why you yeah. like, that's why people don't understand. Like when you tell yeah. your followers to like, like, share and comment. Like, because if you don't like yeah. your, like yeah. the content that you create, it, it's just somewhere yep. in the ether. Like, yep. but if your followers like, like, share and comment, 
I, it moves your content to a different place. So I very recently, very recently, um, started getting messages from Facebook, like, Hey, your mm-hmm. content is being seen and, and interacted with by more people. Nice. So, and that's what they say. And you probably, you've probably seen it a million times. Mm-hmm. So we're going to open up this invisible realm of vis- okay. visibility and like, yeah. let your content be seen by more people mm-hmm. because you're doing something right pretty much. Okay. So like, yeah. And like just last week, like in the last two weeks, I just realized that like, that's a fucking thing. Like mm-hmm. if, if, if your I've, content is not yeah. making no movement, they're yeah. not, they not, fuck it. What the fuck are we promoting your stuff for? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, I've, um, I've heard it and I've, because I've, I've gone down a lot of rabbit holes, like on YouTube, trying to learn about it. And I've tried to like do the thing where like, okay, I'm going to try to do a post every day or I'm going to try to do this. And I was trying to do stories more. And it's like, I'm getting to the point where it's like, I fucking, I hate social media. If I yeah, didn't have a podcast, lot, I wouldn't even uh, be on it, man. Like, <laughs> it's but it's, lot, it's, I also understand the necessity of it in the in this realm that I've decided to exist in. So I'm trying to be better about it, but I, I need to like get consistent. I need to do all the, like I and what I'm trying to set up now is like a workflow where I'm I'm um, coming to my office like I'm doing a job and I'm like I got a social media calendar and I and I'm gonna each day I'm gonna plan posts out for the week so I don't got to interact with that app constantly. Like I just got to yeah. do it a little bit. And and everything else is just scheduled, and it's just going to post every day, same time, and it's going to shoot that out. And then I'll I'll interact just with comments and stuff as much as I can, and little stories sometimes. And but I'm trying to treat it more like it's a job, so that I don't have to be glued to my phone, like doing all this crap all the time. I'm just like I I compartmentalize it, and this is the time I'm doing that, and then I just got to like check on it here and there, but. Um, yeah, man. But like, yeah, I got a lot of tightening up to do to try to like get those processes doing like what I need yeah. them to do to continue to grow. Cause now that I'm now that I'm out, it's like I do really want to lean into it. I definitely there was definitely like a decompression and just like fuck it vacation phase I was in for a few months. But now yeah. I'm really starting to get the itch to get really back into it and, and do more stuff. So I'm like, I need to like regiment my workflow and and really commit to it like it's a job in a lot in some ways like I don't want it to feel like one because I love doing this but it's like I got all this stuff I want to do so it's like I got a lot of work to do you know what I mean and it's it's largely just yeah. me doing it so um, yeah and I was gonna say I was about to I was about to mention because well yeah. first I was gonna mention like captions now like new wave like you need captions under your videos like it's gonna mm. make people I, I remember I post I started captions and then I didn't do a caption somebody I know that's hearing impaired they was like mm. yo what happened to the captions I was like oh shit. yeah yeah but what I was gonna bring up was like like some of us like you I know uh, a lot of what I do is like I don't have a staff you know yeah. so I don't have a social media, like a bunch of 20 some 20 somethings, like, like this is all me, all you know? Me. So we getting in here trying to figure this shit out, man. It's, mm-hmm. it's definitely like, you know, you, you, we try not to treat it like a job, but some of the stuff is like yeah. super tax task driven, mm-hmm. especially yeah. when we not, I'm not a social media person. Yeah. Um, but you kind of like have to submit to certain things when you yep. en- enter the realm, you I, know, especially when you want something to grow. Yeah, I'm looking for as much um, like that. I was messing with that headliner app where I was doing the waveforms and all that. Because I'm trying to find ways because there's a there's a thing in that app, and I, I might still try to figure out a way to to use utilize it. But it I want to like automate 
as much process stuff as I can to, so that it frees me up to do other things. And then the other thing, like the other path of that is like, I'm trying, like the reason I'm doing, uh, like I'm not trying to pay my rent and stuff off of uh, Patreon and YouTube mm-hmm. ads and all that crap. It's like, I'm trying to use that money to like hire a YouTube editor. So I don't got to fucking do yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like submit the raw materials to somebody that actually knows what they're doing and pay them. Um, yeah. Because it like, it'll free me up to do other things. Like I want to generate content. I don't want to fucking edit a video. Yeah. Just create. Like, yeah. Just I, create. I understand that I have to do that right now. And I, like, it's interesting. I like learning a new thing, but it's like, it just eats time. And it's like, I'm trying to get rid of as much of that as I possibly can. Um, so over time, I hope to get to that point where I can like pay somebody, like go somewhere online, find somebody that's willing to do it. And then maybe I like upload it to somewhere and they chop it up, edit it, upload it. I don't got to fuck with it. You yeah. know, like, and, but, um, we we'll Damon. see. We got, let's ask Damon, man, how I feel to just be able to create, man. Like, just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you don't got to do no work. You just got to yeah, show up, dude. <laughs> Bro, I'm like that it. feels real good, man. But, <laughs> hey, that shit feel real good, bro. Hey, only thing I, hey, the only thing I have to, but that's 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 most my most concern is, man. When we get done, the whole thing don't upload, and Dumbo Tim had to go back. Yeah. Home. You know what I mean, the fish. The, I thought fish, you. Other than hey, that, bro, I thought you was gonna say if the movie is longer than two hours. I thought that was you. Yeah. Like, oh man, <laughs> we gotta watch a two and a half hour <laughs> movie. <laughs> hey. Hey, because, oh, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I got a question for you. Um, have you ever been around somebody that uh, didn't know, like that was talking about the podcast, but didn't know yeah. it was yours and they yes. might have like harshly <laughs> like criticized it? Oh, no. So not, not in that exact context. I've been around people t- where we talked about it. Um, and uh-huh. or like I was in a group of people where it got brought up or talked about or whatever. Uh, yeah. And they didn't know it was me. But um, as far as like criticizing it, not like what's been super weird about this experience is outside of Reddit, which it's Reddit. So like, of course yeah. people are flaming. Beautiful place. Reddit. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I went in eyes wide open. The moderators all warned me when I brought up like, cause I asked, uh, cause the rules are the, what they are. I asked, I mean, this was years ago at this point, permission to like post my stuff there. And a, cu- a couple of the moderators were listeners and fans of the podcast and kind of went to bat for me. But they warned me. They're like, are you sure you want to do this? Because they're going to like a senior chief posting podcasts about the Navy. Like you're going to get your soul ate. Man. <laughs> and I was like, better, better people have tried and failed to lower my self-esteem. It's going to be fine. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> and I still post there and I still interact some, a lot. I'm, I'm, a, I'm on Discord now a little bit more because um, it's... I don't know. It's a little different and a little better of an environment, I think. But it's kind of kind of all over the place, and there's some people that uh, are still a little, you know, like not near, not even close to as like aggro as uh, the people on Reddit. But yeah, there's Reddit. some really dope people on Reddit too. But, um, but yeah, man. No, I like I, what's weird about this experience is I haven't gotten a lot of criticism, and I don't know if that's just because I'm shooting bullseyes all the time, or if it's because. Uh, those people just choose not to listen and interact. And it's probably a little bit of both or I don't know, but I don't get much uh, in the way of like, I, I don't think I've ever gotten an email saying like, you suck. Like you're terrible. I hate you. Like, or anything like super critical, even like I've gotten some constructive criticism for sure. Where somebody's like, you can tell that it's like the tone is genu- genuinely just trying to help me out. 
And a lot of people have volunteered to like, like, Hey, I'm an audiophile. I could help you out with this or that. Or, um, like yeah. early on when I was recording, I had some listeners that were, that were kind of audio dorks that would like, they recommended I do this or like, I got one of those little like screen things for my old microphones. Cause it like helped a pop filter to yeah, help with filter. the audio and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of it, like, I mean, I, I can, outside of Reddit, man, like not much <laughs> in the way of negative feedback, which oh. is weird to say, cause I've been doing this for so long and the following being what it is. It's like, I would think I would get a lot more pushback, but I don't know, man. Like I and pushback ain't bad. No, sometimes you can no, use I, that shit. You know, yeah, I mean? you I, like, okay. I invite it all the time on pot like at the end of the podcast. Yeah. I'm always and I and I say caveat things a lot where I'm like, hey, if I'm wrong, tell me. Or if you want to debate this, hit me up. You know, like yeah. there's some some positions I dig my heels in, like on that stuff we talked about earlier. And I'm like, if you think I'm wrong, hit me up and we can talk about it. Like I'll tell you why you're wrong. You know what I mean? Like uh, there's some positions where I'm that hard. But it's like, I'm willing to talk about it with anybody because there's a chance I'm wrong. Like, there's always yeah. a chance I'm wrong. There's always a chance there's a perspective I yeah. don't have that somebody can inform me and I'll be like, oh, and I can add that to my, you know, calculus and, and it'll alter my opinion a little bit. But because over time, like one of the most notorious ones is I was the hands in pockets guy until I talked to a bunch of, like, I've talked to it about it so much over, the, over a period of time that my opinion kind of changed on it where I think it's an unenforceable standard and it's kind of stupid and it should just go away. Like they should just delete that out of the, out of the uniform regs because people fucking do it constantly, constantly everywhere you look, even, and especially like all hands call CEO's got his hands in his pockets and it's just like, okay, I can't, this is unenforceable. Not, not just for that reason, but like, okay, Hey, show me, get your hands out of your pockets. And then as soon as I walk away, their hands are right back in because I can't, what's the point though is, What's it's the point? just is a it like, profe- the like a professionalism and down, lo- how you well. look in your uniform. It's just an old archaic standard that never got taken out of the uniform regs. And I understand like you could say khakis and above or maybe dress uniforms don't do it. But like when you're in your working uniform, like doing work and maybe it's a little brisk outside and you left your part. Cause like I'm running around during stores loads. Maybe I left my shit down on the boat. Like, so now you're saying I can't like, I got to just have my hands freeze. And it's like, I'm working, man. I'm loading food onto a submarine to deploy. Like, who gives a yeah. shit if my CS3 has his hands in his pockets because it's cold outside and he's got to stand there and monitor the crane? Like, I don't. I really don't. And you got those giant pockets on the parka. Like, what the fuck are those for? Put your hands in your pockets. Yeah, like, that's what I was about to get into. Yeah, like, you know, they say, people say don't put nothing in pockets. Like, what the fuck? It's irrelevant right to me. Like, <laughs> and but I was like, the, if it, while it's in the book, yeah, it's in the book until it's not yeah. in the book. And I'm like, I'm the first guy that'll that'll shut up about it when they take it out. But while it's in there, comply because it's the rules. But then I kind of like evolved my thinking just to like, okay, well, what I always do is like, look at the process. Okay. What's the process? And the process is just this outdated reg that should go away. And so like, I'm always down for people to criticize or push back or try to inform my opinion or whatever, because I recognize, and I like, I've, I've gotten to this weird point where I enjoy being wrong, especially about people. Like, if I, if I think a thing about a person and then I like Christina is the one I point at constantly. Um, she was the TikTok chief that did the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the or it's Cardi B or whatever. The real ass chief. Yeah. Yeah. The real ass yeah. chief thing. Um, 
And I remember when I first saw it and I had this reaction of like, there's no, there's like, there's no excuse in the universe that's going to get me off of that. This was the dumbest thing ever and you shouldn't have done it and blah, blah, blah. You just set the chief's mess back 10 years, blah, blah, blah. And then I stopped myself after it. Cause that's, I have emotional reactions to thing like things like everybody does. And then I stopped myself and I'm like, hang on a second. And I'm like thinking about it. And I'm like, how could I be wrong? And what are all the things I'm not thinking of? And then the more I thought about it and the more I saw the internet's reaction to it, I was like, I need to reach out to her and, and try to get her on the podcast or at least just have a conversation with her so I can understand what exactly happened better. And God damn, if I had like, I've, I've never been more happy to be wrong about a human being because I fucking love Christina. She's amazing. And when I had her on, it's like, I had no idea if like, if you go look at her TikTok, 90% of it is her helping and mentoring sailors. And I was yeah, just like, yeah. didn't even cross my mind that that's what she was doing. And then like, there's just some comedy stuff. And uh, that was intended for comedy. And then not only was it like, it was intended to be comedy, but she vetted it through a group of female chiefs and everybody co-signed that shit. And they're just like, yeah, girl, that was hilarious. Post that shit. It'll be fine. <laughs> and then like, and then it was up for a while. It was up for a while and and it didn't, you know, like it didn't do anything. And then she was checking in to go on deployment and somebody walked by her and was like, are you okay? And they're like, she's like yeah, why? And you're like, oh my God, you don't know. And then like, they were like, you're viral right now. She's like, what? And then she goes and checks her phone. And if you listen to the episode, like, I mean, she got death threats she got. I hope you get yeah, raped and killed. Just all this horrible shit that I... Wow. Yeah. And yeah. it's like from some of them were chiefs. And it's just like, yep. fuck, man. I was so I was so happy to be wrong about her. And she's one of my, like, my fucking favorite humans that I've met through the podcast. Um, so like that kind of stuff, like that's... I love that stuff. I love when I get to talk to a person and I'm wrong or when I get to talk about a thing with someone and then they kind of like inform my opinion or tell me something I didn't know. So... Yeah, man. Um, how, did, yeah. did podcast? Hey, man. So since you, you got it, Damon. Oh, go no, ahead. you got it. You got it, bro. Hey, so I think you may already answer this question, man. Mm-hmm. But so you're not planning on doing anything else, then, right? You just going no um, part time job, no. Anything? Currently, yeah. So uh, what actually happened was I, I kind of went into it. I was going to take a break when I retired, um, and then pursue a job or go to school. And I was leaning towards just going to school. I'm really interested in psychology because of the leadership development stuff, like. The more I study it and read books about it, the more I just get directed towards psychology. Like that, a lot of leadership books reference uh, psych, psych, like psychological research or a psychologist book or whatever. And so, I like I get the stack of books sitting over here, and it's almost all psychologists that wrote them. So I was I got interested in it, and then I was seeing a psychologist for the last like eighteen months. I was in and talking to him. He goes, you know, you'd be really good at this. Like you, you, your brain works in a way that like, I think you'd be really great at psychology. And so then I started talking to him about like, well, what does that mean? Like, what does, what does it mean to be a psychologist outside of what we're doing right here? And so then it got me really interested because then I can work with veterans and help them through some stuff that I went through and all this other stuff um, and expand kind of the, the scope of the podcast and the thought lab stuff that God help me. I haven't touched in months, but I want to get back to doing that too. Um, with all the psychology stuff. So uh, the current plan right now is I'm starting school January 3rd uh, because I, I kind of accidentally got a job. (laughs) Like I saw this post in a, in a CS group 
And some guy was saying, Hey, I'm looking for like an E6 or above CS uh, subject matter expert for a job. And he posted like a link to the job listing. And I, I'm like, all right, I'll bite. And I clicked it more thinking I would like hand it off to somebody I know, you know, like it didn't seem like something that would fit me. And then when the job listing popped up, it was like they used my resume to write a job listing. And it was to be a SME to develop uh, the training curriculum for CSs. They like had hired a contractor to develop like ready relevant learning stuff for CSs. And I'm like, this is, I'm, I'm the guy that like they should pick for this job. And so I'm like, God, I think I'm going to apply for a job. And so I did. Uh, interview was more like a recruiting shtick. Like they were, I mean, I barely did an interview. It was more like them trying to convince me based on my resume to take the job. Um, and it was fully remote. I would be able to work from home, occasionally travel to some of the like schools and stuff. I'm like, all right. Like, and the pay wasn't quite what I wanted, but it was pretty fucking good. And I'm like, all right. I was to, to work remotely. Like, yeah. So I took the job. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I took the job. Um, and then apparently there was like some developmental stuff on the Navy side that they had to do to be ready to award the CS portion of the contract and the God bless CSs, but they fucked it up. So I can't, uh, they didn't award that part of the contract because the Navy side wasn't ready to. So then I got, I, I was a couple weeks out from starting and I emailed them like, Hey, I haven't like heard from anybody about like onboarding, and like indoc and whatever. Like, I don't know. Um, and they're like, Oh yeah. So what had happened was, and then they explained <laughs> to me that it didn't get awarded. So then I'm like, fuck, I got fired on my day off. So then I was like, well, yeah. uh, <laughs> I guess I got to like, you know, reassess here. But by then it's like, so I'm, you know, my pension, it's like, I only got paid as a master chief for a couple of months. So my high three pensions, basically senior chief. So it's like yeah. between that and I'm a hundred percent, I got a hundred percent disability. I mean, I got like 230% disability. It's fucking insane, but you cap at a hundred. So like between those two checks, like it's basically active duty pay after taxes. So I'm just like, I'm good. Like I don't need to work. And then I'll get like a couple grand a month for the BAH when I'm doing school full time. So like I'll be I'll be active duty master chief pay with that. So I'm just like, I don't need to get paid, right? Like I'd like to. It'd be dope. Like if Patreon blows up, if like I get a bunch of YouTube followers, if the whole thing explodes, great. <laughs> but like the biggest thing is like for that, I like I I really would like to kind of treat the podcast like a job. And then I think school, um, a lot of that psychology stuff will just feed the podcast content. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I'm kind of almost happy. Like the, the, it would have been the, the money would have been nice from the job. Cause it would be, I mean, it would have been significant on top of those, the pension and disability. So I would have been able to like sock a lot of money away and it would have been cool. And I really want a new truck, but it's bad time. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. um, I just wanted like a retirement truck, but, it's it's one of those things where it's like I'm I'm totally fine. Uh, wife is doing great at her job too, and we don't have kids either. So it's like, dude, we're like I'm I don't need to do a damn thing. My cost of living is a joke. Like yeah, thank, yeah. that's why we didn't leave Washington too. Is like my cost of living here is so low, dude. No debt. Like we're just chilling. So it gives yeah. me that a lot of freedom to uh, do kind of whatever I want. So like it wasn't it was I'm not not working. Um, for any other reason than I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I want to really take a shot at doing the podcast thing effectively as a job. Even if I don't like, if I could get to a place where I'm making like 30, 40 grand a year doing it outside of the costs of doing it, like that would be a lottery ticket to me. Um, that would be like the, a home run, like (laughs) success. Um, and if it blows up more than that, me, you know, like, I don't know. 
I don't, I can't see it out like growing to the point of like some crazy, like me being like a Jocko Willink type level. Like I, I don't, I don't even see that as a possibility, but like if it happened, cool. Um, so yeah, man, like that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm just like, I start school in January. Uh, I'm going to do a bunch of bachelor's level stuff for psychology. And I already have a bachelor's degree, but I didn't have psychology, uh, like lower level stuff. So I'm going to do that. I may finish a degree and then I'm going to apply for a PhD program or a sci. They, they have another doctorate level program called a PsyD where it's your focus just on counseling instead of like clinical research t- type stuff too. So that's kind of the difference between a PhD and a PsyD. Um, so I'm going to apply for a PhD program probably. Um, but I may end up just doing like a PsyD thing um, and just focusing on the counseling side of it and doing the podcast. And I may, I may get a job somewhere. Like I want to work with veterans. So I may, I'm going to look at like nonprofits and the VA and stuff like that um, nice. to do that kind of work. And I may just found my own nonprofit where I can do like telemedicine with guys that, because the big thing mm. with a lot of the mental health stuff is just access to providers. And I, I'm almost thinking about just like talking to somebody like Grant Khan or somebody like that and doing like a nonprofit where people funnel me, the people that are in crisis that are, are having trouble getting access to care, but they need it right now, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. if I can vet that, if I can like form relationships with people at certain places where it's like, like, and I mean, I, I'll send my shit to like military medical and just say, look, if you're in a pinch, like you can hand them my card, we'll set up a Zoom meeting or something, and I'll telehealth my ass off, and then see if I can like pull people in to to volunteer to do some slots as well. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. We'll see. That's that's all so far so far off. I might decide yeah. I hate school and just fucking yeah. quit and do the Thank podcast. You. Like I I don't know. I'm not. I'm trying not to think too far ahead. But that's the current like uh, chalkboard rough sketch plan. Did doing a podcast change you at all as a sailor? Yes. Uh, as a uh, sailor, it changed me as a person, uh, if I'm being mm-hmm. honest. But like, if we're focusing on the sailor aspect of it, I would say it definitely changed me in that, um, like, so talking through a lot of the things, it's kind of like, like, I understand things to be a certain way but it when i'm the one in the midst of whatever's going on and i got to make decisions or i got to be the one that is behaving in in a certain type of way it's a lot more difficult like to to do it in real life and so when i got to like it, it you get to like be in this mental uh like leadership sandbox where i get to work through all these ideas and it started where it was just me for a long time but then when i started bringing guests on I got to talk through a lot of things with people. And so it kind of like codified a lot of my ideas or clarified them. And then it also like informed me a lot as I'm talking to these people. I learned a lot from them as well, talking through a lot of the things. Um, and I, so I think it made me a lot, uh, a lot like more convinced or just like comfortable in my convictions about my outlook on leadership and like how how you the what like what right looks like how you should interact with these sailors how you meet their needs and stuff like that and i think it also broke down like i i was pre- usually pretty good at, at at resisting a lot of the uh status quo type stuff that that especially chiefs we get indoctrinated in the system and a lot of people just kind of it's like the nature channel you're just adapting to your surroundings you know what i mean and you're mm-hmm. doing what everybody else is doing and i've i've usually been pretty good at, at resisting that and just doing it right no matter what. 
or try, you know, doing my best to do it right, no matter what. But I think that doing the podcast allowed me to kind of, um, it was like a descaling process. You know what I mean? Like where I got, it helped me kind of get all that, like detach all the stuff that I did have as a, uh, like an, a, a perception or, um, understanding, or I just was like subscribing to the ideology, just like, Oh yeah, that's just what we do. It's like, well, why do we do it? And I, I, I eventually got to the point where my, I was looking through the, the lens of like, why for everything. And if I couldn't arrive at an answer that I believed was satisfactory for like, this is the best case scenario for the end user of my leadership. Then I'm like, okay, fuck that. We got to fix this. And how do I fix this? How do I, how do I navigate the structure of the Navy to be able to give the, the end user of, of what I do, which is leadership and management, like the best case scenario outcome. And cause there is, there's stuff that I got to just conform to sometimes, but there's also things I can do that are, abstract or or unique or whatever within that system to like circumvent some of the negative effects that those sailors are going to have by my need to follow the fucking rules you know like sometimes yeah um and so i think it changed me a lot in that it made me a lot more aware and sensitive of and just willing to do what it took to like make sure my sailors were actually taken care of I would go to war with people. Um, I, I'm very... If you talk to people that I served with, I'm known for being extremely vocal, for arguing, for pushing back. And it doesn't matter who it is. Like, I'll fuck go to war with anybody. Um, and I mean, I've said to people's face more than once, like, if this, if I die on this hill and retire a chief, fuck it, let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need a star to, do, to get shit done. And I don't need a star to feel good about myself at the end, you know? Um, and then I accidentally got two of them. So I'm like, fuck, I'm apparently doing something right. It feels pretty validating. I don't know. But uh, yeah, man, I, I would say it for sure made me a better person and a better leader for those reasons. Um, it, it's, it was like a self-powered professional development thing. You know, like I just yeah. kind of found myself in this environment where like I was getting challenged a lot intellectually uh, on my belief system. Um, I got to deconstruct these things that we just take for granted as the way things happen. It's like, yeah, but why do they happen that way? And what can I do to fucking make it better? And I got to work through all that in a really cool way that I think kind of, I got rid of some bad habits. I clarified my ideas about a lot of stuff. I gained a lot of knowledge and I feel like even experience. I'm a, I'm a much better speaker. I'm much better at articulating myself. Um, I feel like being on the ship, like you kind of, sometimes I felt like I devolved in my ability to communicate where I'd have like a hard time, like art articulating myself in a way that felt professional. And, um, I was always concerned about like doing it in a way that bucked the, the stereotypical cook on a submarine thing that they like to, they like to assume you're dumb and stuff like that. So like, I, but some for some reason, man, on the boat, it's like you just every other word's a curse word, and you're just saying stupid stuff that like I just yeah, feel like yeah. my my uh, vocabulary and ability to articulate myself would devolve, and so it's it's done a lot for that as well. Um, so yeah, man, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would say yes for for those reasons. It, it's made me definitely made me a better sailor, but uh, it made me it made me like a better human being. I think too. Like it just I've interacted with some extremely cool people. 
that have taught me. What was your relationship? Question. What was your relationship with leadership coming up as a junior seller? It was, it was almost always bad. Um, so from, from, so my entire first submarine, uh, it was extremely negative until the very end. I had a, a good chief, uh, shout out to Will Lowe. He's an old retired guy in Florida now. Um, and he was a young guy. So that I think some of it was like a generational difference. He was this shit hot young dude that made chief in like seven years. Uh, and he came to us, um, at the very end, I had him for like a year and he's a dude mm-hmm. that he just understood like he just knew exactly where I was. I was bitter and angry, but I was also smart, high functioning and worked my ass off. Um, and he just understood where I was at and what I needed from a leader. And he gave it to me and it was fucking awesome. And it was the first time I was like, I kind of recognized that like, Oh, there are good ones out there. You know what I mean? Like, um, there was a couple chiefs on board the submarine that I thought were cool, but like, I didn't have like they weren't standing up for me that I, I that I'm aware of, and they sure the shit mm-hmm. weren't like reining in the tyrannical leadership or really really ineffective leadership that I had along the way. But um, and conveniently, he was the first chief I had too. Like I, the first the leads, the guys I had filling those roles were first classes, and then he was the first chief I had. So I think it was, I think it did a lot to um, inform my opinion of chiefs because the first one I had was good. And then when I got to shore duty, um, ironically, my first MS one, because I'm that old, uh, was a chief now. And he was the food service officer at the base galley that I went to. And he was he was a dude that was a really negative example for me of leadership, probably the worst one. But then because he made chief, he was one of those dudes that I think was just bitter and angry because he thought he deserved to be a chief. So when he made it, it all that like just fell away and he was this happy dude that was like <laughs> he was like took good care of me acted like we were best friends when i showed up and i'm like i hate you but then we kind of yeah. rehabbed my our relationship a little bit um and then after that the two that we i had two chiefs that were there kind of they kind of overlapped both of them were, were amazing. And those guys, like I was still bitter. Still, I was like, I was there to get E5 pay and try care while I got a culinary degree. And then I was going to deuces, just separate and go do my thing. Um, yeah. And I had a chief there that just played me like a fiddle, man. Like he recognized potential in me and put me in charge of sailors because he knew that would... He knew that if I was in charge of people and they were looking to me, I would square my shit away. Like I, I always worked hard, but I was trying to fly under the radar. I never had a haircut. My uniform looked like shit. But then when he put me in charge of these, <laughs> we got a bunch of A school kids. Um, when he put me in charge mm-hmm. of them, I all of a sudden everything starched, increased, and shiny shoes, and I'm sailor in this quarter. <laughs> there you shit. go. So he he figured me, yep, he figured me out, read me like a book, and by the end of my time at that shore duty, I was a uh, I made first class. I was an EP on the base. I was standing base CDO. I was one of like two first classes doing that. I was getting my MOVSM. I was doing all that shit. So he like he turned me into that guy. Um, but at the ver- at the beginning, it was really bad, and I would say that I learned a lot from what not to do from those experiences. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's it was kind of sad to me that, and, and I still have like throughout my entire career, I would say the majority of the things, the majority of the leadership lessons I've learned were from what not to do. Like when I f- I would get angry that these sailors weren't getting taken care of, 
And so I would analyze that example and, and pull from it the let, like, I'm not going to ever do that. I, like when I'm the chief or when I'm the cob or when I'm the whatever, um, I'm never going to do that to my sailors. I'm never going to put them in that position. I'm never going to treat them that way, whatever. But yeah, it was, it was extremely negative until that very, that very first chief. And I think it was very, um, I was very fortunate that it was a chief that was the one that filled that role and was a good leader for me. And it was my first chief really like, Outside of like RDCs yeah. and shit, which doesn't count to me. <laughs> and 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 that there, people, is how vigilantes are are born. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that like the vigilante thing. Like I get it, but I don't know, man. Like I just it was. It's nothing I wasn't saying in real life. I and I feel like people, yeah, 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 think that I'm like broadcasting pirate radio over here, but and and hiding behind <laughs> anonymity because I'm going to work and just like drinking the Kool Aid, and that's not the case at all. Like I'm, I'm still, no. I still to this day marvel at the fact that I made Master Chief because th- along the way, I mean, I. <laughs> I was speaking truth of power the whole fucking time, man. And so I thought for (laughs) sure I was going to get like knocked down notches on a regular basis. Um, And, and like it didn't not happen, but what was weird about the submarine community about the CS thing is like, I tell people all the time, like I never got a ranked EP as a chief, except when I was at a cook command, like when I was at CSA school, it happened, but that's because I was getting ranked against other CSs, but on submarines, when you're getting ranked against, all the other rates, I never got an EP, not once. And I deserved one a few times too, but I never got one. And what was the irony is neither did anyone else. So it just kind of uh, scaled everything down. You know what I mean? So like at a board, if I'm being being racked and stacked against a group of dudes and, that never got an EP either, my number one MP that's written really strongly, which it was, that's basically an EP because there's no yeah. EPs in the stack. So it it ended up working out this way. Be, I think because of that, like I I should have gotten an EP a bunch of times. I probably didn't because the CEO didn't like when I told him he was wrong all the time. But yeah, it was right. like also it was really strongly written because I did a lot of really good things for the command and for the chiefs or whatever. And I had all the duties and the watch calls and the, all that stuff. So they couldn't they couldn't like rate me super low, but they could not give me an EP. Um, and it just worked out in that way where it was like, it didn't really hurt me because no one else gets EPs on submarines. No, no other cooks are getting EPs on submarines either for the most part. I'm sure it's happened a handful of times, but, uh, it's very uncommon. Um, yeah. So, can yeah. we get into that? Cause you talked yeah. about, uh, just CS is being treated like kind of like mm-hmm. not the best, um, on, on the sub. Mm-hmm. Like, like y'all haven't experienced that. And, um, I know nothing about that. So is it like y'all yeah. just getting like the shit into it's, the stick or something? So here's what's weird, man. Like I, I read a book and I got a book recommendation because you prompted me ahead of time. That's different. But if, if there's any cooks listening and you haven't read the Messman Chronicles, get off your ass, go get that book immediately. It, and it, you, you guys, you know, like it, it's not just for cooks, but it's about cooks and it provides a history all the way back to pretty much the beginning, right? Where, but what it really is, it was written by a corpsman chief, and it's it's a historical account of African Americans in the military, and particularly the Navy. Um, it talks mm-hmm. a lot about it's just the history of uh, when when at the very very beginning when the Philippines was an American territory, they were they were, and you know racism was segregating a lot of the duties in the in the military. 
they would uh, recruit from the Philippines for like uh, ship's cooks, stewards, officer stewards, whatever, like the servant type role on, on the ship, right? And then when they were when they became aware that they were going to lose the Philippines as a territory, they basically turned to the American South for obvious reasons. And so they started mm. recruiting African-American sailors in the military for those types of roles. And then it gets into like the Zoom wall era where another book, and you guys, I'm sure you guys have heard of like um, Navigating the Seven Seas, the Melvin Williams senior and junior yeah, book. Have you guys heard of that? Yeah. Father. Amazing yeah. book. And they get into that where Melvin Williams uh, senior was a, co- he was a, a commissary man. And they merged the rate in the 70s into mess management specialists where the, it was like officer stewards were the, or he was an officer steward. So officer stewards were the, the more segregated servant role where they had less duties or some duties and responsibilities. And then commissary men were like the white dudes and, and whoever else they allowed to do it that did more of like the actual um, like cooking and, and, and more kind of classic CS responsibility stuff. So in the 70s, in the Zumwalt era, Melvin Williams was working, I think, for the CNO as like his aide or whatever. And Zumwalt came and talked to him all the time. And he informed a lot of the... Like the entire creation of the Equal Opportunity Program in the military, largely informed by Melvin Williams uh, Sr. Fucking great book. And you should go check that out as well. But um, the the merger of the rate NMS management specialist was largely his doing where he informed Zumwalt and just talked to him about it. He was because he was like, why is this like this? And how can I make this better? And all this kind of stuff. So, um, but the, the Massman Chronicles book, it talks a lot about the history of and uh, how a lot of that like prejudice carried over when the rates were merged and everything else. And so for a long time, in my mind, it was just like the carrying on of that because I've had a lot of really smart people tell me that I'm dumb because I'm a cook. And I'm like, the f- how the fuck? That's like, you're too smart to be the stupid. Like, how, why would you say something that like that out loud? And then they'd be like, oh man, I'm just joking. And I'm like, yeah, but you're fucking not because you're yeah. treating me mm-hmm. like I'm stupid and you're treating me like I'm not capable of doing a lot of things. And you're treating me like, you know, like I'm uh, on the outside looking in and I'm like not a full-fledged member of the mess or, or whatever. Um, and I've had COs t- like, they just don't take me. They're like, what do you know about it, cookie? You know, and it's like, fuck you, number one. Number <laughs> yeah, two, I, like, and what's weird is like, and not for not, like, I'm not trying to sound arrogant, but I'll like, there's a handful of dudes I'll point at and be like, that dude's smarter than me. But in most of those fucking rooms, I was the smartest guy in the room. I'm like, get the fuck mm-hmm. out of here. Like, don't, don't do that. You're too smart to be this stupid. So I attributed a lot of it to that. And that's why I, I love that book so much. And I encourage all the cooks listening to go out there. I mean, everybody should read it. It's an amazing book. The history in that book is it talked a lot about Dory Miller, about the... And I forget the name of the original school, um, but it was the one Dory Miller attended and the one that they would put all the, uh, the African-Americans that were recruited in that community through. And it just goes into this crazy detail about... It, it's, it's a fucking amazing book. So I, I felt that way about it for, for submarines um, after reading that book and until... I started talking to surface sailors, um, particularly at the A school. I, w- I worked with a bunch of surface chiefs about like what it's like. Like, what's it like on a surface ship? Are you guys kind of marginalized in the same way? And they're like, Nah, not really. Like, it's like like sometimes, but they're like, Not really. And I just talked to my buddy Joe in in Boston about it. And I asked him like, What's it like on a destroyer? Like, are you guys treated the same way? Like, do you get evaluated fairly? Do you have run into the same types of issues? He goes, Not, nah, no, not really. Um, 
And so I think, like I do, I still think part of it is kind of that historical, um, I don't know, stigma where people just believed it and it was kind of like you're indoctrinated into it. Because what I do remember is in boot camp, it was like cooks were stupid. Like they just, and it, that early on, you're indoctrinated into thinking like, oh, they have low ASVAB scores, so they're stupid because that's why they had to be cooked. Mm-hmm. I got a higher ASVAB score than you do. I guarantee. <laughs> um, I'm just like that kind of, I heard that kind of stuff as early as RTC. So I, I do attribute it to some of that. Like you're just indoctrinated into this organization that treats cooks like they're stupid because, and it, to, when I read that book, that was my revelation from it was like, oh, it, that's what this, that's what this is. It's not like, it's just part of the furniture now because they've desegregated it and they got rid of all the reasons. But for that's that thing stuck around, like where, where they just look at you and you're like, oh, well, you're a cook. So, and, and part of it is the way that they structure the organization where you're like, you don't need a high ASVAB score to be a cook. When I was an A school instructor, a lot of people that failed out of other A schools got, got routed to us because they're like, oh, well, this is easier. So we'll send you there, give you a shot there. And then you can go undoes if, if you can't pass CSA school, which contrary to popular belief does happen. Uh, like people yeah. are always like, do anybody, nobody fails out of that school. I'm like, yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah. Did you, did you join so, to be the CS? So no, um, I joined to be a corpsman. I wanted to do something different. Um, I, I always, the long game was always to be like a chef. I, I was still interested and passionate about culinary arts. Like I cooked before I was in the Navy. I wanted to get a culinary degree, but, um, when nine 11 happened, I, I, that was like the, I, I was in college. I hated it. It wasn't my scene. So I was looking at the military cause my brother was in the Navy. My dad was in the Navy. And when I went to my brother's boot camp graduation, I was like, it was like crack, man. Like I saw just the, the <laughs> yeah. grad, it, like it just, yeah. You know, like romanticized vision of a, of, I, I think I was 16 at the time. Um, I, I just was like, Oh, this is so cool. It's like the movies. And then I started watching like men of honor and Pearl Harbor. And I'm like, I want to do that. And so like, I had this romanticized vision in my head of what it was. And, uh, w- when I was in school, I was, that's where I started looking when I was kind of disillusioned with college. And then, uh, nine 11 happens not long after I started, like I was at Michigan state university for the summer term and it, like partway through the fall, September 11th happened and I dropped out. And that's what got me to join. And, and so I was like, I want to do something cool. And I, I, you know, I like full of piss and vinegar. I'm, I'm 19. I want to like make a difference and do something cool in the military. So I was like, I want to be a corpsman. Uh, and I wanted to do like FMF stuff. And then of course, like I've talked about, I talked about it on the unmasked thing. Like at the time I was like, I, I was a little wary cause I had a bunch of Vietnam vet, uh, Marines in my family. So like I heard a lot of stories about, PTSD before it was known to be that and, and how they dealt with it. And then I had an uncle that, um, he was an investigative journalist for the Detroit free press and he basically died of, uh, a drug drug. He died from a drug, uh, problem that was basically him coping with his experiences. Um, and he died, he probably died when he was like 40 something when I was pretty young and he was like my favorite uncle ever. We just thought he was this badass cool guy. And he was, um, but I had this like uh, warning from all that that like I don't know if I'm cut out for the combat thing. Like if I ended, and I would have ended up in like if I was an FMF corpsman, I would have ended up in the sandbox somewhere. Um, yeah. And so I was like, if I yeah. can do that and I can do it well and it doesn't destroy me as a person, I was like, I kind of wanted to try to be a SEAL. Um, 
And then all that went out the window in boot camp because I, uh, I had a marijuana waiver because I smoked a few times as a kid. My brother was into it and whatever. Um, so I, I wanted to be honest about it. And so I had a waiver. Um, they screwed up the waiver in boot camp, and then they put alcohol abuse on my like the jacket to your service record. So at the moment of truth, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is an error. So I went up and I'm like, if I make this a career, I don't want my service record to say I had an alcohol problem. So I went and said, hey, this isn't accurate. I want to make sure that the, it's a dr- it's supposed to be a drug waiver, and I just want to make sure that that was in there and everything's correct. And they're like, oh yeah, that was an error. Like in your record, you had this drug waiver. Um. And then they're like, how many times did you smoke marijuana? And I was like, twice, which is the same thing I said to the recruiter. Same thing I said at MEPS. They're like, that's not what this says, recruit. Bah, 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 and just start lighting me on fire <laughs> and made me reclassify. So I, I, the only thing I had ever known was cooking. And, um, and I told the reclassifier was trying to get me to be an IS or a CT because there were bonuses and I had a high ISM score. And I said, I liked computers. So he's like, and they presumably needed people in those rates. And, and, uh, but they also needed MSs at the time. And I was just like, I'm freaking out. Cause I didn't know, like, I didn't want to be miserable for the next four years. And I didn't know what those guys really did. I had like a blue jackets manual paragraph and that was it. That's all I had to, had to yeah. go on. So I just was scared and I picked what I knew and I was like, yeah, I'll just do MS. And I remember, <laughs> I'll never forget the classifier's face. Cause of my eyes, I square. he looked at me, he's like, are you sure? And I really had to like convince him. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm sure. Like, I know how to cook. I'm good at it. I like doing it. Um, he goes, yeah, I don't think this is what you think it is. And I came in as a surface cook too. Um, and then oh. in A school, we had a chief, the LCPO, the A school was a submariner. And somehow he got told to like, hey, we need submarine cooks. So go recruit some of these kids. So he was like going in and kind of trying like, hey, who wants to be on submarines? You get more money and blah, blah, blah. And it's badass. And <laughs> yeah, it's like, you how you sell it? <laughs> yeah, he was selling it. And so I was just like, more money sounds good. So I me and two other dudes raised their hands. And that's how I ended up on submarines. So, but yeah, I came Dang. in as a corpsman uh, and never got that far. So, all right. So let's fast forward like all the way to today, right? All right. So you out the Navy. Do you pay attention to like the changes and the new nav admins and some of no. the stuff that come out? Not okay. so not really. Um, if a listener brings something to my attention that they think is, you know, ridiculous or something they want me to talk about on a podcast, um, I will. But it there I don't think there's a way for me to stay up to speed like programmatically uh, in any meaningful way because even if I read all the things and um and, and the instructions and the nav admins and all that stuff. I'm not doing it anymore. I have no idea what it's like. And I don't want yeah. to, I don't want to be doing podcasts on stuff that it, it, like I'll become more and more out of touch. And it's just, it, to me, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So um, I'm talking to a dude that uh, he's a CMC that's still in that is interested in doing like a video series, kind of deep diving into some of those programs or like what big Navy's doing that he's in the loop on to try to like bring it down to junior sailors in a digestible way. Um, so I, th- I'm hoping that I can, I can get that spun up and, and do other things like that, or like bring you guys on, bring other people on to talk about that stuff where I can like, I can k- keep up with a conversation about it, but for me to act like I'm still an institutional expert feels disingenuous. So, um, I'm kind of purposefully, not just for that reason, but also just like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to, yeah. like, <laughs> I don't want to do that anymore, man. My brain, like, yeah. I feel like shit's falling out because there's too much there. So it's like, that's the last thing I want to be spending my time on, unless it's something like something crazy happened 
Um, and as a result, I need to be up on it a little bit, but even then I'd probably still drag somebody on to, to serve as the institutional expert on that program. And then I'll just like, you know, be the moderator slash like I'll sure I, some of my experience or, or, or whatever might inform the conversation, but I, I'm not going to try to function as an institutional expert anymore because I just, I don't think, I think I'd be, I eventually I'll be really bad at it. Because I'm not actually doing it. <laughs> yeah, now. like yeah, it's funny though. Like I, I think like right now, I think the Navy's doing like this witches, this witches brew type cocktail when it comes to like culture of excellence, where it's like, mm-hmm. and and a few other programs that got to do a culture of excellence. Um, mm-hmm. I ain't gonna get too deep into it, but it's like, let's throw this in here. Let's throw yeah. this rabbit's foot in here. Let's put this yeah. in the mix. Like I don't know if y'all ever like try to make a cocktail like your own from scratch. Like yeah, yeah. Just throw this in here. I was yeah. This. I was just, <laughs> put this in here. Let's like shake mix this shit all up. mix all the like, paint colors together and then the things yeah. just brown and you're like what happened I thought I'd make you a like cool standing color. by yeah yeah like, you like standing by while somebody tasted like yo try it. Yeah, yeah. Like, and you're like, uh, it's like yeah, a bar mat shot where they just yeah. pour everything that's spilled into <laughs> a shot glass. Like, yeah, because at some point, you, at some point, <laughs> this shit got to come out of the glass, right? And we yeah, got to yeah. taste it. And I like, well, because we're doing a lot, man. We got coaching. Um, mm-hmm. I just listened to a great podcast, uh, E14, uh, about uh, coaching. He's actually mm-hmm. talked to an actual coach. We got uh, EOSC. We got so many different like incentives now. Like, but mm-hmm. at some point now, this, this shit got to come out of this cup and we got to taste it. And it has to work. Like, <laughs> yeah. we got to inculcate, like, you know, it's right. all, it's like it's so much building at some yeah. point you got to put the arc in the water and see how this shit fucking floats, man. And, yeah. um, so that's my thought right now with the Navy is it's a lot of ideas, a lot of shit going mm-hmm. on. But and, I, um, I feel like it's always been that way where there's, there's yeah. this certain yeah. amount of shit that just floats around in the ether at the flag level that never becomes relevant to people like us. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like somebody needed a fit rep bullet, so they rename a program, or they talk about <laughs> some initiative, or they like our leadership development instructions, like the the stuff on the program and the little pamphlet that the CNO signs that gives you this super vague roadmap for like laying the keel or whatever we're doing on this Tuesday. And then so much of it is just like lost in the in the filtration process down to the actual deck plate practical everyday application where it's just like yeah we click through the laying the keel powerpoint and that's about what that's about what's changed some people have done some inlet courses but like the program yeah. has rollout has never really gotten to critical mass so it's just like wh- what are we really doing like n- nothing's changed they just relabeled it and there's a lot of yeah. stuff like that that just floats around in the ether that you hear about and that like you like okay standing by for the new eval system like you can't barely get enav fit to work from what i understand so like standing by for the i've been hearing since i attended the naval senior enlisted academy as a chief petty officer in like 2013 or some shit that oh yeah the new eval system yeah it's coming it's a it's a we're beta testing it well yeah it's coming I'm like, okay, uh, standing by, like still haven't seen it yet. So, you know, you know know what's so crazy? You know what's so crazy about that? That system, man, now is like, it's supposed to work like this. You can send it out electronically and everybody see it, blah, blah, blah. And guess what? We don't even work it like that. Only thing we do is just, just do, do the the beginning of it. It goes straight to our little cars and that's it. Ain't nobody else even chopping this thing. We still doing it by paper. Yep. 
You know what I mean? Yep. We're giving it to them, chop it by this, and then we, it's all crazy. It's hard like, to chop. And I don't want to nerd out on it, but it's hard to add, like, because, you know, uh, at, at our command, like, a YN is the the handler of mm-hmm. this whole, mm-hmm. you know, this whole uh, peer group or whatever, right? And it's hard to, like, you can't have, like, if I'm not directly in a seller's chain of command, for instance, yeah. like, I can't see, you can only assign a certain amount of people to look mm-hmm. at your eval on the yeah. way up. So all yeah. the other shit got to go around that system on paper, which mm. is weird because it's like it's limited to like a certain damn structure that's in the fucking computer, you know. <laughs> so it, it gets kind of it gets yeah. really weird in that yeah. way, you know. What I mean, I thought it was going to like I thought we talked a while ago about like having like yourself compared to yourself and having mm. uh, three sixty evaluations. Yeah, one yeah. of those things, man. <laughs> that was one of those that things. Shit, yeah. <laughs> That shit was right up in the sky. <laughs> well, so like I talked to uh, I talked to uh, some seals when I was in the senior enlisted academy about how they they talked about how they did um, 360 evaluations. So like subordinates, peers, and seniors uh, submit like evaluations of you, and like you get like a score, and then you just see kind of anonymous comments. I think like a kind of like a simio survey, so you don't know where they came from. You just know it's senior subordinates or peers. So like you know these are my peers saying this, or this is my subordinates saying this and they get a lot of value out of it, but it's something they just do in their community kind of it's their own independent thing. And they said they get a lot of value out of it. And that is like, to me is, I think we, that should be our midterm counseling thing at least where we do it in that way. So you're getting that feedback from everyone and it, cause you can ignore one or two negative comments, right? Like on the, on the Simeo surveys, a lot of times, like you'll see like one or two comments for the cop one or two comments about the CO specifically and then a bunch of general mm-hmm. stuff. And it's easy to ignore one or two comments because it's like, ah, one yeah. or two people hate me. Of course they do. Like yeah, I'm in charge. So yeah, it's not a trend. Exactly. So like with 360, it's like if you get 27 comments saying you suck at communication, you can't, that's really hard to ignore. Like that's really hard to discount that like everybody thinks I suck at communication. So it's like, okay, yeah. so I, that's probably going to change my behavior or at least cause me to look real hard in the mirror at that thing. And so like, I feel like that would be amazing, but it's like, yeah, who knows if it'll ever, like I've heard it talked about, but you know, like, <laughs> yeah. is it ever going to yeah, we'll, come into, yeah, we'll into it's going to be in that it's use. Gonna, the bartender got it. <laughs> it's going to be getting mixed <laughs> up for the last, I got, I got, I got a, uh, a different like noted question for you. Um, you, you're, you're a cancer survivor, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, how, how, how do we, how do we, am I saying it right? I could be wrong and be correct. I mean, I, so I'm in remission technically. Uh, I have, uh-huh. I think two more years of monitoring, but it's, I, um, so like I, they basically told me, yeah, you're never going to have another problem again. Asterisk being like, it could always come back in the form that it, it occurred the first time and, or like, they, I did head, like it was head and neck cancer. So I did radiation from like the neck up. Um, mm-hmm. So because I got exposed to all that radiation, I could get tertiary cancers as a result of that too, like skin cancer or like some other crap, like in my eyes or mouth or whatever. Um, but they said there's, a, it's very unlikely. So um, technically in remission, but you know, like I'm pretty confident I'm not going to have a recurrence in the next two years. And then at that five year point, they declare you like cured even though it, you, yeah. know, you could have some other recurrence somehow. Um, but yeah, like I'm 
you, I don't think it's inaccurate to say I'm a cancer survivor though. So, okay. Is that, is that, is remission, is that like getting scanned every six months or something? like Yeah. So they do, I, I was getting scanned. So like for the first year, I think I did it every three months. And then the second year I did it every six months and now I'm doing it, uh, once a year. So like I go in, they give me an MRI with contrast. So they do this really in-depth scan where they do a take, take a picture, pump you full of this stuff that gives you some type of different type of picture, I guess that's more detailed. And then they, so they pump me full of that stuff and that allows them to get another different picture and compare the two or something. Um, but every time I get scanned, they're just like, yep, everything looks great. Like it looks amazing. And then I got, I even got a surgery in August before I got out of the Navy that like, cleaned up. I had a lot of scar tissue in my sinuses because that's where the tumor was. They were like it up in my sinuses and it went into my brain. Um, they it cleaned all that up. So now like I can breathe really well now for the first time in my life. It's helping me sleep better, blah, blah, blah. So um, but yeah, they say everything looks amazing. And so like I'm probably better off than I was before I had cancer in a lot of ways. Uh they fixed so, a lot of stuff that needed that's fixing. Great, man. Yeah. 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 And I and I, I already know you, you know, really well spirited about all of this, but uh how how'd you find out? Was it pain? Were you going through pain and you just happened to go to the doctor or something? No, it was kind of accidental. So I I'm the dude that, yeah, and I, a lot of people do this, but I'm the dude that like, I'd have to be like bleeding out of my eyeballs to go to medical. So I, uh, I waited until I was done deploying on my last submarine. We got back from the very last underway that we did. And I was going to transfer in like three months too. So like at the very end, I was like, Hey doc, give me an ENT referral because on the last deployment, I was blowing my nose and on the right side, it like, I couldn't pass air. It would like pressure would back up. Um, and I'm like, that's not normal. And I've always known that I've kind of had like a, a pretty badly deviated septum and I was just dealing with it. Like I mouth breathe, I'd snore really bad. I got diagnosed mm-hmm. with sleep apnea, um, all that stuff. And I was just dealing with it. Um, I always had a really bad issue with fatigue that I attributed to just bad sleep because I couldn't breathe and I was snoring and sleep apnea and whatever. So, um, it got really bad the last few deployments where I was having a really hard time focusing and remembering things and, and staying awake and alert, you know, and I'm standing eight hours a dive, which is like a ship safety thing every day. So, I mean, I'm like mainlining caffeine, like just trying to deal with it. Um, but we got done. I got away with it. I didn't do anything stupid. I didn't have any mishaps. Um, but at the very end of the sea time, I told my doc, I'm like, Hey man, I really need an ENT referral. I need to get my nose fixed so I can breathe, so I can sleep, so I can blah, you know, like have just good quality of life thinking that's all it was, was like, I just needed to get like a nose job, basically, <laughs> like get it fixed mm-hmm. so that I could breathe. So I went into the Naval Hospital. Um, they're like, yeah, no, yep, badly deviated septum. We'll f- fix it. And then at one point, the ENT doctor, uh, the lady was looking up and she's like, you got something growing up there that we'll remove as we, as we do it and blah, blah, blah. But like, no big deal. Then they did imaging. And then the, when they did imaging, she's like, actually, I think this is a little more complicated than we originally thought. So they referred me to a rhinoplastician at uh, like a bigger military hospital. So I went there. Same thing. They looked at the original imaging. Oh, yeah, you got a benign growth up there. No big deal. We're going to do a surgery. We'll fix your nose. We'll pull that out. All good. You know, like it'll be, we'll do it all at once. Not, not a big deal. So I come in for that surgery. They got me IVs in, gowns on. I'm in the hospital bed, getting ready to go back to anesthesia. And this army captain walks in and goes, actually, we're not going to do the real surgery. We're just going to take a giant sample 
of this thing because it might be cancer. And I'm like, mm. you're fucking telling me this right now? Are you shitting me? I got so pissed because my wife was sitting there. She has anxiety. I like just shit. Yeah, you know I mean, like I couldn't like curate yeah. the message so that she wasn't freaking out. So now yeah. she's like, holy shit. And she dealt with it really well in the moment, but I was about to jump out of the bed bare-assed and fight this captain. Um, I was really pissed. And so then they roll me back. Um, Shut up! Sorry. Dogs. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, they roll me back, do that. Three days later, I've got cancer. Like They call me and they're like, you have cancer? Um, so they said they we think it's this, which it's, a, it's called esthesioneuroblastoma. Real long word. Uh, it's an exotic form of cancer that's one, like, I think one in 10 million is what they told me. Uh, so they like, we're not equipped to deal with this here. So they referred me to a university hospital uh, in a big city that specialized in this stuff. And um, so I went there and they did a bunch of stuff to like uh, it. Cause it's so rare. Like they, they were like, we're pretty sure this is what it is, but they sent, uh, they called it. Um, I think it was my imaging and stuff. They sent to like a, a person who's like, all they do is this and to confirm the diagnosis because they were, it's something they encounter so infrequently, they wanted to be absolutely sure. So they did all that, confirmed what it was. And this was all happening in March of 20. So it was like COVID was just exploding, like where everybody's freaking out, medical stuff's changing. They were like panicking because they were like, we don't know because, you know, like COVID being a respiratory thing, like in your nose, all that stuff. So like, my mm. tumor was in my nose. It was literally on your smell no- nerve. It's your, uh, what do they call it? Olfactory nerve. So uh, they were freaking out. Like, we don't know. Like, the rules are changing every day. They might tell us we can't do these surgeries, blah, blah, blah. So, like, I got my diagnosis. They confirmed the thing. I forget the word for it, but they confirmed the diagnosis. And I was in surgery. Like, I found out I had cancer. I was getting brain surgery like four days later because I, they were like, we got to do this now because they might shut us down and we don't want you to have to wait a year because it might mess you up even worse. Um, so, yeah, they, they uh, rushed me into it, did the brain surgery, which that's the part I was freaked out about. Um, I'm going to yell at my dogs again. Hang on. Hey, audience, he has a dog. <laughs> he got up. Sorry. I think we my wife doing... might be getting home from yeah. work, maybe, but they, yeah, or either that or it's yeah. the Amazon guy. But um, <laughs> the, uh, they, so they did the brain surgery. That's what I was panicked about. But then when that was done and I got out of the hospital and healed up, uh, radiation was just like a, a slog. Like they described it to me as like this, yeah, it's going to suck. It's going to be a grind. It's three weeks of actually doing it, but the effects are going to last even longer. And they kind of snowball. So at the end, it's like, you're wrecked at the end, but then like it kind of, it's like inertia. And then, so when you stop, it keeps going and then it kind of slows down and then you start healing. Um, so it sucked, but it was just a grind. I'm like, that sounds like deployment, man. Like I can do that. I can be miserable for three months. Like it's whatever, (laughs) dude. Um, so yeah, so then I did that and it sucked and, um, you know, I lost some hair. Like I used to have a, a super thick neck beard. And now that hair has gone apparently forever. I thought it would grow back. Then I had this sweet, it looked like I had a McDonald's M on the back of my head. Uh, cause the radiation that they're shooting into my face came out the back. And so I lost all that hair back there and looked ridiculous. Um, but yeah, man. And then it, it all came back and, um, yeah, it took a while. I still have a bunch of like weird tertiary stuff. Like I, I got tinnitus from that, like from the radiation. 
So I get ringing in my ears all the time. I get this weird thing that happens with my jaw where it like doesn't lock up, but I get this like occasionally if when I open my mouth for like the first bite of food or even just talking, it, like I'll do it and I'll get this shooting pain right in the hinge of my jaw that I have to just like, I make a face and go like this and then it goes away. But um, happens a couple times a day usually. A um, bunch of other stuff, just weird like stuff that's kind of gross but it's not you know it's not a huge impact on my daily life it's just yeah. like i gotta do some stuff to maintain but what was your emotional response Yeesh, that's a whole different that's a whole different thing so i was uh my emotional response of to the cancer specifically was um it like it was the first reaction was like, oh, of course I have cancer. Like, and, and I'm just one of those like nihilist type people that, uh, I, I, I've all, I've joked for a long time that like when I was based on my fatigue and just based on all this other stuff, I'm like, ah, I probably have cancer. I probably have like something like some yeah. terminal illness that I don't know about. Um, and, but also just, it was, I don't know. It was this feeling of like, it was supposed to happen and it was really bizarre, but I was just like, of course I have cancer. Like, of course I do. And of course it's like, as soon as they told me there's a growth, like as soon as the first doctor said that I immediately went there and I was like, ah, here we go. Like this, this is about to get weird. And I, I like knew it already, you know, like, and so when they told me, I wasn't surprised. Um, and my mom made this comment when I told her, uh, that it was like this really rare form of cancer. She's like, of course it is. You're an overachiever. Like you have to, you don't just get cancer. <laughs> you get like this exotic, <laughs> crazy form of cancer. Um, yeah. But you know, like it, it so that to me it was, it, the, the, that was the initial response. Um, and then the, when I talked to the doctors, like I, they referred me, referred me, I end up at this university hospital. And I, when I talk about talking to the doctors, it's, it was like talking to fighter pilots. They're like, we're going to cure the shit out of you. Like they were very, very <laughs> confident that they were yeah. going to, they were going to fix me. And so I believed them and, and I didn't have any like conscious worry about it. Really. I was, I was sketched out by the brain surgery because the way they described it to me was we're going to go through your nose to do it. The imaging supports that we can do that, but shit happens. And so when we get up there, we might be confronted with something that we didn't expect. So the, the alternative route was cut me ear to ear this way pull my Ooh. face down, cut my forehead bone out. And then they have my head tilted back and my brain would relax back and they would go in this way. And I, so I would have woke up with like stitches in my head and like looking crazy, all kind of wow, way man. longer recovery. And then the surgery yeah. went longer than it was supposed to. So my wife was freaking out of the waiting room. Like, Oh my God, they had to cut oh. his skull open. Uh, turns out they didn't. It went great. I don't know why it took longer. Uh, I never got that answer, but. I was panicking about that. I'm like, I could fucking die during the surgery. Like something could go wrong and I could die. So we like pan, we got legally married before the wedding was supposed to happen. Cause I, I wanted to make sure she was good and the house and all the shit would go to her. And I was trying to get a will, but then uh, legal told me like, as long as your wife's or your family's not crazy and they don't try to go after your, your stuff, your wife's going to get it all by default as long as you're married. So then we rushed that, did that in the three days, <laughs> like after I found out I had cancer, but before <laughs> the brain surgery, again, it was yeah. COVID. So the courthouse was shut down. So I had to email somebody and hope that it worked oh, out so I could get man. a marriage license, but they were amazing. And they, 
got me in the next day and took care of me during, even though it was COVID. And it was because I told him everything. I was like, you know, like, this is what's going on. I'm about to go into brain surgery and I want to get married legally. So my wife's taken care of and blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. But the actual emotional response was I, and I didn't know it consciously. I'm not worrying about it. Right. But I went into my first radiation treatment. So I'm healed up from the brain surgery. I feel great. I went into the first radiation treatment. We came out to the... And it's 20 minutes. They do the thing. You don't really feel anything. Um, and the the negative effects, like the nausea, and I had sores in my mouth and all this burning and shit, that doesn't happen until way later because it's cumulative, right? So the first treatment, like I felt the same after I came out as I did when I went in. Um, got in the car, fucking just broke down, ugly crying, like fucking sobbing. And my wife's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm not worried about this. Like, radiation is whatever. I know what to expect. The hard part's over already. Like, I'm not... I don't know. Um, and then during it, I mean, I, obviously, I felt miserable as it went on. So like... And I was, I was not in a great mood and kind of like not the nicest person to be around. But it was like, of course I wasn't, right? So my wife wasn't worried about it. But then after radiation was over... And I was like healing up and getting back to normal. Real short temper. I was snapping at her. I was snapping at everybody. I was, I couldn't control my emotions. I was like spinning out a lot. Like this weird, like um, one little thing would fucking set me off. And it was super innocuous shit that doesn't even bother me now. But it was mm -hmm. like, and that would happen. And then my brain would just get caught in this negative feedback loop of me shitting on myself over nothing. And like, I'm an idiot for this. And then... Like, you know what I mean? And then I would just get to this point where I, like, I remember one day I was at kick, a kickboxing class because they do it at the jiu-jitsu gym. And I forgot my hand wraps. And I was so fucking pissed that I forgot my hand wraps. So I left. And I live fucking three minutes away from the gym. Jumped in my car. I'm fucking driving home. Like, just losing my shit. <laughs> Grab my hand wraps. Fucking throw them in the car. Rage drive back to the gym. But my fuck, I'm so pissed. And I'm just like... And I got to the point where... We had a shadow box at the beginning and I'm just like, I fucking just, I don't want to be there. I'm fucking just so angry. And I like, I had to walk out of class and just go sit in the car and I just started fucking falling apart in the car. Wife comes out and I'm like explaining to her like, and I text, had texted the coach. I'm like, I'm sorry. I had to walk out. I just, I'm having issues. And so that's, the, it like pulled a pin on a grenade that I didn't even know was there. And it was just this mm -hmm. cumulative effect of 21 years in the military. Um, when I was standing dive on the boat, I had a lot of anxiety about that. Um, it was like, I had a hard time sleeping. Uh, I'd like review the night orders and study procedures and do all this shit every night, the night before to make sure I was prepared. Cause I was worried there was going to be a fire flooding or fucking whatever. And I wasn't going to be ready. And I was going to be the reason why fucking people died or, or the ship got fucked up or, or whatever. Um, it, but I, I, attributed the anxiety at the time to like, of course I'm doing heavy shit. Like, of course, of course I'm going to feel this way. Assuming everybody felt that way, but they didn't. Um, and so like, I didn't think it was an issue ever. And I didn't think it was an issue that I fucking like, I was emotionally like miserable a lot because work's stressful. And I was like, but, but that's the explanation. So it's normal, but it wasn't normal. And I just didn't recognize it at the time. Um, I didn't think I needed to deal with it. And then when cancer happened, it was like, it forced it all to fuck, you know, like it all came to the surface. Yeah. So that's when I started therapy. Um, and that went, it went well. Um, and I, I started doing really well. Like I, I 
just therapy. And then I was doing like jujitsu. So like, I think that helped. I was, I started sleeping better, started doing really well. And then in February of, it would have been February of 22, I believe. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I, I like it was, yeah, it was like this year, beginning of this year. Um, my brother and two nieces were killed and it's, it's a long story, um, that it, it gets kind of dark and I don't want to, I don't really want to go into it, but yeah, it, sorry, that, that like everything was undone and I was a fucking mess. And I was like, um, it, like it, I, I was barely functioning and it's, so that was, I was already in therapy. So that was good. Uh, and he put me on Limdu and I was on medication and I still am. Um, I'm going to wean off it soon cause I'm doing really well now, but, um, it, it, I was a f- dumpster fire. And so like, then I had to like, you know, working my way back out of that hole. But, um, it was like, I was uh, luckily because of the cancer thing, the response to that, I was forced to deal with what was already there. So I had a lot of tools and a uh, support structure and the, uh, that, when it happened, it got dealt with real quick. Like I was in mm-hmm. therapy. I got referred to a psychiatrist so I could get meds. So I, and I got put on Limdu so I didn't have to worry about work. And so it was like really lucky in a lot of ways. So that's what some of the weird stuff, like at the beginning of the cancer adventure, <laughs> it was like the feeling I had, I talked to my mom about this, the, of course I do feeling. And like, like I knew it was coming. I had this feeling like I, I'm, some like it was supposed to happen for a reason. Like I needed to learn something or like something needed to happen. And I never really like, I knew it was possible logically, but the feeling part, I didn't ever feel like it. I, I didn't think I was going to die. I didn't think I mm. like, especially after talking to those doctors, but even in the interim before I got told all those things, I never had this feeling that I, I was like, going to die. It was just like, I was going to go through something really hard and I needed to learn something from it. And I needed to, like, I was going to come out the other end better kind of feeling. And in a real weird way, because it's a weird way for it to happen. Like I am better. Like I, a lot of, I, I didn't even know I had anxiety and, and depression to confront. And then when that happened, it forced me to, and then I dealt with that. And then because I was in therapy for that, when that shit with my brother and the, and the girls happened, I was already in the hands of pe- capable people like that could help me. And they did. And thank God they did. Cause I was a fucking mess, dude. Like if I was ever going to go to a, a, like a place where I was suicidal, like that's when it would have happened. Like really, I've thought about, I've had thoughts and all. I'm one of them dudes. Like I freak out mental health people when they're like, have you ever thought about doing it? I'm like, yeah, I know I have, but I've never gotten to like planning and ideations and stuff. That's when it would have happened, but I was already in very capable hands and they immediately dealt with it. And, and I had a great support network of like friends and family too. And, um, so like I, I never came close to that. Um, I was in a real dark place, but like just mourning, you know, like, and I did it in a really healthy way and I got to talk to my therapist about it. I got to talk to other people. I actually, Jeff Bayless being the saint of a human that he is, uh, I did. I recorded. So my therapist said, you should write down stuff about the relationship with those people and just memories and stuff because it, you because they're gone, there may come a time where you start forgetting things and you're going to want to remember them. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. And I was like, well, what if I recorded it? And he goes, what do you mean? And I, he knew about the podcast stuff because it was hard to talk about certain things without bringing it up. So I just explained it to him. And uh, 
he's like, yeah, no, I think that's a really good idea. And I was like, cause I was a guy that I talked to that I think would be really great to like work through this stuff with. So I actually recorded, I mean, me and Jeff were at probably like two and a half, three hours. And I don't, I don't think I ever plan on publishing it. It's just for me to like, listen back to, but like we talked through a bunch of it, uh, when I felt like I was ready to, and I thought like that helped a lot too, you know, like, so, um, and I have it to like, look back on. Cause I told a bunch of stories about, Steve and the girls to like give Jeff context and just to, because that was kind of part of the point, but yeah, man, in a weird way, I like, I am, I am an infinitely better human being in an infinitely better place and happier than I've been in my entire adult life. Uh, and I think that a large part of it was that I dealt with all those things and then, um, retiring helped a lot too, like just completely removing the stressor of active duty. Like it just, that was a big part of the anxiety and, um, and I was having a hard time going back and forth about like, should I retire or not? I had this complex about like, I had a lot of people that thought I would be a really good cop. And that based on that, people telling me that both like junior people that wanted me to be their cop and even people from the podcast saying, God, I really, w- I hope I end up on your boat. And then yeah. like my, my mentors too, like that CMC I told you guys about. Uh, he was really excited for me to be a cop. He thought, you know, oh, I can't wait to get you on a boat, you know. Um, so I thought I was letting people down by considering retiring and like prioritizing my mm. physical and mental health and all that kind of stuff. And so I had to work through that. And then my, uh, the cop that was my cop when I made chief, he's like the, I look at him, he's like my chief dad, you know, like he's the, he built me. He's the reason I'm the way I am in a lot of ways as a chief. Um, I, I talked to him. He had throat cancer and found out about my cancer. And so he we got on the phone and talked just about that. But then the conversation naturally went to the, so what are you going to do? Are you staying in? Are you going to go be a cop? Whatever. And I kind of let him know where my head was at about it. And he told me, he goes, two, he said two things that, and it was like, I know the dude loves me, but like, I didn't know. I had the complex about the cook thing and there's reasons for that. But from, from that boat where I kind of thought he didn't think I could do it. Um, and he told me, uh, two th- he said two things. He said, one, you'd be a really great cob, which was a big valid- validating thing for me. But he- then he also, he goes, but you don't have to be. And then we went into this conversation about it and it like all of the anxiety and like, uh, apprehension I had about making a real decision, even though like logically I felt like I should retire just fucking gone. Like he just gave me permission to retire that I didn't even know I needed you know what I mean? But like when he said it, I was just like, I'm good. Like decision made. Yeah. And I felt great about it after that. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. And so like retiring was a huge part of it too. And now I'm like, I'm happier than I've, I can ever remember being in my entire adult life and, uh, just more at ease about everything and like happy and prioritizing things. Like I, I got to go to that cheese spinning that for that kid that was pretty, pretty local, a couple hours away. And then I just flew to Boston for a couple of days because my best friend uh, got promoted to senior chief. And it's like, I can do shit like that now. And, and I, I prioritize things like that now because it's important to me. And I want to be there for those things um, because that's more important to me than like my continuing as a CMC where I continue to miss shit. Like I can't be there. I can't see my family as much. I can't be there for big events. I can't, um, like prioritize people and experiences and relationships over that shit. 
Um, yeah. but now I can. So like, it's everything, man. Like it's, I'm in, I'm in an infinitely better place and I would have never plotted this course thinking that's how I needed to get there. You know what I mean? But, uh, it's yeah. in a weird way. It's, it's, I didn't want those things to happen, but it's extremely fortunate that they did because I don't know that I would have ended up in the same place. And so it's a real weird thing to contemplate, but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. You talked a lot about like adversity. You talk about the adversity of cancer, but it's so many, you know, so many adversities that uh, people go through. And that was yeah. a heavy story in itself. And as you were talking, I was just thinking about like all of these things as like characters. And I was thinking about the brain probably being what the brain is, like mm-hmm. the alpha, most likely the, yeah. the leader, the, 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 the strongest one in the mix. But you, and you got your heart, you got your body, you got your, mm-hmm. you know, your soul or spirit, however you look at life. And it's, I could see myself like with my brain trying to lead the charge. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good. But my body, like, yo, like, right. We're not good. And like, like my, your my spirit, you know? Yeah. Like your yo, unconscious mind gets a fucking vote, man. And, and yeah. it's a, it's a really bizarre thing to feel like you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof one day. And then the next day, like you, I couldn't control myself. I couldn't, yeah. I, I, I would have fucking panic attacks where it's like, I, I wasn't in control of my body's response and I wasn't in control of my emotions. And I, I didn't, it's a real bizarre feeling to like not yeah. be in control. Like I, I didn't think that yeah. was possible. Yeah, because I think, I personally think, I think you could will your way out of any yeah. fucking thing. You know what I'm yeah, saying? You, like, mm, I, I did too, like, man. I, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. it's not and true. I, I talked to my mom. Yeah. yeah. I talked to my mom and my wife. And like, you know, sometimes I talk to them about the same thing. And yeah. I know that was like, you know, I talk a lot about Steve Jobs, but that was like his thing too. When he had, he mm-hmm. thought he could will his way. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's not real. Yeah. And it's not, good. it's not, I don't think it's like, a non-factor. Like I think your attitude and your, your outlook and approach and all those things like conscious and unconscious, the the things that you, cause that's something that like learning more and more about how the unconscious mind affects you. It's like, I am very like my wife will be like, she watches weird like reels and stuff. And she's into like dramatic stuff or like, like like weird, like world star or like just shit, shit like, like <laughs> confrontational or like weird yeah. drama stuff. And she's like, hey, I want to show you this thing. I'm like, what is it? You know what I mean? And she'll tell me what it is. I'm like, I don't want to see that. And it's not, and she's like, it's not a big deal. And I'm like, it's a big deal to me. Like shit like that affects me mentally. And I I never thought it was, man. I thought I was just had like the mental fortitude of like a fucking, I don't even know, like a Tibetan monk. And (laughs) I had the broader shoulders and I've, deeper, harder work capacity than everyone else. And I could take it and in, I can do things other people can't. Like I thought I was superhuman until I wasn't. And then I had to confront that reality. And and I learned a lot about like the inputs, like it, shit gives me anxiety, man. Like I don't want to yeah. see that shit. It affects my mood. It affects my outlook. It, it's going to affect how I interact with you. I don't want that input, man. Get that shit away from me. And if I didn't have yeah. to be on social media, I, I wouldn't be. I, I fucking, I don't want that input. There's a lot of shit I see that I'm just like, I don't want, I just don't, I'm not interested. It's fucking negative. And, and I'm aware that, I'm aware of how I process it consciously. Could I take watching that video? Yeah, probably. But I am also aware that my un- unconscious mind gets a vote and I don't want to feed it that bullshit. You know, like I don't want yeah, that stuff you, to be you, part of the conversation. You gotta... Yeah, you got to control your algorithm, your yeah. own personal internal algorithm. Right, you have to. I got so 
man, we've been talking about so much shit, man. Thanks so much. You, you can split it in um, two, man. I got almost all day. But, My uh, wife will be home in like oh, the next probably hour, and then I gotta go feed her. Yeah, she wants Mexican food. No, we, we, uh, I don't know. Yeah, we so. going for the for the <laughs> listeners for the listeners. Uh, we we gonna wrap we gonna wrap soon. Y'all uh, y'all probably all right. get a volume too, man. Because I'm having such a great uh, that's time. That's all good. But we um, can do this as many times as y'all want to. I love talking to you guys. What's your uh, what's your book, bro? Let me get your book. Is that the book recommendation? So, um, so because, <laughs> yeah, you see because, how come <laughs> like, hey, because, yeah, because you got, <laughs> because you guys, uh, are like your audience is who they are and because you got like who you're targeting and stuff. Um, cause like I, I got some other books that I like am personally the bigger fan of, but like this book changed my entire outlook on the Navy in particular. Right. And I did a bunch of podcasts on mm-hmm. this that you may or may not have listened to, but it's a it's this book. It's called The Peter Principle. Right. And what it is, is it's it says it's the subtitles why things always go wrong. And the the Peter Principle itself, uh, it, it, in a nutshell, is in and I'm gonna read it off the cover, in a hierarchy, every employee tends to rise to his level or his or her level of incompetence. And what they mean by that is uh basically like the and the military and any hierarchy or like bureaucratic style of an organization that that ha- is like a ostensibly a meritocracy but really is just like a hierarchy in the definition that the peter principle talks about every employee is going to be promoted to uh higher and higher positions but they're being promoted based on inaccurate inaccurate criteria so if you think about when we're evaluating somebody for promotion to chief what are we actually looking at? Because we talk about like we're tr- like trying to identify leadership, uh, like demonstrated leadership. But what we're really identifying is leadership potential. Like we're saying, based on my analysis of these documents, I think this person has the potential to be a good chief petty officer. But really, when I'm looking at the eval, I'm evaluating their technical ability and the things that they mm-hmm. personally have done with uh, the the career field, but then I'm going to promote them into a position where they're not doing that anymore. They're managing people. They're planning. They're doing a bunch of institutional shit that has nothing to do with their job, right? So I'm promoting them based on erroneous criteria into a position that I have no concept really if they if they uh, have the ability to do right. And maybe they'll they'll be good at it, right? There are people that are obviously, otherwise all the chiefs would suck, and they don't. So there are people that will promote to that level and and keep up that maybe they had great mentors. Maybe they studied leadership development. Maybe they do things on their own time and worked through the bumps and now they're just a strong leader and manager. But eventually, they inevitably get promoted to a position that they are incompetent. And, and it's not that... It's one of the reasons that I kind of changed my uh, understanding of that word in a lot of ways where it, if I say, hey, you know, Damo, you're incompetent. You're going to take that as like, mm-hmm. that hurt my feelings, man. That's like a critique of my intelligence. When I yeah. say it in, in this context, when I say like chiefs are incompetent at leadership development in the Navy, what I'm really saying is like, by no fault of your own, you don't have the, the ability to do this thing correctly and we need to fix that. So like, I don't, I don't look at it like it's a negative thing. I just look at it like the organization promotes you based on the organizational priorities and within the organization system to a position based on erroneous criteria. And now you're in this position where you're not equipped to do this job because the organization didn't prepare you 
And because the, the ascension up the, the stages in that hierarchy didn't prepare you either. So it's not your fault that you arrive in a position where you're incompetent. It's, it's just an inevitable reality of the way that this hierarchy functions. And that's what the book's about. And what's really cool about it is it's written... It was written like in the 70s, I think. But the way that this... Mm-hmm. His name's Dr. Lawrence J. Peter. And then uh, Raymond Hull is a guy that just like helped him write the book that was really interested in his work uh, and kind of convinced him to write the book. It's written through like this lens of, of comedy a little bit where he kind of understood uh-huh. that he needed to make light of some of the stuff. So it's, it's a fucking hilarious book, man. When I first started reading it, I was sitting in medical in like the waiting area for the pharmacy. And I just kept like randomly laughing out loud as I was reading the book and I was like highlighting these passages and stuff. And it's like, it's a really great book that it has a lot of really incredible information that it, in my mind, the reason I was so like excited about it when I started reading it is it answers a lot of the questions that frustrate the shit out of junior sailors. Like it'll help you understand why the Navy functions the way it does, why it does some of the just inane, illogical things that it does, why it it promotes the way that it does, why it recognizes people the way that it does. It's really, I've always wanted the question answered of like, why the why does this large organization full of smart people function so ineptly? And it answers that question. And it's it's fucking awesome. I highly, highly recommend the Peter Principle. It's a really yeah, great I'm book. Check it out. I'll yeah, check it out. I did some podcasts on it too. If people don't like, if you don't have time to read it, I did a bunch of like, re- like book, uh, like book report podcast kind of things. I don't know if I, I probably had like didn't do the whole book, but I did a good chunk of it. So it captures the the ideas. But if not, yeah, like I yeah, highly recommend reading it. It's really good. Yeah. It's entertaining too. So so we've been saying D guts a lot, um, mm-hmm. and uh. You know, we got some civilian listeners and some people yeah. that might not be familiar with, you know, some people that if, some people that have been sleeping under a rock. But so what what does D-Guts uh, stand so, for? Don't give up the ship. It's the it's the story. Uh, I had a cob um, that on my the boat I did my first chief's tour on. Uh, he would use the monologue. Uh, he would do a monologue for field day. Uh, he would get on the 1MC and start talking about... Um, the concept of, of not giving up the ship. And he would tell the background story of like Captain Lawrence and the battle and how he cried out, don't give up the ship, fight her till she sinks. And he would use that analogy uh, and apply it to like what we do every day. Like everything you do, you should be approaching from the, the lens of this is my ship and I'm going to like t- possess it. Like I'm going to treat it like it's mine in the way that I, move through it in the way that I operate the equipment and the way that I stand my watch and the way that I uh, clean and the way that I interact with the people on it and support them and and back them up and whatever. Um, and it was something that it was a really like, it was a pretty legendary monologue. And there's actually guys that went on to be cobs on other boats that kind of like plagiarized it for their own use. But he did this really <laughs> epic monologue that wasn't just that he did some other stuff where he would talk about the ship and, um, he would end it with the um, the uh, ship. And he would use the ship's name. He's like the ship is a national asset, and the men that man her are national treasures. And it was mm-hmm. it was really cool. Um, so that was something that stuck with me, and I, I identified with it a lot. And I love heritage. So when I was just looking for, I needed to name the podcast something, and uh, that was something. I was still pretty fresh, like I had just gone to shore duty from that submarine. Um, and a lot of my, uh, like foundation as a chief is built on that. So I was just like, it was, I, I like had to be that. 
Um, and I, you know, I don't know. I really like the flag that it was the Oliver, Oliver Hazard Perry flag is the don't come up the ship flag. That was, he, he flew it as his, his flag on his ship, uh, to honor his friend, which was Captain Lawrence. But, um, yeah, man, I, I don't know. It just, it seemed like the, the most appropriate answer to that question. And so that's what I ended up naming it and built it on the, that backstory of, uh, the don't give up the ship, like origin story of Captain James Lawrence and him crying out at the end. Um, and I liked it. I liked it for the other reason, like the parallel reason of, of what I was focusing on so much at the time. And I still do of like the, all the things we can do better. It was, it started as like doing better as just leaders, like, and, and junior sailors developing as leaders. And then it became the chiefs chiefs and the chiefs mess being better and the programs being like, do better. Like you guys were talking about, like it was, it was that it was like, don't give up the ship. Like we can fix this. You don't need a nav admin. You don't need the CNO to intervene. I don't need the fucking Mick pond to fix it for me. I can fix this. We can fix Uh this. And it was like that, don't give up the ship, fight her till she sinks. Like that concept resonated a lot with me too. And so it just seems super appropriate. D Guts from uh, D Guts Podcast, man. D Guts, don't give up the ship podcast, man. Hell yeah. Hey, um, but wh- where can they find you? Where can they listen? Yeah, man. Uh, a lot of places. So you can, the podcast is on every podcast platform you can imagine. Just search don't give up the ship podcast. Uh, you can go to dgutspodcast.com. That's the website. You can link to the SoundCloud stuff there. Um, we got a bunch of other stuff on that website. And then uh, I actually do apparel too, which you guys have shouted out before and I appreciate you for it. Uh, don't, if you, it's don't give up the ship apparel. If you go to dgutsapparel.com, we got a bunch of like the catchphrases, uh, naval pride and heritage gear you'll actually wear in public because it's like the stuff... <laughs> like the yeah. section at the next is pretty cringy. And a lot of the, a lot of the stuff you see online from like retired dudes, just like peddling like cheesy chief shirts and stuff. It's not. Yeah, that. It's um, and it's my goal to keep it that way. Uh, I've had a lot of people contact me trying to get it to me to develop like corny chief shirts. And I'm like, I'm just not going to get that <laughs> stuff somewhere else. Um, and we have like stickers and a bunch of other crap, but, um, and then yeah, Patreon, if, if they listen and they love it, and they want to check us out there, patreon.com slash DS podcast. And then you can find me on social media at DS podcast, pretty much everywhere, like Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, discord I'm active on discord. I'm in the Navy, uh, the Navy server they got, um, I'm in there quite a bit. And then I have my own server that is like kind of part of the Patreon thing. And, um, and then, yeah, I'm on Reddit too. At Deacon's podcast, same thing. Well, it's like you, Deacon's podcast, or whatever. But yeah. Um, yeah, man, all over the place. I'm trying to be as active as I can be. And, and like I said, I'm kind of getting, I'm like revving it back up after I kind of took like a little sabbatical after I retired. Yeah. But yeah, they can find me in all those places and uh, they can contact me on all those platforms or the, the email that's on the website. So yeah, bro. And you respond, bro. You got a synergy with, you got a, <laughs> I tried, a really I tried good to be, synergy. Bro, I, I see it, man. You got yeah. a, a really good synergy with um, your audience, you know, the people yeah. that listen. And I, like some of these words get weird. You know, we say audience and shit, shit mm-hmm. like that. But you got a real good synergy, man. And I want to tell you, I told you this when we uh, did your show, man. Mm-hmm. Thanks for fighting a good fight, bro. Um, that's yeah, what you're doing, I'm man. Sure. You know, I'm, and, I, and I know. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and I know you hate, you know, I know you probably just like any of us, like hate to hear you know, like people sing your praises, but now yeah. I appreciate you for fighting that good <laughs> fight, man. Um, it's mission oriented, man. And we need more people out, man, outside of the fact about what we do. Right. And I get a little emotional when it comes to this type of shit, but outside of the fact that 
like whatever the goal is, it's mission oriented, right? Yeah. And it's giving people a chance to hear something from somebody in the mess. And it's taking some, it's, it's adding some transparency to me to a place that needs to be fucking transparent. Yeah. Um, to save time, I kind of threw out my topic about these Facebook groups that I really, um, we got to <laughs> dig into soon. Yeah. But I just think that we need to lift the veil a little bit more and they need yeah. to see that we're like, we're yeah. human. Um, we're wrong. Yep. We go through shit. We fucked up. We, you know, yep. um, and, and we got thoughts and we got plans and we got mm-hmm. ways to do shit. And a lot of people talk about going command and Cobb and going CMC. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I know sometimes I even think that like, like if you thinking this from listening to this podcast and listening to me talk, like how much of this shit can I really do if I set that seat? Right. But I don't even want to go too crazy. (laughs) I don't even want to go too crazy about that. (laughs) Well, I I think you could do it. But the reason I retired was I I arrived at this place where I was like, I mean, there's a lot of reasons and we've talked about a bunch of them. But like the reason why I decided to, to call it a day from like a professional perspective was I the podcast has demonstrated to me and just being a leader in the Navy for a long time uh, and a chief, it's like, I realized that because everybody's like, oh man, I really like, I've had podcast listeners a ton of time. Like, man, I can't wait till you're a force master chief. I want you to be a fleet. I want you to be the MCPON. And I'm like, how much could I actually change if just me is in that position? Maybe I could affect some some real meaningful institutional level change if I was the MCPON. Maybe. But I've seen all these dudes go into that job and it doesn't seem like a lot gets done. And I maybe some of it's just not publicized, but I think what they encounter is the hierarchy and the bureaucracy that's in DC. Mm-hmm. And they just bump up against all these obstacles that they can't find a way to get around because... It's only them shouting at the wind in a lot of, of scenarios. It's not the entire yeah. department of the Navy getting on board and going one direction. And so what I found was like, I can only affect my sphere in, of influence. Like the, the people that are in my direct orbit. So like when I'm an LCPO, I got the division. And then maybe so, it like it, I got some tertiary, like secondary effects a little bit outside of that based on maybe a collateral duty or just being a good chief on the ship or whatever. And then I go, I'm a department chief now. Okay. So like now I've got my direct sphere of influence is a little bigger. And then that, that secondary effect is a little bigger. But as soon as I leave, it's fucking gone. So it's like, Mm. how, how big of an effect do I get to have if I like I'm I'm affecting those people that are there while I'm there, and then hopefully I imparted something in them that they take with them. But other than that, it's like any changes I make to the organization can get undone just as fast as soon as I walk away. So it's yeah. like in my mind, I was just like, man, even as a CMC, I'm still only I'm gonna create a good experience for 180 sailors for as long as I'm at that command, but then I'm gone. And it was so what yeah. did I fix? I made an impact, sure, but like, what did I fix? And I was interested in fixing the fucking problem, not just being a positive influence, like not shielding some people from the problem for three years. You know what I mean? When, so when, that- when D Guts was here, we, you know, one of <laughs> yeah. those, when such yeah, and such was here. Exactly. Man, it's, and it's crazy because we need McPons, we need fleets, we need forces, but we mm-hmm. need, don't give up the ship. We need, exactly. Podcasts, and we need stuff like I can, that too. I can tell you, I feel like I've made much more of an impact on the organization through the podcast by a country fucking mile. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I can, I could stack up the amount of feedback and just messages saying like, 
like that chief that I met on the constitution, man, it fuck. I, and you're right. Like it does make me uncomfortable, but he was like, he was like, I was in a really dark place and, and your podcast saved me, man. It like turned me yeah. around as a chief and, and totally fixed like what was going on and everything else. And I'm just like, that's a fucking powerful thing for somebody to say to another person. And, and, and mm. the number of things that I've gotten like that, um, I just, it blows my fucking mind every time it happens. I show it to my wife. I get emotional about the shit. I, I can't even, it's, it's wild, man. And it's like, so, and, and I've gotten that as from people I've directly influenced as a chief too, but like, it's far outnumbered by the podcast. And just the fact that like, I, I've never even met these people except, for, I mean, the one dude, but like, <laughs> I mean, like these yeah. are people I'm only interacting with through the podcast. And a lot of times we're not even like, interacting they're just receiving listen, you know? like they're yeah. just listening yep. and and i've had people tell me i've changed their life and i've saved them and made them a better chief and like blah 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 and it's just like holy shit you know like i can't yeah. even it's like, shit, and, like and i, I said, get bro, to you, do it on a on a bigger scale yeah. and i get to continue like, doing it now that i'm an old retired guy and like yeah i it's yeah. you fighting a good fight bro like i said you fighting a good fight <laughs> i appreciate it i was on reddit oh, one yeah. day and uh i saw some sellers like yeah you know we looking for some podcasts outside of yours and i saw Ooh. you suggest our pod so i appreciate yeah, that yeah. too it's i got like, you yo, fam i love you guys you, you guys freely. are the best <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah. hey man thanks that's that's it that's my words what yeah. i know damon probably got uh, that's man thank you so much bro. yeah man hey hey thank you man for being on man of course big time man hey we love talking to you too though man we, this is big time man <laughs> thank you Hey, conversations don't get no better, man. Yeah, we be yeah. <laughs> we've been all over the place, man. So, hey, good talking to you, man. Keep doing what you do, man. We'll be listening, keeping Hell up yeah. with you, and hopefully we get you back on here again, Absolutely. man, real soon. Anytime. This was a blast. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs> yeah, man.